Okay. Hello again, everybody. Welcome What's back. What's up, chat? Yeah, we are at part seven of this epic adventure through film and through uh, history and time. Uh, we're like almost done with this. If you can believe it. <clears throat> if you believe in miracles, this is it. It's happening. <laughs> Do you believe in magic? <laughs> so um yeah we uh are gonna do another 10 films on our list <clears throat> and you know as we said before like this is just uh how we feel right now about film in uh this this crazy time the year of our lord 2020 <laughs> yeah where we're we're all kind of stuck inside and there's a global pandemic but we're still trying to you know do what we love talk about yeah film. Just talk about movies. Talk about our favorite movies and emphasis on our favorite movies. This is not a definitive. We say this every week, but, you know, it's not a definitive top 100 countdown of the best movies ever. Certainly my list isn't. It's just movies that I'm really passionate about that uh, I really like. And I always try to argue, like, the kind of context behind it and, like, why I feel a certain way. And we talk about, you know, we, we talk about stories about, like, when we first saw the films and stuff and how they affected us and why they're placed where they're placed. So it's more of just a back and forth discussion. We're just kind of hanging out, shooting the shit, talking about our favorite movies. Yeah, totally. Um, and, you know, if you've stuck with us this far, you've heard us talk about a lot of really cool stuff. And, yeah. you know, this is this is it. This is kind of do or die time. Yeah, this dude. This is where we get into like the really, really, really seriously good stuff. Yeah, I was telling him right before we started recording that um, every single like every single top ten from here on out could be its own top ten. Like it could be the top ten as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I feel so strongly about all these movies and I'm so passionate about them. So it was just impossible to rank them, but we rank them anyways. So <laughs> that's the exercise. Yeah. We'll get into it. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, I guess so. So I'll start off for this uh, segment. So uh, so my number 40 is uh, Grand Illusion by John Renoir mm -hmm. from 1937. So this is, so pretty much it's an anti-war film. Um, it was uh, sort of the, it's the story is about World War One, And so it's, you know, this group of French soldiers and um, they are sort of captured in this World War One German prison camp. And then they're transferred to a high security fortress. And then they have an escape plan that they have to mm -hmm. keep from uh, this German officer. Um, the story, what the story really thematically is about is like how, you know, we, we, we do all these things to like make other people seem like they're different from us, but they're really not like the things that make human beings, um, I guess, sort of the same or relatable or like, like the things we have in common are more important than the things we don't have. And how, you know, <clears throat> these things like, oh, you're French and you're German, so I have to hate you. Right. That just, you know, he just really sort of did something to attack that with this film. Um, but at the same time, it kind of shows that, you know, human beings aren't totally there yet. Being able to really understand that these, these boundaries, these borders, these things don't really matter. And so, you know, we sort of see characters kind of kind of get that but then they kind of go the other way where they just don't really fully embrace their fellow man um and so yeah it's, it's just a really beautiful film it's it's a great like way like a thematic story to put on top of like the basically like a almost like a heist or like a get out of prison kind of film yeah 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 um yeah i just and, and you know again this was this was this was done like right sort of before well yeah sort of leading up into world war ii it's brewing it's coming yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that context really kind of matters. Um, that, yeah, I, I love this film. I think it's great. That's what I was comment going to comment on too. Is like you were talking about how it's uh, it's bringing up these ideas of like 
in in reality you know like we it shouldn't be like we shouldn't be having these things of like this is mine this is yours you know i have to hate you because i've always hated you kind of a thing uh and it's just kind of ironic that this is put out right before world war ii <laughs> like that always struck me as kind of like the ultimate irony with this movie is that like it's trying to have this message and and then you know the world literally goes to hell <laughs> But uh, other than that, I mean, it's a it's it's an absolute classic. Yeah, and he's um, you know, like a lot of people like his film. What is it? It's like Rules of the Game, mm-hmm. um, which is like this sort of social commentary. And I I never got that film. Like to be honest, like I never got it. I, I probably need to see it again. But like I watched it and be like, what the hell? <laughs> um, but this film really struck me, and it, it like like I really got it from like the first time seeing it. I really, yeah. Really There's something it. about like the the. I don't want to say something about there's something about a good POW movie. No, <laughs> there's something about just like um, the not necessarily the camaraderie, but just like seeing people in like people are put in a place and they can't get out or they have to get out or what are they going to do? Like, how would you react in this situation? Kind of a thing. Like we talk about these scenario based mm-hmm. films all the time. Like that's something that I really like. And there's just yeah, there's just something about that of, of a kind of a simple ish. I mean, this is far from a simple premise, but like. You know, that's like you want to root for these guys and you want to you want to figure out like, okay, what would I do in this situation? What are they going to do? Like, what is this saying about the whole kind of state of the world at that point? It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because like there's another film sort of like this Dalek 17. uh, But just again, it kind of plays that Mm -hmm. the the people that are trying to escape the, the camp for a different thematic purpose. Um, Yeah. I just like like this. This film really kind of it nails it. And what it's trying to say really nails it. Yeah. I haven't seen this film in a very long time. I think I watched it like when I was in college the first time. So like a long time ago. But um, yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a good film. What can I say? Yeah, it's a great one. Um, yeah. So that's my number 40, uh, Grand Illusion by John Will. Number 40, dude. Starting off strong. Uh, my number 40 is a movie that we've already talked about. And let's just talk about it a little bit more. One Flew Over is the Cuckoo's Nest. Uh, one yeah. flew over the cuckoo's nest. Uh, yeah, I mean, this movie is just fucking incredible. Uh, again, we talked about the kind of all the different pieces that had to come together. You have this like crazy, insane book that was written by a guy just on pretty much experimental LSD at that point, And just the he had the wildest trips and he documented them very well in that book. Um, the book, of course, is told through the perspective of the chief, which is not how the movie is told. The movie very much hangs on Jack Nicholson, which is, you know, amazing. Um, Jack Nicholson, one of the greats. I mean, we talked about him. He was um, he was an easy writer and kind of he was in a lot of those like new Hollywood uh, movies like the new wave or whatever of those new Hollywood movies. And uh, it's just such an interesting movie because it doesn't feel dated in any way to me, like in, in, in a way that like a lot of other 70s, like you can point at a thing and say that's a 70s. Like there's another movie, I believe that this week on my list that you could point at it and say that's a 70s music or that's a 70s movie. Like the soundtrack, the outfits, the kind of the types of people, the way they talk, everything about it is 70s. Cuckoo's Nest is just kind of a real human story about these people kind of not necessarily trapped in this insane asylum, but. They're there and they have to just deal with it. And it's just like all these interesting scenarios. I mean, I love this film kind of for how watchable it is. Like, and yes. it's also, it's it's another one of those, like you were saying, like a, a TV all-star. Like if this movie is playing on TV, you're not turning, you're not flipping the channel because every, no matter what, like you could drop in at any point in this movie and it, it's just like 
it's a compelling scene. It's just mm-hmm. every single time mm-hmm. you drop in a scene with Nurse Ratchet and you're like, what is this crazy bitch talking about? You know, you drop into a scene yeah. where they're, you know, they're playing basketball and, you know, Jack Nicholson's out there wheeling and dealing on the basketball mm-hmm. court. Like, it's just funny and it's it's relatable and it's really tragic at the end. And I want to give a special shout out to Brad Dourif, who I feel like does not get enough credit just in general uh, as an actor. Uh, he plays Billy. I think Billy's his character's name, right? In this movie, I believe so. I'm not the, sure. the 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 young kid at the, yeah, at the yeah. end, yeah. Uh, he is just it's such a understated, like amazing performance <laughs> that he gives, uh, and it, you kind of remember by the end of it, like, oh yeah, these are all mental patients technically, but you know, it the movie's about the institution, right? It's about what the institution does to the to the individuals. So I don't know. It's just it's such a great movie, and uh, I just love how endlessly rewatchable it is. And again, it doesn't really get mired into the like oh yeah that's a fun artifact from its time like this is you could watch this movie in a hundred years and it's still just as fun yeah totally like it's it's a masterpiece great acting um i think this was one of the oh, very few films to like win like the big five so like yes a- at the oscars yeah so it won like uh best picture best director best cinematographer best actor best actress and i think <laughs> did it win screenplay yeah as well? it probably Probably I'd have to look it up. I would I would think best adapted would make sense if it. Was. But see, yeah, this is, it. Um, this is best picture. Okay, best picture, best actor. So this is the big five: best picture, best actor in a leading role, best actress in a leading role, best director, best writing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, yeah, and it won all those. All of those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very impressive. Yeah, it's a great uh, film. It's a great film. And uh, shout out, I didn't know this, or maybe I did, and I didn't remember, Brad Dourif nominated for Best Supporting Actor in this movie. Should have yeah. won. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I think the film is just so rewatchable. It's just yeah. so... It's something, it, it's something that I could recommend to anyone. If anyone is like, oh, what's a good movie to watch? And like, you know, if it's a 20-year-old, like, you watch this movie, they'll, they'll enjoy it, I think. Yeah. All right. So my number 39 is a Charlie Chaplin film. Uh, one of the films regarded as his best, City Lights from 1931. Mm-hmm. So yeah, City Lights is um, it's an interesting film. So like it was made at a time when basically the the silent era was over, mm-hmm. uh, but he had sort of started it kind of at the tail end. So he was like, yeah, I'm just gonna keep at it, just make a <laughs> make it silent anyway. I don't care. Um, and it's it's seen as like one of his absolute best films ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like a very sweet story about you know this this you know the his character, the tramp, falls in love with this blind flower girl. And so she doesn't know, you know, who he is or what he what he does. And so then he's just like trying basically trying to figure out some way to impress her or whatever while also going through these weird adventures. And he meets up with this he this millionaire alcoholic kind of weirdo guy who's like he's like drunk and then he's like his friend and he's not drunk. He's like, who the hell are you? It's really funny. Um and this, you know, this has like so many of these fun scenes like there's a scene where he's like on the skates and then like he's skating right next to the the cliff they basically a cliff like a cartoon or something <laughs> um it's really cool how they did that that was actually a matte painting that's how they did that shot that makes sense it's fucking crazy that that <laughs> yeah that was great yeah. like like when i saw it, i was like whoa like like it just makes you, again it makes you realize like how at this time they knew how to do anything and everything I was just gonna say, like you forget how like much yeah. they perfected the craft, right? Yeah, because you see that shot and you're like, oh, dude, he's he's on the fucking edge. Nope, that was just a matte painting, and they did some forced perspective to wow. make it look like there was a thing, but it was just him uh, basically in a studio. <laughs> wow, <laughs> it was like a studio in London. <laughs> 
Um, and this, this again, this this movie is known because like the ending is so so kind of beautiful and poetic and like sad and but you know I don't know. Uh, just it just hits you in the feels. Really mm. hits you in the feels. Um, yeah, it's 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 one of his absolute best films ever. Yeah, I've certainly heard uh, about a. He's got like he's got a few that are like you know the the chaplain kind of like the the, the best ever. Uh, Chaplin is a little bit of a blind spot for me. Admittedly, I've I grew up with like some of like the clips, right? Like the bits and pieces that were like kind of traded around. But like I never really, I don't think I ever like sat down and watched any of his movies. To be honest with you, uh, which is a great sadness. So <laughs> it's definitely a blind spot for me. But you you bringing this up to me is kind of like filtering out some of the other ones because he's made a lot of fucking movies. So <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely because, you know, and it's another thing, too, is like the my kind of process is just like, all right, I'm going to get into a particular actor or filmmaker. Oh and then, like and I try like I did this. I, I learned this lesson when I first got into Hitchcock or like the second or third time I got into Hitchcock. And I was like, I'm going to watch every Hitchcock movie. And then I was like, no, I'm not. I'm absolutely not. <laughs> uh, so you got to choose your battles sometimes. And so for 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 Chaplin, for sure, I'm going to have to check this. <laughs> yeah i i think what's funny is some of my favorites of his are in the post silent era mm. city lights modern times the great dictator um yeah. limelight those are all like he did after and and like limelight's a sound film and it's mm -hmm. him and buster keaton's like amazing yeah buster keaton's another one that's just like as a as a singular talent is just like oh my god unbelievable yeah what's really funny too about charlie chaplin is like I feel like basically we've been making something like this, like the films that he makes since he started making. Oh yeah. Like, like he, he pretty much figured out the, I, I, a lot of them did. It's basically funny guy, hot girl. He's trying to get the hot girl Yeah. stuff happens. And then something happens at the end with it. That's Adam Sandler. That's every, every Adam mm -hmm. Sandler movie. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, the Judd Apatow movies. It's every, well, it's every rom-com almost. Yeah. It's the same. It's the same thing. We've just been doing it for, you know, over a hundred years. Damn. Um, and he, but he just is so fucking good at, at like hitting you with the emotional kind of, you know, like making you feel something. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah. What yeah. Makes him so great is like you really feel something in the, in the films. I remember being a, a kid and seeing finding a clip of uh, that that speech he gives in The Great Dictator, uh, and I was just like, that was Charlie. Ch I thought Charlie Chaplin did those, you know, the slapstick and the sketches. I was like, he talks, you know, but I was a kid. Like I didn't know any better. And I was just like, really kind of, I watched it a couple times and I was trying to like really understand what he was saying. Obviously it was a little bit beyond my mental capabilities, but I was just like, it sounds like he's saying some really like important shit. <laughs> I was like, it was Charlie Chaplin, like a really smart guy. I thought he was just the tramp. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the thing too. Yeah. Is like, like uh, comedians sometimes they get pigeonholed, like that yeah. they can't be intellectual. But he was definitely a very intellectual person. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I, a, a movie that I, it didn't make the top one hundred. If we did it to a top two hundred, it would be. But like a movie that I have to constantly bring up to people is being there with uh, Peter Sellers because people are like, ah, Peter Sellers, Pink Panther, funny, huh? And I'm like, yeah, but like, movie. watch that movie. I mean, he mm -hmm. was a, he was another guy who was just like. Like a Jim Carrey type where like he could yeah. turn it on and off, but like internally he, he felt like there was a struggle there throughout his entire life. Um, so yeah, the, a lot of these, like you were saying, a lot of these comedians were like really insightful people. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because like uh, that's the film, The Great Dictator is just so just like perfect the way that he and, just, and at the time it came out and everything. Yeah. Yeah. He just really, he really just like just hit the nail on the head. 
uh, with yeah. satirizing what was, you know, just going to be one of the the worst moments for humanity. This yeah. massive war is going to kill like 100 million people. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, good stuff. So um, yeah, so that's uh, that's my number 39, City Lights from Charlie. City Chandler. Lights, cool. Well, <laughs> turning it completely around and bringing us back to the 21st century, my number 39. And it was it, this movie should be a lot higher, but uh, it's it's I, I still have yet to see it as many times as some of the other movies. But number thirty nine is without a doubt. I mean, this could be in the top ten, The Wolf of Wall Street. And there's a couple reasons why I love it and I feel so strongly about The Wolf of Wall Street is because not only because it's a Marty Scorsese movie, it's got all these great actors in it and whatever, all these great scenes. It's just I I have a particular uh, affinity for movies that just go not too far, but like they just go where they're supposed to go with no filters, basically. And uh, this movie is completely unhinged. Uh, the screenplay is by Terrence Winter of Sopranos fame. Uh, and I've, Terry Winter and Martin Scorsese has, they have like such a good working relationship. And Terry Winter in particular, like he's very funny and the, the stuff that he writes, I mean, he could write, he could, you could commission him to write anything pretty much, but the stuff that he writes, like he finds the humor in it. And this, this movie is a riot. This, and it's, 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 it gives you the, it's the full buffet. It's a three hour long. It's, 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 it's not, com- you don't feel like it's compromised by the studio in any way. You feel like they got everything that they needed to get in there for this movie. Like at the very beginning of the movie, he's like, yeah, that's me. And that's girl sucking my cock. And I'm like, here we go. We're in it. Like, this is exactly, this is what I fucking, like when you talk about entertainment value and getting your, your, your money's worth. I mean, this movie goes all over the place. This guy, um leonardo dicaprio plays jordan belfort and obviously it's embellished and obviously it's very hollywood and very crazy but it's a martin scorsese movie which means that it is it's really really smart the way that it's made the way that it uses music to kind of take you through all the different time periods um the way that the look of the film changes as the the years go on like he's always that's kind of one of the things that i feel like people don't really talk about marty's movies is kind of, I mean, obviously people talk about him, but like he, a lot of times when he does movies like Goodfellas or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, things that span decades or 10, 20 years, he, the way that he goes through the time period is like very kind of deliberate. Like I remember when he did The Aviator, mm-hmm. he shot different types of film stock for each different period to reflect the film stock that was being used at that time in Hollywood. And he does that even for something like the Wolf of wall street, which is perfect. Just popcorn. You don't have to think about all the film stuff, but it's still in there because Martin Scorsese is doing it. And, um, it's got all of the Scorsese isms. I put this movie right up there with Goodfellas and casino, uh, because it's got, you know, it's got the voiceover. It's got the freeze frames. It's got all the fucking crazy situations, uh, it's very quotable. You know, you've got the Matthew McConaughey character that comes and he's like, you jerk off. I mean, it's just so <laughs> many great scenes. And uh, I just love that it's willing. It just goes there. Like the language in this movie is a mile a minute. People are talking real fast. They're cursing really fast. And they're talking about shit that like, it was just like, whoa, like, all right. You know, there's a lot of nudity in it and cocaine and stuff like that, which you don't really see in a lot of Scorsese movies. But again, he's not afraid to go there. He's just showing you this time period. And I, short of an Oliver Stone, I couldn't think of someone. Like, I, I just didn't think Marty, not necessarily had it in him, but like, I I just, I, I didn't envision 
like a this this to me feels more like an Oliver Stone movie or like God forbid a Brian De Palma movie or something, uh, where it just like goes completely off the wall and we're just like you know there's just cocaine and tits everywhere. But this movie does it, but it just has that craft to it that uh, I really appreciate. Yeah. I mean, I love this fucking movie. Then I have a story uh, about the first time I saw it as well. <laughs> this movie is something else, man. Like yeah. it's so like you said, it just goes there. The the drugs, you know, the doing the lewds. The yeah. oh. like all of it like oh I love the scene when they're like they're like trying to like go uh they like get on their boat yeah and yeah they're, and they're going a... somewhere and there's a fucking massive storm and they're like we're all gonna die yeah yeah, and yeah it's yeah. Just so funny it's so <laughs> funny and like like I love that scene where he like he's on he like he goes to the country club and he gets on the phone and then and it's like wait what'd you say yeah and like just marty just does these brilliant things uh just to show like his subjective state when he's like dr- drugged like yeah he, like when mm-hmm. he looks down the stairs it looks like they're infinite yeah it's like, it's like two fucking steps and he looks down <laughs> and it's like 50 steps it's so funny and then like the vo- there's a voiceover he's like oh yeah I got, then i got in the car and i got home Thank God, not a scratch. And then like, yeah, I mean, that it, it's completely totaled and he's just fucking crawling <laughs> through the wreckage. Yeah. And it's, then it shows him like crashing the car and he's like going, hitting every single car on the road. This just, there's so many moments that are unbelievably funny. And, and it's, it's, it's amazing that it worked. It's amazing that cause the, the talent involved in this thing is, is kind of astronomical. I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio doing this and like being willing to do this stuff on camera you know, because we were talking about like how, you know, in the Hollywood game, you got to play it correctly and you've got to make sure that, you know, <laughs> yeah, like right. you can't like if you if you were ever wanting to do like, let's say if you wanted to do a family movie, he probably couldn't do this movie, but he doesn't really give a fuck because he's Leonardo DiCaprio. So for real, right like that. How big would the payday be for him to do a Disney movie? He dude, any Holy at any time. Moly. Any time that, you know, he could pick up the phone and or somebody could call him or, you know, a fucking CEO could call him and say, like, hey, we're going to set you up at Disney. and We're going to do this like any any number of infinite possibilities. But I like that he's in it more or less for the craft. And he's got this working relationship with Martin Scorsese and they've got this hilarious script. I mean, Rob Reiner in this movie. Yeah. plays Jordan's dad. He's so fucking funny. And they just find all of these different like things to put in this movie. And uh, so the first time I saw this, obviously I saw it in theaters because I was excited for it to come out. It was around the time where the kind of hype or rather like the Irishman was announced or rather it had been announced. And it was like, ah, Marty's going to do another one with Pacino and De Niro and fucking Pesci and whatever. And then this movie came out instead. And I was like, this might actually be like even better than that at the time, you know? So I went to see it the first time. It was me, my friend, my friend's, uh, this is weird, my friend's girlfriend, sort of girlfriend. It was like the first or second time they'd ever gone out, except she was kind of a family friend. So we all knew her and we all kind of grew up with her. And then on top of that, my mom came with us because again, they, so she was, she was a fan, the, the girl was a family friend, Christian, by the way. Uh, and, <laughs> my mom only showed up because she likes Marty Scorsese movies. She was like, oh, I really like Goodfellas. And I really like, she, she was super into like the age of innocence and stuff like that. So I was like, yeah, great. You know, Marty's got a new movie. 
<laughs> and like, I remember I was at work that day and I was uh, on my phone looking at reviews. Like I was, I went on Fandango to buy tickets, right? And there were reviews for the movie on Fandango and they were, it was getting bombed. It was getting review bombed on Fandango that day that it was released. Yeah. Like the user reviews, mm. not the Rotten Tomatoes. And I was reading the user reviews and it was like, had to walk out. This is pure filth. I can't believe someone of Martin Scorsese's stature would stoop so low. Leonardo DiCaprio should be ashamed of himself. Like these were all reviews I was reading the day the movie released. And I had bought the tickets. My mom was in, my buddy was in and his innocent girl was, was going to come too. And I was like, Hmm. So you were like, you were, you were like, hell yeah, but I don't know how I, it's going to work out for everyone else. <laughs> well, obviously I was like, hell yeah, because we haven't gotten to my favorite movie of all time, but like, yes, I was hell yeah. I mean, this is exactly like, give me cocaine and titties. Like, please, that's all I ever want. Um, but then I was starting, but I was like, it's awkward seeing movies that have nudity with my mom. It's awkward. This guy's going to bring this girl that we all knew from like church from 10 years ago. Like what's gonna, you know, but I didn't know like the extent of it. And then the movie starts and he's like, yeah, this girl is sucking my dick. And I was like, uh-oh. Uh, and so this, and it was three hours of it, right? Three hours. And then it. there's just fucking nudity all over the place. And they're talking about this and that. And do you, again, do you jerk off? So like by the <laughs> end of it, it was, <laughs> it was like a marathon. <laughs> of just, <laughs> it was just a marathon of the most awkward situations. It could ever possibly be in and uh, i remember i mean my mom was just like oh i can't believe i can't believe he showed nudity i'm like oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah they sure did <laughs> so <laughs> for all of these reasons i mean this movie should be higher on my list i just need to rewatch it a couple more times yeah. but like i cannot stress the entertainment value of it <laughs> like i have a couple friends who are like oh it's three hours long i'm not watching a movie that's three hours long like no 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 like if you can watch if you could watch like two hours of a netflix series this this is infinitely more entertaining than that yeah. you know uh, and it just goes it flows obviously thelma schoonmakers that you know cutting the shit uh it's just like a perfectly <laughs> edited film it is just amazing it's immaculate dude yeah. this movie is something else man like like again and this is like the margot robbie coming out part debut yeah absolutely. this is really it this is where she became who she is and she like i read this thing where she uh she wanted to do the nude scenes she felt like it was right for her character it yeah, had yeah. to happen to like you know to get the the jordan belfort character to like really fall for her mm -hmm. um i yeah I, I i think this this movie is like so it's just so crazy and so fun and like you know the other thing too is like they've done the, like boiler room and some other movies have done the kind of like the the stock trading right, you know, right, right, right. shyster yeah. stuff yeah um what i what i like about this is is just the the pure like he has that yeah that speech where he's like like talking to everybody and he's oh, getting yeah. riled up to sell mm -hmm. man like like as someone who's worked in sales at times like that's some real shit that yeah. is the real life shit that these crazy like the guy when you walk into a at&t store to buy a cell phone half of them are fucking jordan belfort yeah like like oh, half, yeah. like half the time you get the jordan belfort the crazy motherfucker who's out there just like cannot wait to basically fuck your shit up and sell you stuff you don't want <laughs> dude he's there they're selling you fucking penny stocks dude when you every time you walk into a cell phone every store. time every yeah. time and the same thing at uh bank of like what was it bank of america or was it like wells fargo uh where they they did this whole massive scandal where they they create a bunch of fake accounts mm -hmm. like that shit happens because someone up top said create x accounts within this time yeah and then they're like well fuck i gotta hustle and find they, a way to do it 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like, I just really like that they kind of go there to sort of show what that's like, what, what these kind of weird incentives do to people where it's like, yeah, I want to, you make more money by selling shit stocks. What the, what do you think was going to happen? <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, so the comparison for this movie is obviously like the wall street movie ever is wall street, right? The Oliver Stone movie. And that movie is, is, is different to me. And I love wall street and we're going to talk about Oliver Stone in a second, but like, it's not as, is insane, even though it was made in the eighties and Oliver Stone had been a day trader and he knew about this and he was snorting cocaine nonstop at the fucking time. But Wall Street turns out to be more of a like a morality tale, right? And it's about greed yes. is good and that. And and there's that like love story that kind of gets, you know, mixed in there and muddled in there. Um, what I like about Wolf of Wall Street is that removed from all of that stuff, it gives us the pure. And I think the point of it is it's just the pure adrenaline ride. It's 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 not concerned with what it looks like to the outside world. It's not concerned about having a message. I mean, obviously, it does have a message, but the delivery of it is just like a bump of cocaine. Like it is nonstop. And that's what I like about it. And uh, it just feels like Martin Scorsese. I mean, he was, you know, he's like in his 70s when he made this fucking movie. And it's just like, it's just so fun to like, you get that sense of when you watch him kind of on set or when you watch him give interviews and stuff, he's always like really hyper and he's really passionate about movies and stuff. And uh, you get the sense that like, that this is just what, he's like he just he was such a high energy movie from like an older director uh, it's really interesting but you just get that that's like his personality kind of <laughs> yeah it's it's some great stuff um i i yeah there's so many cool things that i like about this film yeah uh, no, same. The, the, just the way it's shot and like it's like you said, it's got all the Scorsese-isms. It's got yeah, all the stuff. Margot Robbie in this there. movie is basically the mob wife. I mean, like, the way that we go back, you know, they end up having kids and then they end up having a fight and slapping each other and then she throws them out. I mean, it's it's like textbook, you know, like Scorsese-isms mm-hmm. throughout. That's what I, you know, that's the thing too. That that was the analogy that really kind of made me like this film is like, it's the, the day trader guy is the same as the mob guy. Is the mob guy, yeah. They are the same, except when he gets... He, he gets basically sort of shielded by society. Society yeah, yeah, yeah. sees him as legitimate. Mm-hmm. And instead of having him, you know, go to jail for life, he gets whatever, some kind of basically a slap on the wrist and he's playing fucking tennis in yeah. his prison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he kind of comes out and he kind of rehabilitates himself. Which is, you know, the the scene in Goodfellas where they're making sausages in prison. I mean, it's 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 basically the same thing, right? Like, it's just, it's it's crazy how these things are set up and by the people they're set up to just kind of let this happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I really like this movie. It's, 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 it's awesome. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's great. I think at some point we're going to look at this time period of the, like this, the movie Scorsese is making and just like, like how cool it is that he's able to do like the, think of this, all the stuff he's made. Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. The sure. Irishman. Yeah. Um, he's, he's making another like $200 million movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> with 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 uh with with De Niro and and Leo, in, which is well, some kind of mystery. Yeah, it's like um well, like Tarantino had that quote where he's just like most movie directors, you know, they don't make it into old age. Like they end up fizzling out, and they end up uh, you know you can't possibly make more than ten good movies, basically. And I want every movie to be a hit or or whatever. He's had a couple of those quotes, but in particular, he's just like once you get old, you just lose it, and you just can't do it forever. Um, Scorsese's the exception to that rule. He just. I mean, well, he's doing all the things he's always wanted to do, basically, or yeah. as many as he's wanted, you know. 
it's insane to me that somebody that started out in the fucking 60s in like the new Hollywood movement just now gets to make everything he's ever wanted to make. I mean, granted, he's done kind of everything else. Like he's done yeah. The Last Temptation, which was a project he's done, you know, Goodfellas and stuff that he wanted to do. But like now he's given complete creative freedom complete, complete after freedom. 50 years of being one of the most successful fucking money making directors. That is yeah. that's that's a lesson right there. It, it really like it really absolutely is a lesson. Absolutely. Yeah. You got to you got to think of it in long term and you got to be in it for the long game. Because like if you want like, oh, I'm going to get rich in five years. It's not going to happen. No, it's but, not. But if you're like, I really am dedicated to doing this. You might find yourself 20 years later and you're like you're you have a foothold and then another 10 years you're like seasoned and you're kind of really doing the things you want to do. You got to stick with it, basically. Yeah. And, you know, another example is real quick is, you know, Ridley Scott. He's 80 years old and he's got I mean, he's got hundreds of producer credits. He's got like at least two or three films in production right now or or in pre-production. He's got these like mega massive hundred million dollar projects going and he man's 80 years old. So like. Yeah, some it's but it is interesting, like you said. Like you gotta just fucking stick it out, and you have to be good. You have to make yeah. the money. There's a give and take. You gotta, you know, I like I think uh, who said it? like Steven Soderbergh was like, I, I do one for me, I do one for them, kind of. Yeah, <laughs> there's that back and forth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the other thing too is again, like all the there's this there's so much money. Um, I think the other thing too is you know the streaming era, how much money is being spent by Netflix spends eighteen billion dollars a year on content. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a fucking huge amount of money. Um, th- yeah. You know, this next movie that Scorsese is doing is doing it through Apple. Apple threw two hundred million dollars at him. Huh. Um, <clears throat> so you, you know, know what? Good. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Because because Paramount ba- chickened out so hard on the Irishman. They bailed so, on it. Yeah, they got yeah. scared. Yeah, which I understand because again, like I think we had a discussion. I don't know if that movie would have done that great in theaters, but. Or, or at least good enough for to, to justify two hundred fifty million dollars of like shitty de aging CGI that like YouTubers were able to do in like a day. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just it's kind of good. I think we're still at that point where we're probably at the end of it, where like streaming services will just give a couple hundred million dollars to some of these auteurs. You know, we I think we brought it up last week. Um, the Russo brothers are going to do a two hundred million dollar movie yeah. with. You know, um, a couple of big actors, mm-hmm, Chris, mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Evans and uh, someone else. I mean, yeah, yeah. they're going to start shelling out tons of money. Yeah, it's so it's a that's weird the time. Future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he's basically benefiting. Scorsese is benefiting from it, which is good because like. It's just so good. Cause if anyone was going to benefit from this shit, I mean, he'd fucking come on. Like, yeah. it, it's a better world to be in when Scorsese is making movies. Absolutely. So. Yeah. yeah. Cool. All right. So uh, my number 38, speaking of gangster movies and other kind of stuff like this, uh, the film City of God from 2002. Yeah. Uh, directed by let's see, Fernando Morelos and mm-hmm. Katina Lund, I believe, are the two uh, directors. Mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. movie is something else. This movie, this is, movie insane. is insane. <laughs> you talk about, okay, we talk about TV All-Star. This movie, you see this movie at any point in the narrative. You're into it. <laughs> You're you in. are in, dude. Yeah. This thing, like the minute, the frame one, you are in this story. And it is, it is so, you think, you think Italian gangsters are crazy <laughs> in New York? Wait until you see the fucking kids in the favelas in Brazil who are like eight years old sticking people up and shit. Mm-hmm. Like for, and murdering people. Mm-hmm. Like that's the world. And then we're like, holy fuck. What 
am I into? And you're just, you're sucked in. You mm-hmm. cannot leave this movie. And that's what it's about. It's like they're basically a drug gang war from the 60s to the 80s. Yeah. And we kind of follow these people. Like we follow this kid and like, you know, the acting they get out of, and these are like, you know, again, they do some kind of neorealistic kind of shit. Yeah, I was just going to mention people. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They take real people and they put them in and they get these incredible performances out of these, these actors. This movie, um, it just, it has everything you want from like a gangster movie, right? The violence, the sex, yeah. the craziness, the drugs, the, the again, the time kind of, uh, the, yeah. the, 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 the saga of it. Yeah. Yeah. The time saga. And then the other sort of part of this is like, there's someone who is becoming a, um, sort of a reporter documenting what's happening and we're seeing it through their eyes. And like, they do some cool stuff with the editing. This is very kind of MTV yeah. kind of oh. style editing big time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's another thing too. I can say a lot about this movie. This movie blew me away when I saw it, like just could not look away. When, uh, when did you see it? I probably saw it around the time, probably like 2003, 2004. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm pretty sure the first time I saw it was on television, just like flipping channels and just okay. like kind of got, and then at some point I saw the whole thing and it's just like, it's just so powerful. It's so powerful. This narrative and the way that they're telling the stuff with the kids and like, it's totally different. Like, you know, when, when I saw this, I was probably like, I don't know. Uh, I was pretty young. Yeah. I was like a teenager. And so mm-hmm. the idea of seeing Brazilian people, all right, like understanding their life at all and seeing them playing soccer and like they're doing all this shit and they go from playing soccer, to like fucking killing people. And like, they're, it's like, how different. And, and you, re- and you realize, you realize the, the reason that they play soccer is that it is the only legitimate way out of the favelas. It is the only, only way they have to escape that life is just to fucking yeah. get good at soccer. <laughs> it's crazy. Because, yeah. like, they've seen people... I mean, when when was the Pele? Like, Pele's Brazilian, right? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. But Pele yeah. was big in, like, the 50s. 50s yeah. yeah, yeah. So they grew up watching Pele play. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or, well, or, and, hear, or at least hearing about Pele. Well, yeah, but they had... There's a, there's, a, there's a lot of other ones. Uh, fucking... I don't, I don't want to say, but, like, Ronaldo, I think... Ronaldinho? Was, uh, Ronaldinho, right? That's that's the one. Sorry, I, I get him confused. But yeah, like there's a the, the Brazil has a lot of soccer players. Brazil has again, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And again, the reason for that is that it's it's one of the ways that they have out of the shit. Basically, uh, it's yeah. it's because like in in America, we were talking about like there's all these industries that are set up where you could kind of like fail upwards. You could do like you could become a, a day trader, and if you do enough coke and you're kind of smart enough, and you're at the right place in the right time, you can kind of ascend. And there's all of these different structures set up um not necessarily criminal but like there's 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 ways uh the legitimate shit but you're still right. there's there's only one uh, quote unquote legitimate thing that at least the way that this movie presents it and the way that a lot of other media presents brazil that there's that's the only legitimate way is just to get good at soccer which is just so that that is crazy that is crazy <laughs> it's there's there's so much about this movie that yeah it's just like it's giving you it's showing you this world right yeah, this real world that a lot of people were not privy to before not privy this. Not privy to at all. Not like, privy to at all. There, there's a movement of like South American films throughout the like the '90s. I feel like in the early 2000s that showed some of this stuff, but like never on this scale. Like I remember this movie was everywhere. It got picked up. Like I saw this movie. Um, I was in Romania still. I was a kid in Romania when it came out. Uh, I think it came out like 2003 over there or something. And uh, I, it was just everywhere. Like even in even in in other countries i mean it was it was a big success and it is it's good that uh it was kind of the one that was chosen i guess uh yeah, because it yeah. has the cry mask like it, again it has a little bit like some of the same language that we're kind of used to with the, the mm-hmm. kind of the crime saga and everything but like 
right off the bat like i remember that beginning scene with the way it's shot with the with fucking the chickens and the kids yeah, chicken, yeah. like just how crazy handheld everything is and how dirty the whole movie looks um it's something else this movie is yeah it's crazy yeah this is like the type of film that it really kind of it 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 brings you into this world and you're just, just like whoa brazil yeah what right. a crazy place like that's whole oh, that's a place that exists <laughs> yeah yeah, because like at times you're like, oh, well, you know, I don't, you know, maybe you just don't think about how other people live in the world. And at least for me, this was like, this, you know, <laughs> no, we need it. We need it so badly. We need movies like this that uh, kind of break through the because, again, it's not like there aren't South American movies being made, but like we need movies that break through. And they, I don't I don't really know what the story behind this one is. Like, I don't know what fucking company or distributor saw it and they figured they were going to put it out everywhere around yeah, the world. But um we need every once in a while a movie like this that breaks through and not just to be the token, oh, this is the foreign film of the year kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Like f- films that like, I mean, I guess you could say Parasite was like a, another moment like this where like it was kind of the one Korean movie that broke through, even though there's hundreds of fucking there's amazing so Korean that. movies that people don't watch. Yeah. But it's like the one that turns people on to that kind of cinema. And I think this movie did that in spades for, for a lot mm-hmm. of South American cinema. Yeah, the director, he's he's done a lot of other kind of interesting stuff. He does. Uh, he he recently just did uh, The Two Popes. Yeah, he did The Two Popes. He did uh there's this other film, like sort of a series he did. I forget what exactly it was, but it's about it's about the police in Brazil oh, and yeah. them fighting corruption. Mm-hmm. Uh it was it's like he did two films and like they yeah, were sort of No, like he 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 like stepped away from it for a while because I remember I watched like an interview with him. A while ago, he was just like, yeah, he was like, he's like stepped away for a bit, for a bit. This, so, cause having a movie like this can be a curse. Dude, he fucking did the constant gardener. Have you seen that shit? It's so good. It's, it's okay. so good. I, I, that's another movie I saw when it came out. It's with uh, Ray Fiennes and Rachel Weiss. And, uh, it's another one of those fucking, it's like a revenge movie. Like his wife dies or something while she was pregnant. And then he or she gets murdered or whatever by some criminals. And then he just fucking goes out there on like a rampage. It's like a history yeah. of violence almost. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah, yeah. Woo. yeah there's yeah, this guy had a, a quite a string. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, yeah, I, I'm glad he, he, he was able to like really do some cool stuff with the, the clout that was given to him. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, like like sometimes these things happen and then people are like they kind of get shoved aside. Or like with Bong Joon Ho, he tried to do that right. Snowpiercer movie, and the fucking Weinstein's stabbed him in the back. Um, so it's good, you know, it's good to like have these people really be able to use that ascension mm-hmm. to tell mm-hmm. to tell the stories they want to tell and stuff. Yeah, 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 exactly. And uh, I mean, I can't say enough things about this. Uh, more the funniest, I guess, most recent anecdote about this movie I have is that um, a friend of mine is he marrying a Brazilian girl from brazil like he they're working on that well they were working on trying to get her over here to kind of finalize everything but then corona happened so they're kind of long term right now but they're engaged and uh she probably i think i believe it was her, like she turned him on to this movie because she was like okay uh, well there's yeah. there's one fucking brazilian movie that americans are gonna like understand so <laughs> right off the bat so there's this one so they watched this one and then he he came to me he was like you're a film guy you fucking you see city of god i'm like yeah what about it and he was like I don't know. I got. I don't know. It's just too much. I just didn't feel it. Like the the, the something about it, like the editing, the camera movement. It was just too much. I didn't like it. Is I couldn't get into it. And I was like, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's it puts you in the shit. What can I tell you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this was distributed by Miramax. 
when it came out. Miramax. Wow. Great. What a great pick. Like whoever made that decision. Yeah. Dude, they, you know, unfortunately, you know, with the fucking these scumbag Weinstein, but they did some great work. Yeah. And they this is before Miramax like died and then rose, like be, like got reborn as. as yeah. Like, they, did they, they got like bought up by Disney basically at one point yeah. and then they got spun yeah. off again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're technically back, but not really. I think Miramax, like the original one, died in like 2005. But they were like at the top of their fucking game during this they, period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, like what, like you know, the Neons and the A24s are mm-hmm, today. Mm-hmm. That's very, yeah, very comparable. <laughs> is it kind of crazy? Like, they, like Miramax is now a a cultural artifact. <laughs> don't tell, not, don't say that. <laughs> Back in my day, there was this yeah, thing, Miramax. Right. Back in my day. Before we knew that the guy was a fucking, well, we knew, but we didn't do anything about it. But right, they right, were right, distributing right. these, like, incredible films. They were creating these 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 people's careers. Ben Dude, Affleck as- and Matt Damon created their career. Yeah, no, it well, and my education was, and Kevin Smith, and my, my education was Hollywood video. And, like, when I was at Hollywood video as a kid and I saw that Miramax logo, I was like, that, that was more or less a seal of quality for me. That was yeah. like, this is, yeah. this is going to be good. Um, cause I mean, I mean, I, that's the stuff I was into. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, this film, this film is something else. <laughs> yeah. This film should absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> you gotta have a little bit of a strong stomach for it, I guess. Like this is, this is in a subcategory of films with like Slumdog Millionaire and stuff like that. Where like, if you just don't want to see like the shit, like if you just like, don't like dirty movies that look dirty, uh, not that, that no, not in the other way, but, uh, it could it could like make your stomach kind of turn but uh it's it's absolute it's just it's such an achievement <laughs> it's such an achievement yeah 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 it, it's it's so like there are some films like i can really remember when i like first saw them and like that you know having that reaction mm-hmm. where you're where you're just totally engrossed mm-hmm. in the narrative and you're just like wow what I feel like I've never seen anything that felt like this before. This was a movie that just hit me like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. That's a good way to put it. Cool. Yeah, so that's uh, that's my number 38, City of God. Cool. Well, my number 38 is in a similar sort of vein. Uh, not really, but kind of. Uh, just in the terms of the uh, the dirtiness of it. This is another movie that is just MTV editing, and it'll just make you fucking puke. Uh, not just for the MTV editing, but for the content of it itself. This is Oliver Stone's Natural Born Killers. Uh, absolutely one of my favorite movies. Following up The Wolf of Wall Street, I think this is a great way to follow it up on the list. Uh, this is written from a Quentin Tarantino story, and then um, which is an interesting story about how this came about, because this movie came out in 94, and it came out, I think, either before or within like a couple months of Pulp Fiction, um, so Tarantino <laughs> wasn't necessarily a uh, a name, but Oliver Stone has a history of like t- Oliver Stone was honestly like the Tarantino before Tarantino. Like he was kind of the kind of just the, the out there insane screenwriter, uh, and he won a bunch of Oscars for a- as a screenwriter. And it's a very cool moment where you have this guy who's now an established director, and he takes a story. Obviously, he reworks the screenplay, but he takes the story from this Tarantino kid. Like he's, I've I've seen Oliver Stone tell this story where he's just like, yeah, there was this Tarantino kid, and there were he had a couple scripts going around in in Hollywood, right? He had a uh, uh, True Romance, this uh, Pulp Fiction was going around. He ended up making that one. He picked, he basically chose to make that one, and then um, there was another one. I think was it Crimson Tide? It was some like Jerry Bruckheimer movie that ended up getting made. 
Um, really? And okay. yeah, and then uh, Oliver Stone picked this one, and he was like, "I can, I can tell this story." So this is basically Oliver Stone at his most unhinged, um, most well known, obviously for as a director for Platoon and Wall Street and JFK and The Doors, but uh, as a screenwriter, you know, is kind of. Like he understands how to tell a good story, and most famously, you know, wrote the screen uh, the screenplay for Scarf Scarface. So, from the terms of like the excess and the violence and the craziness, uh, he gets it. And this movie, when it came out, was like a hard, hard X rating. They would they refused to release it. They went down. This is another one like an eight millimeter situation where they went down to the frame by frame, and they were like, "How okay? How much do you want to take out of this movie?" It is incredibly violent, and the way that it's shot, it's very interesting because he mixes black and white film stock with incredibly saturated, super colorful film stock, and it's edited all over the place. That beginning scene is in a diner with "haha" is a good Tarantino movie starts in a diner <laughs> uh, and with the Mickey and Mallory played by. Woody Harrelson and Juliette Lewis, uh, they're just basically knocking over this this diner, and uh, they're just shooting people and blowing their dicks off. And there's all this stuff. There's a there's a bit they do. So Matt, oh my god, this movie's so insane. So the entire thing is done through the prism of like the media, right? So this movie yeah. is about it's a commentary on the news media and how we're constantly fed killers and sociopaths and all this stuff at the time i mean this is before 9-11 because then everything was about terrorists for like a decade but uh at the time it was just like all about you know serial killers mass murders this and that you know your neighbors are gonna eat you alive like all of this crazy shit and so the entire movie that's why he's mixing all these different types of footages and, and stuff and it's it's supposed to be this like crazy doped up like you're getting sensory overload from your TV essentially is what the, the experience of watching this movie is. And uh, in particular, the most brilliant thing about this movie is the way he does the flashback with like, like what happens to these people that they become so fucked up. Mickey and Mallory basically yeah. are just, they're just traveling uh, serial killers. Basically mm -hmm. it's, it's a tale as old as time and they're lovers and they want to just murder people for the hell of it. And that's, that's the thing they're doing it for the hell of it. There's no higher purpose. They're doing it just to be agents of chaos. And they say that multiple times throughout the movie, but, it, they they kind of investigate like what happens to these people that makes them go this crazy and uh, particularly the backstory for Julia Lewis's character is her abusive father played by Rodney Dangerfield oh, and yeah. the and, and the entire thing is done as like a sitcom yeah. with a laugh track and yeah. so Rodney Dangerfield comes in and he's basically saying like I'm gonna rape you and then there's a laugh track. And then he just starts beating his kids and then there's a laugh track. And then it's like, it just, it's the sleaziest, most uncomfortable thing. And then, but, but you realize the point of it is to be like, you're kind of desensitized to it at this point, like on, on the, the TV and stuff. And this was done, you know, 25 years ago, probably no yeah. more than that. So like, I think it's very prescient, uh, but the delivery of it is just unfiltered Oliver Stone. So if you can't handle it, it's like, again, in a similar vein of like a city of God, where like, if you just can't, handle the fucking craziness you know yeah. it's not for everybody but for me this is absolutely a, a one of my favorite movies for that reason uh and there's a lot of talent involved again dangerfield tom sizemore is in this uh as like a corrupt detective he literally comes in and he like he notices that like 
so Julia Lewis has sex with a guy on the hood of a car and then she kills him. <laughs> and then he comes in and they find pubic hair at the scene. And then Tom Sizemore's like, Oh yeah, the pubic hair. Oh. Like it's just everybody in this movie is just a fucking degenerate. degenerate. <laughs> so, yeah. so, you know, it's right up yeah. my alley. So I can't say uh, there's a scene in a, in a hotel room where Woody Harrelson takes a hostage and uh, it's very uncomfortable. Uh, and there's all this like rear projection stuff going on. And he's like, as he's like trying to do stuff to this hostage, it's insane. Um, yeah. Ev- eventually, you know, Tommy, Tommy Lee Jones is in this, um, Robert Downey Jr. is in this. Yep. It is just a fucking mm-hmm. great movie. And I can't say enough about it. This movie is crazy. Yeah. So I was watching this thing actually yesterday where Tarantino was talking about, he had gotten some award and so he was talking about his process of how he became a screenwriter in writing. And basically he talked about, he, he wrote um, true romance, the first draft mm-hmm. in the first draft, the true romance. I believe he said that the main character was writing this movie. Yes. He was writing the characters about this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he didn't. So like he wrote this thing and he was talking about, he was like cutting up pieces of paper and like splattering it together. And then, um, the guy who wrote um, Pulp Fiction with him actually typed up the screenplay. And, for and cre- for Natural Born Killers or for, for True Romance? True Romance. Okay. The first draft of True Romance uh-huh. that had part of this story in it. Mm-hmm. That then the Mickey and Mallory got, story. Yeah. yeah. That then probably got split away yeah. and then turned into this movie at some point and someone read like the actual, like, okay, here's the Mickey and Mallory story outside of the True Romance, you know. Sure. Thing. Yeah, because because I I believe his the 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 Christian Slater in that movie is like trying to be a screenwriter or whatever. Like he he's yeah. really into movies, but I think they might make a mention to it. Or I think like the some of the Tarantino brands are in that movie, but like not necessarily. Yeah, it's, it's not a little divorced. Out. It's a little yeah. divorced of the because he didn't direct it or you know whatever. It's kind of divorced of his his the, the Tino verse. Right. The if, yeah. if he if he made that movie today, it would it would fucking you'd be watching them watch the TV or whatever. They'd be he'd be pitching it. Yeah, he'd be pitching yeah, yeah, yeah. For Absolutely, and there would be probably a really great scene, like a ten minute scene of just pure dialogue that'll just make you holler. Yeah, yeah. but I I really like like there's so much crazy shit. Oh this god, it's absolutely bonkers, bonkers, <laughs> like off the wall. Yeah, crazy. Like you were talking about that that scene with Rodney Dangerfield. That stuff is it's funny, but it's like it's what? horrifying, dude. It's and, horrifying. And it's 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 a great, great moment of just picking someone, casting someone like Dangerfield. Like again, casting a funny guy to just say some horrific shit. Who's also kinda he's got an edge, you know? He does. It's a perfect, it's perfect casting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, he's got an edge, you know, and he he really play could play that kind of abusive dad perfectly, but then he's hella funny. Yeah, oh well. You it's can't like, help but be funny, yeah. What? And like you know, it just it just really kind of makes me think of like the, the there was a lot of TV shows in that time where it was like the dad who doesn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. It really felt like it was kind of playing that on the nose, but then like saying, "Oh, would you laugh at this? Would you right? Exactly. Would you That's laugh exactly at this? Right. Is this funny? Is this fucking funny? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. And but I, you're, I, you know, a lot of you might be dealing with this at home. You know, but it's fine. Ha ha laugh. You know, the sitcom's on at eight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I felt like that's really what that was kind of going after in that moment. There's yeah. And then there's like a prison break, right? That happens. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. There's like an entire prison riot, prison uh, riot. that happens yeah. because what happens is basically <laughs> so finally they go to prison and 
the media, the fucking reporter, Robert Downey Jr. decides, well, let's take advantage of this. People are going nuts for true crime stuff right now. We're going to do an exclusive. We're going to do an interview with Mickey. Right. And it's going to be the highest ratings. And so at every stop in this movie, the media is kind of the thing that just exacerbates it because they become so popular because all this famous couple is going around killing people. And so that's why there, there ends up being a riot because they give a platform to this fucking madman, which is, I think, supposed to be kind of a parallel to like what they did with Charles Manson and, and other types of like serial killers that they really like kind of yeah. televised and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, like obviously you give this guy a platform and everything he says and, you know, there, there ends up being a, a prison riot and everything is heightened. But that is kind of the point is that at, at every turn, like, y- you know, psychopaths exist, but the media is really what kind of uh, accelerates it. And mm-hmm. It's again funny watching this movie because I've seen this movie many times and I think I've seen it. I've watched it like at least once a year. And it's just interesting to me how at every point, like it's just more prescient because like you could make this movie oh, totally. and, you, and you could have Robert Downey being a fucking Twitter star, yeah. you know. Dude, uh, true oh, crime oh. is is like huge yeah. right now. Yeah. Right now, today, 2020. Yeah. yeah. True crime is huge. Like, yeah. If they were real people, like there would be stuff dedicated like dedicated just to them mm-hmm. just to them yeah oh so- they, they would have their own netflix series for sure yeah <laughs> the other thing too is like um this was like the big cnn cable 24 news cycle era but that's that's what it's critiquing yeah that was the big thing right at this point and yeah. you know you gotta what's the point of having 24-hour news you yeah. gotta have content to be putting out there and so, you know, it's just like fucking when OJ was driving down with the Bronco. That's exactly it. Yeah. People couldn't look away, could not mm-hmm. look away from that shit. And mm-hmm. it's it's a real thing. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's another thing, too, that, that has to be brought up is the OJ shit. The OJ thing. The OJ the thing. And then, and then uh, immediately before that, it was the fucking riots, right? Yeah. Uh, the riots. Because the whole reason that blows up is because there's a tape and it goes to the news. Um, so, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, and it's it's just all just out there in the ether, you know. It's yeah, all out there. All this stuff is just out there, and yeah, um, and yeah. It was a funny story. Like uh, I think it was Terminator Two. Um, Cameron said he was he was shooting right across from where that happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember the story in like ninety or ninety one. Right yeah. across from where that shit happened, He's yeah. right there. <laughs> yeah. Fucking crazy, but. Yeah, I mean, and this stuff hasn't stopped. I think, I think the impetus for this was like, yes, there's the Tarantino story, but everything, everything that Oliver Stone does has to be filtered through his like kind of view. Uh, and he, he's, he's always got a hard stance on like a like not necessarily a political stance, but he's just like he has something to say about society. And yes. um, for him, this the impetus for this was when I think, like you said, like when news became for profit, uh, that like really, really yeah. bothered him. And so that's kind of why this yeah. movie exists. That's, that's, that's another thing too. Um, the nineties, I forget, but they started doing all this stuff where they basically deregulated. And that's why Fox news came about and why, you know, the 24 hour CNNs and all this stuff. And yeah, the mm-hmm. for profit and they were buying up these small companies that yeah. were never for profit. And, and ultimately there's like two or three or four conglomerates and that's it that's all of the news yeah they centralize country yeah and what like when you have someone that says i need a bottom line what do you get you ambulance chasing yeah yeah you get mickey and mallory exactly and this is this is this is what it is and it just fuels it the media really does fuel a lot of it's really hard because like you know unfortunately in america like the big thing is like the mass shootings (laughs) um for real yeah and and it's like like when you when you like 
and it's and it's kind of good and exported too. Like we could we could go there with that, but like <laughs> yeah. it really like no for real, the guy, the guy, the fucking guy who shot up the, the Christchurch in New Zealand. It's just, right. just it, maniacally crazy what the guy did. He fucking He live streamed the whole thing, yeah. He yeah. live streamed and so dude, those and those dude, those videos are still out there. Like if if you It'll dig, never go it's on the internet. It's they're never on the internet, go yeah. There's there's always gonna be some asshole on some fucking board somewhere, post a gif of it. This is never gonna stop, yeah. It's never gonna stop. And that's that's like the the ability to weaponize and mass duplicate mm-hmm. ad infinitum this stuff, this violence. Mm-hmm. But it 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 has that visceral appeal, mm-hmm. that human thing. You could click on this thing and you could see ten people die in twenty seconds. Yeah, right. Like that 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 has a palpable resonance that just human beings cannot look away from. You can't look away. Yeah. Because how how often in the entire history of human existence can you see the moment where something so horrible happened? Well, I mean, back in the day, they they would do this in public squares, right? I mean, they would have public executions and gladiator fights and stuff. And I mean, you you would think that as we get more quote unquote civilized and we you know we kind of domesticate ourselves and we move away from that stuff that we can subdue that part of us. But here, it, you know, it surfaces here. Here it is again. Yeah. Like the human yeah. animal uh, hasn't really evolved, uh, as as I think the point, and uh, it just sucks. Yeah, dude. But I think this movie it hits on all that stuff. It really kind of like. This is, but this again. This is just the beginning, right? This is just this a, the tip of it, yeah. Tip of but the it, iceberg. <laughs> but for 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 the time and for what they had to work with, I mean, it's it it couldn't have been done better, I don't think. And it's funny to me that you mentioned that, like you know, people are more than happy to watch a video of somebody being beheaded online. But uh, when it comes to movies, like this movie was is is out. Like we just talked about all of its like cultural significance but like as a film industry significance is like a huge moment of like again the violence and censorship and like how much is too much that you can show on a film and how much is too like visceral and it fucks with audiences and stuff and it's like films can be too violent but our own bloodlust you know is able to be satisfied by you know like we we watch this stuff anyways like what's the difference basically between seeing the stuff in a film and seeing the real stuff on tv and that's always bothered me because and again oliver stone is like the guy he's the guy who wrote scarface scarface goes to hell basically for being too violent and audiences and the media was like this is fucking smut we can't show this stuff anyways eight o'clock uh somebody behated three kids <laughs> it's just like what's the it's fucking, on the internet yeah what's the line i don't know so it's just interesting and, yeah. and then the, the, and they're showing it on CNN. It's like mm-hmm. we, we want to give you a warning. This is very yeah. shocking. Yeah. Also, but don't go, don't go see that. You know, don't go see that one movie. Yeah. You know, it's it's got two. It's got it's debauchery. Yeah. That, that's like so one segment. Is, so like the segment is it like they're they're watching the be they're like they're like um talking about something or whatever. It's like a segment of two people. Like you know, there's this movie, Natural Born. It's disgusting. It, breaking news! Breaking news! Someone just got beheaded, and we're, we're yeah. you know we're gonna give we, you a warning, but we're gonna show it exactly. And you exactly. See the beheading, and then they go back to oh that was disgusting. By the yeah. way, this Natural Born Killers is uh, oh my god, and then they have we're thinking of children. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, news. It, it's never ending. Yeah, so but it's you know again it's it's prescient and it's never gonna go away. Yeah, yeah, what a crazy film. Um, yeah. Okay, so my number thirty-seven. Uh, Bring us is, back. <laughs> <laughs> it's Seven Samurai, uh, the Akira Fuck Kurosawa yeah. film from nineteen fifty-four. Uh, simple premise: uh, a um, you know a village full of 
some people that are having their stuff stolen, they get some money to hire seven Ronin to protect them. And this is just a story of them protecting this uh, group of farmers, this village. Um, yeah, this is just like one of the absolutely greatest films ever made. The story is just so well done. It's so perfect. Yeah, man. Um, I, you know, you could, you could, there've been so many just like doing a version of this magnificent yeah. seven. Uh, I know there've been uh, a bunch of TV shows that have done basically one episode of this premise. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, you know, just like the, the, and he's got like basically all of his guys are here to share on my phone. Yeah. Uh, I forget the other guy who basically plays the the lead samurai. He's in it too. He's in a bunch of his other films. Um, I think even Ta- Nakadai is in it for like a minute. He's in this I'm film sure. for like a minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, this this film it's just so beautiful. It's just so beautifully shot. So well composed. The story is really kind of you know it gets you in the feels. You know when there's some some moments that really you're like oh shit that that's that's kind of that sucks or like that's heartbreaking when this person dies or whatever. Um, mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. There, yeah, it's just it's just like a perfectly done, just like universal story that he's able to hit on all these other thematic things through this this lens. Yeah, and you know this is just like one of the greatest samurai movies ever. It's dude, it's it's, so cool. It's perfect. You 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 kind of nailed it. I mean, we could talk, we could get into the minutia of this movie for hours, but the point is like, and I think I've said this about some of the other movies on your list, like. I mean, this is this movie was made, you know, 60, 70 years ago. Um, but like, what is it, it kind of what is cinema? Like, what is the point of cinema? Like, is it just to you know, is it like uh, like how how can this be in the same medium as, you know, yeah. how, to, how to lose a guy in 10 days? Like they're they're kind of like they feel like fundamentally different things. But like when we talk about like what is a cinematic experience, like what is the kind of the point of it is just like to to put up an image and to transport you and to kind of show you shit that you could never see. I, in real life, unless you were in like in a battle like this or something like that, it's just to show you something extraordinary and uh, it can captivate you. And I think this movie is is like a one of the like top ten it's examples. The, it's the pinnacle. Like if I, if I had yeah. to say like in terms of narrative filmmaking, like if we're trying to tell a yeah, story, right. what is the perfect example of what you're trying to do? It's basically mm-hmm. Seven Samurai and like The Godfather and some other film. Exactly. Yeah. This is it. Yeah. This is this is the the peak of what you can achieve. Right, and I mean like, and even like on a technical level, I mean, there's just so like we talked about yeah. this with Kurosawa already, but like just some of the 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 fucking the the scale of these things and the the battles and um the way that yeah. they again and they were shooting this in the fifties. I mean, they they had mastered the craft in a in a way. I mean, not in a way like they for sure they've had they had techniques back then that we just don't know anymore. Like those people are dead and we just don't know how to do it anymore. We do it with CGI. We do it with computers and editing and stuff. But the way that they were able to do this stuff in camera, um, those big battle sequences. And and even then, like understanding the language of it and the importance of a close up and kind of the editing. I mean, it's no wonder that a lot of these Kurosawa films were remade as Westerns because it's, it taps into the same thing. It's like such a universal story. Like you said, it's just bandits attack village badass motherfuckers are going to defend their town. I mean, it's like how you can't really get more universal than that. Yeah. So yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just one of the greats for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of my absolute favorite films. Um, so just to show, there's a comment real quick from Aaron, Aaron. So he's, uh, <laughs> He's a guy that I, I, I co-host some of his podcasts 
Um, he says, I'm guessing Batman and Robin didn't make either of your lists. That would be correct, Aaron. I think you would uh, be correct. Well, <laughs> hey, you haven't gotten to my number one yet. <laughs> <laughs> we, me and him, we did um, we did on his um, Popcorn and Pints, we, we had reviewed that movie. Oh, boy. Um, so we talked about that. Yeah, yeah. That's a movie that you need a couple pints for, for sure. Yeah, it's cool to drink and watch that movie. At least then you yeah. can kind of get through it. It's it's that's a funny comment. Thanks for putting that out, Aaron. But um, you know, I saw that movie again, like many of us did. I saw it as a kid. I saw it on VHS. It was another one of those Hollywood video pickups, and um, I didn't, I wasn't really aware that it was part of a series or anything. Like I just, I knew, like I knew the one with Jim Carrey, and then like I knew the one with Danny DeVito or whatever. Um, and then like I knew, I think I was like aware of George Clooney at the time, and I was like, George Clooney's cool. Let me pop this in, and then like it just got it just got it fucking yes. weird. <laughs> but like as a kid, I didn't hate it, but uh, certainly, certainly not something uh, I would want to rewatch anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So um, that's uh, that's my number thirty-seven. Uh, wait, what do you say? Aaron said I had a few. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, you you have to do it, dude. <laughs> I had a few too many drinks with every. Yeah, you should you should check out that video. Like like it's it's really. I hope Aaron uploads it at some point. Yeah, um, I'd like to see it. Yeah, he Aaron wants you to come on the podcast with us. <laughs> Yo, I'm down, dude. Let's do it. Cool. Yeah, so, um, yeah, that's my number 37, Seven Samurai. Cool. Well, Akita, my number 37, Akita. Um, I'm going to bring you right back, right back up to uh, the Tarantino-verse. Number 37 is True Romance. And uh, the reason back back. it's a very good back-to-back, and I was debating, like, which one goes over the other one. But, um true romance just has the tarantino isms like it does. it's well, so 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 natural born killers was the story the concept but it it wasn't like a tarantino screenplay mm-hmm. this is a tarantino screenplay yeah. and i love the story of you know tarantino's trying to he's he's killing his darlings at this point he's like ah, i can't make all of them which one do i make i i only have i'm only given the opportunity to make one i think i'm going to make pulp fiction who would i want to do true romance and he learns that Tony Scott is interested and he's like the fucking guy who made revenge, the guy who made revenge. And then it was like, when I read that story, I was like, Holy yeah. shit, an A-list director who knows about revenge. I fucking love revenge. Like I just it, like, I I'm in that same mindset of yeah. like Tarantino likes the shitty movies and I fucking love the shitty movies. And uh, so, yeah, please give it to Tony Scott. And that's exactly what happened. And we got true romance. And yeah, I mean, again, the, it, this movie came out in 93. So it was Reservoir Dogs was out. But again, Pulp Fiction wasn't out. So like yep. the Tarantino verse and the style and the kind of anachronistic kind mm-hmm. of out of time, like the structure of it, like it wasn't he you know that wasn't a known quantity so like people were just doing whatever they they could do with these scripts and uh i think they didn't know what to do with them really i think honestly no but like i think this is about as good as this could have come out like i can't think of another a-lister at the time that could make this movie i mean tony scott has always been known for how stylized his stuff is and just how like his camera movements and just like how crazy the colors are and everything um again he's he's like a bruckheimer like him and bruckheimer kind of like Rose, rose together uh not well Bruckheimer if anything was his protege but um yeah I mean so yeah the main character of this movie Christian Slater he's a pop culture geek he's he's me or you right he watches movies he goes to the porno theater and he just fucking hangs out and watches like bad porno movies uh <laughs> uh and uh he falls in love with this hooker 
classic tale. Uh, but then again, we get to the, <laughs> the the strengths of this movie are not necessarily the overall, the overarching story, because it's just like, will they end up together or whatever. It's the individual bits and pieces of this. It's like the individual scenes. It's like they end up having to go on the run for one reason or another. But then you've got, and I, I don't know who to give credit. I, I mean, it, part of it is the script. And then the other part is, again, whoever the casting director was and just the choices that they made because Dennis Hopper in this movie is incredible. Gary Oldman in this movie is incredible. Michael Rappaport in this movie is fuck funny as fuck. Brad Pitt as like the stoner couch potato is incredible. Like you've got so many choices that all come together and make like <laughs> such yeah. a perfect little movie. Um, because uh, it's Christ kind of Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken Christopher is the Walken. Sicilian mob boss. Holy yeah. shit. Like, like what that a scene, the, 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 that scene, like where he talks about yeah. the, uh, the uh, about the Sicilians and the, yeah, who they were spawned the, yeah. by. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he, and he just like the way he plays it off and that scene is like perfect. It's so yeah. perfect. And you've got, again, uh, Jimmy Gandolfini is the fucking enforcer of the mob. I mean, it's just, and this is really early, like for a lot of these, uh, again, it's an early Tarantino script. It's an early, you know, in a lot of these people's careers. Um, but like, yeah, I, I don't know. There's just so much to love about this movie. Uh, and it is, it's, I think it's right. He made this right after Last Boy Scout. And Last Boy Scout was like, it was a huge, huge box office movie. Last Boy Scout was fucking massive. Bruce Willis and Damon Wayans in like 1991 or whatever. And that had a lot of witty dialogue and fast quips and stuff. And so I guess that somebody felt that Tony Scott was able to do this material. And he, he, he by God, he did. Yeah. Uh, there is an, uh, like an unrated or like an extended cut of this movie that I recommend everybody watch. And uh, it's, it, it's not talked about because, again, it's not directed by Tarantino, so it's not in his thing. But every time they release a box set with Tarantino movies, this movie is in it, basically. This is because yeah, yeah. it's part of the Tarantino verse. It's not as explicit about it because, again, the branding hadn't been worked out and the art for like the cigarettes or whatever the fuck, you know, red apples or whatever like that. That stuff hadn't been worked out yet, but like it's in the verse. And it's interesting to, like you were saying, to read interviews with him and to watch him talk about this stuff is like he was absolutely trying to set up a fucking movie universe. It was like, him and Kevin Smith at the time, like Kevin Smith did it, but Kevin like it. it was, it was an interesting, it was like a new time for cinema that like, you've got these like younger guys who are younger than the Scorsese's and the Coppola's and like, you know, all the, yeah. the, the movie brats that we were talking about and they're able to take it a step further and get more meta with it and make movies yeah. about loving movies and not just like, you know, it, it's just, it's so cool. And yeah, so cool. I just, I love this movie. What I love. So like, like you're saying, this is a Tarantino like the script is Tarantino, totally. One hundred percent, yeah. And there's so many like the things like I think it's the James Gandolfini character goes off on a rant about how much he loves uh, Apocalypse Now. Oh I, yeah, <laughs> I believe it's him. That's that's when you know it's a Tarantino when there's these weird asides. Yeah, yeah. But like when you're a cinephile, you're like, I really fucking like that we talked about randomly in this gangster movie. We talked about yeah. Apocalypse Now because I love yeah. Apocalypse Now, and that just kind of makes this thing feel more rich because yeah. yeah like sometimes you're out in life and then people are like, you know, I just saw the movie Apocalypse Now again and it was amazing. Right. I think it's beyond. It's like one of the greatest films ever, you yeah, know, yeah, it's yeah. stuff like that. And like, yeah, the Sicilian. Oh my God. Oh my God. That, that scene whole, is incredible. That whole scene. And then he like, he fucking kills him. And then what is he says? Like, I haven't killed someone in like 15 years or something like that. <laughs> I, I don't remember exactly. Yeah, He says something like that. It's great. And, and that's, that's the Tarantino stuff. Yeah. Or there's these, these monologues and, these asides and you know these great side characters like the the Gary Oldman character is like one of the best characters I can think of 
Yeah. He's in what there a for character. Like a minute and he's just like unbelievable like pure character. Pure character. Yeah. I'm trying to get his name uh Drexel. Drexel. Yeah, Drexel. Yeah. The, oh, the drug like you like, say you say Drexel, you just you instantly like you get an image in your head and you're just like, oh yeah, the dreads and like yeah, yeah like the, the, the gold teeth and shit. Well the And you know when he writes the script, he's so descriptive that he laid it all out there. Yeah. The entire right. character. He put it in. He did That's all right. the work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it's it's really something to see like all the stuff he was trying to do and when you really see the big picture and you like you see Jackie Brown, you see um Pulp Fiction, you see Reservoir Dogs and the and like this film, it's all kind of feels like one mm-hmm, one mm-hmm. thing, one mind. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And and like you were saying, like it's interesting, like uh, at this time, like we had these movies and we had these directors like Linklater was coming up as well. And like movies uh, where people, <clears throat> I mean, Tarantino is always working at least at this point within the gangster genre, but like the gangsters are talking about like normal day, everyday. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. 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 Um, and like, again, clerks is another one where it's literally just fucking nerds talking about nerd stuff. Yeah. And it's, it's like very like nowadays we take it for granted because it's everywhere, but like 25, 30 years ago, that shit wasn't cool. It wasn't. It was very unsexy. It was very not cool, dude. Twenty five yeah. years ago, you you're you're gonna like if you went walked in. Okay, guys. So I got this movie idea uh, about like I work at a convenience store and me and my friend we talk about Star Wars. Okay, and what happens? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like that's the then, and, oh yeah. By the way, I'm like I'm a comedian. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, okay. like that's the thing. Exactly. And and it's like, uh, okay, get the fuck out of here. But yeah. that movie is like really, really, really good and really successful. And yeah, it was like kind of for a long time, it was not cool to like be really into this stuff is people say like, okay, you're really into like movies and shit. Okay, whatever. You're really into Star Wars. Okay, I watched yeah. that as a kid, but right. whatever. Like unless we're talking like on a Roger Ebert level of discourse and we're like, well, I really thought that And you this work for film... a newspaper. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like. Okay, work for a newspaper or yeah, exactly. go write a book and I'll you could be a scholar about it, but like as a fan, you know, what's kind of your place and it's 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 cool that this movie in particular True Romance the lead character is just a movie fan. Like the what like there's you know when you write a character it's like what are a couple things that define him? He just he's a movie fan. Yeah. And it's like, what a boring character. But then you put him through uh, all of these insane larger than life than life yeah, scenarios. scenarios. Yeah. And it's just a really cool uh, idea. And again, I think obviously it's talked about that the script is so strong, but I also think the direction is really strong because, again, you could have given this to some other fucking guy who was just making movies for the studios and it would have been probably diluted and less interesting. Uh, they, yeah, they would have like, yeah, you need someone like him or like, I mean, he would never do it. But like a guy like Clint Eastwood, someone who's like. Okay, I'm dedicated to the script. I will just do that. Would script. be interesting. That would be very interesting because I mean, Clint Eastwood's not very stylish. Is is the thing? Like he doesn't really make too many crazy choices. Tony Scott is all about the fucking like. Let me yeah. give you the fucking upside down Dutch angle, uh, Dutch angle, and fucking do the colors and everything. So I think it's it's like a good marriage when this happens. And of course, it gets overshadowed by Pulp Fiction and all that stuff. But it's a really great film on its own. Yeah, yeah, it's a great film. Uh, cool. All right. So my number 36 is Hitchcock film North by Northwest. I've heard of it. 1959. Um, North by Northwest is uh, one, one of my probably I feel like the most entertaining for me of mm. all of his films. Mm-hmm. Um, this is it almost kind of feels like it like if you were to do a 
if you were to do a James Bond movie, it would feel a lot like this if they if it were mm-hmm. of, of ever to happen. Uh, so again, very simple setup. This guy is so funny. Like when you think about like the, the <laughs> actual setup it's of this so film, it's so stupid. It's so stupid. Like he's he's literally like in this uh this this hotel or something. He's at a meeting and and he's just like, oh hey hey or whatever. And it's like, oh, was that call for me? Oh whoops, it's not for me. Then they think you're the guy, and yeah. then these people think you're a spy and they're gonna try and kill you. And that's it. And we're just taken off on this huge adventure. And I really want to give credit to the writer, this guy, uh, Ernest uh, uh, Lehman or Leham. Mm-hmm. This guy, so be, this, really what this film is, is a setup and then a bunch of ideas that he had that were really, mm-hmm. that Hitchcock had that are really, really good. Mm-hmm. But that's not a film. That's just ideas. Mm-hmm. He had to make this into an actual story. And the story is really good. What mm-hmm. they figured out with this. Because like, you know, again, he knew... Hitchcock knew I want to do this this thing where they're on Mount uh, or whatever like the the place at the end. Yeah, he knew, Mount, he's like Mount Rushmore. Right? Rushmore, yeah, yeah, yeah. He knew he wanted to do the Mount Rushmore scene. He knew he wanted to do the crop duster scene. He knew the setup. <laughs> See, the more but, you 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 say it, the more like stupid '50s spy movie this sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's just like all this random shit. Yeah, yeah. And but then this guy like has to make a story out of it, and they did a really good job. I think and like and again he hits those moments so well so fucking yeah. well that crop yeah. duster scene is unbelievably cool y- yeah just like for this time that's you know like like i'll talk about a moment later like that comes that that's another practical effect kind of thing that they did in another film but it's just it's just the equivalent of you know i don't know to use Tenet as an example, running the plane into a- basically, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I mean, it's still even even like it, the magic of it is removed by about sixty years at this point. But uh, it's it's still like it's a really like well. Uh, I mean, everything Hitchcock did obviously was is masterful. But like, it's a really well kind of planned out scene. It's just really, oh, it's, it's so just, brilliant. Yeah. So you can't say like, yeah, okay, maybe the 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 special effects or whatever, you know, like you you we could watch Tenet on IMAX and it's fucking they're blowing up shit, but like something about the craft of it is 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 just as good as anything that could come out today. Absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah. like you know, again, like I said, the he he knew exactly how he wanted to play that scene, right? He knew guy shows up. There's a guy across the street. And then the suspense is like, okay, is this guy across the street? Is he the guy I need to be looking out for? But then he's not. He gets on the bus and he leaves. Mm-hmm. And then you're just out there and then a fucking <laughs> plane comes at you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which, which, again, sounds very Scooby-Doo and it sounds very silly. But for whatever reason, like you said, like it just the way that the, the, the whole narrative is kind of strung together and the way that they it's kind of I mean, it's humorous, but like it's played straight. It's uh, it, it works for some reason. It works, dude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, this this is totally like if he was gonna if he was gonna like if you just put James Bond in this and if you like change the setup yeah. a little bit, this is his Bond film. Yeah, 100%, 100%. that's a good way to put it. I never thought about it that way. Um, in fact, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna rewatch this because I've been meaning to rewatch some of the Hitchcock movies, and I have like the box it over there, and this is one that I've been meaning to rewatch. I never thought about like seeing it through the prism of like an early James Bond movie. Mm-hmm. It's it's really fun. Like, uh, and there's there's some really interesting moments. One of my favorites is like. Uh, so they try to kill him by making him drink, and then they put him in a car and just send him off. Oh, yeah. uh, and then like, there's a scene where he's like fucked up and yeah, he barely yeah, yeah. lives. And then like, so then he gets arraigned the next day for a DUI, and then he's on this conversation with his mom. He's like, "No, like 
No, mom, no, they didn't give me a chaser. God damn it. Like, blah, blah. <laughs> I'm not a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> They're trying to kill me. Don't you understand? No one believes me. <laughs> yeah, this movie, this this is like, for me, the most entertaining Hitchcock film. It's just so fun. Yeah, it's, sure. It, it's just that. got all these really big, cool set pieces. And the directing is really good. And it's just, yeah, he just put in a lot of his best ideas, I think, mm-hmm. into this film. And, and, and it's, and it's fun and they're having fun with it. And it's not like, um, cause I think honestly, it's like North by Northwest rear window, like vertigo are kind of like the ones that like keep being like exalted as like the best ones. Yeah. But like, they, uh, like vertigo is, is, is kind of, I think believed to be the best one, but, uh, but it, it, they're doing very different things. Like Vertigo is more yeah, cerebral yeah. and it's more kind of psychological. And this movie is just pure, just fucking. It's like throwing shit at a wall to at a wall, to, you know, to a certain extent. But it's it, just yeah, done. Yeah, yeah. But it's done at such a high level of just like yeah. expert craftsmen. Yeah, it's just it's hard to not. I don't know. It's just a really good fucking movie. It's hard to not just like love what you're what's happening. Yeah, exactly. You know, because it's just like because again, like the Roger Eberts could come in and be like, yes, but actually the complexity and the depth of the whatever is it's like, is that all? You know, like sometimes, you know, like a good movie is just a good movie. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah, sometimes I just want to get that feeling of like not knowing what's going to happen and seeing a fucking crop duster fly yeah, past right. this guy's head and just like never forget that ever in my life. Exactly. Ever. The odd, yeah, and the audiences, you know, shit their pants forever <laughs> you know that movie yeah good stuff so so um yeah that's my number 36 uh north point northwest cool all right well then my number 36 we're sort of adjacent sticking to the tarantino uh milieu as they say uh my number 36 is robert rodriguez's desperado mm-hmm. and uh, I, I can't think of a, of a movie that is that more encapsulates like my particular brand of like action that I want to see than this. It's just it's just so it's basically like John Woo by way of like <laughs> Mexico. I don't know how to, else to describe yeah. it. It is just it is balls to the walls. It's it's got, um, so I like the efficiency in this movie. That's what, uh, you know, there's other movies that are, you know, like there's a John Woo movie, but those usually go on for like two hours and there's a love interest and there's, you know, more, more complexity sort of before we get to the shootouts. This movie is pretty much all shootouts and it's a very simple premise. Uh, it's the mariachi from the first mariachi movie that nobody saw, uh, because that movie was made on like a, literally no money in Mexico. Uh, and it did well in Mexico and like some people saw it in America, but then again, Miramax comes in and uh, with the help of Tarantino and they finally give Robert Rodriguez and he, and he's not, he's done. They did a, a, a an anthology movie together uh, for rooms where it was him and Tarantino and a couple other directors. They each directed scenes with Tim Roth as the lead character. And the, the best scenes from that movie were the Rodriguez and the Tarantino scenes. And in the Rodriguez scene, it was basically like a proto version of spy kids. It was like, so Tim Roth is a bellboy and he goes around and Antonio Banderas is a fucking spy or some shit. And he's getting ready. To, he's getting, he's getting ready to leave the room and he's like, and he's got his wife with him and he's like trying to tell Tim Roth, like what to do. I don't remember exactly what it is, but like he's Rodriguez has been kind of working or working his way up through Hollywood. And then, they just give him, I guess, enough money to make this movie. And it's a true, all of his stylistic sensibilities come out in this movie. And there's just gunfight after gunfight. There's scenes where uh, the Cuchillo, 
the fucking Danny Trejo character just fucking throwing knives at this guy and he's got knives coming all out like he's just bleeding out of every possible fucking orifice. There's that great scene where he's like he's limping and then he goes up against the wall and then it's like a tracking shot and then he's just like smearing blood across this wall because he's bleeding so hard and um there's just so much to love about this movie. There's that there's a Tarantino scene in this movie where he walks in and he's, he tells like, it's like a five minute non sequitur where Tarantino himself is in the scene. And he's just telling a joke about pissing all over the bartender or whatever. Um, and I, I believe Steve Buscemi is in that scene too. I mean, there's just so many great moments in this film, but in particular, the action is over the top. It's like guys with rocket launcher, like guys with guitar cases that are rocket launchers. <laughs> And uh, there's a there's a, again, there's that scene in the fucking bar with like Cheech is behind the bar and then, you know, like some shit starts and he's got, du- you know, he's dual wielding pistols and j- literally John Woo just jumping all over the place and shoot dodging and diving in midair. And uh, there's a guy like I remember a guy has him pinned down and he shoots the ceiling fan. The ceiling fan comes down and knocks the guy out. I mean, there's just all of these crazy creative things in this movie Salma Hayek makes her debut in this movie and just is instantly just I mean you just have to look at her basically and say like yeah she's gonna be a movie star uh and I mean granted it sucks that she gets her start in a Merrimax movie because then that starts a relationship with Harvey Weinstein and we know how that ended but uh you know whatever I guess she got her Oscar but uh it is just such a perfect little movie it doesn't overstay its welcome it's only about you know it's like a little more than an hour and a half I think um and it's just such a tight story it's just like this guy who ends up in this town and he's just trying to fucking figure out i guess where he's going and uh, he just ends up getting involved with all of the degenerates and just shooting everybody up yeah this this sounds definitely like illusion big time have you Um, have you not seen desperado i've not seen i've not seen it yet i i need to like see if you see it if you see it you'll understand everything i'm just talking about it's got i mean again it the the you just got to watch the scene with tarantino where he tells that joke in the bar with steve buscemi and you understand everything i'm talking about it is it is half a Tarantino movie and it is half a John Woo movie. And it's like, it's like the, the fucking tequila mix of, of of Robert Rodriguez. It's, Mm -hmm. it's so then you haven't seen the scene. Oh my God, there's this incredible scene. So they have sex spoiler alert. Uh, And then in the morning after uh, Salma Hayek is playing a guitar and she's singing and it's this beautiful scene. She has her eyes closed and he's like watching her sing and she's so beautiful. And, um, then he sees these shadows behind the curtains of like their, their, their hotel room moving and he's tracking them and she's singing. She's got her eyes closed. She doesn't know what's going on. And the only soundtrack is her singing. And it's really tense because you can tell these are hitmen that are trying to kill them. And he's got his guns out and he's basically tracking them. Uh, and she's in front of him. He's tracking them. He's tracking these shadows and they end up directly behind her. So he has to point both of his guns. He ends up pointing them at her head because the hitmen are behind her. And then he has to like knock and he just wake, wake her up, fucking throws her to the bed, shoots the guys. There's fucking explosions everywhere. I mean, this movie is incredible. Um, it is, yeah. it is. It's not just a Lucian movie. It is the the reason that Robert Rodriguez still has a career in Hollywood, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, it's people when people this movie. It was this movie was fucking huge when it came out. Uh, yeah, I remember. Yeah. Uh, I will. And I mean, I would remember when it came out. Obviously, I was too young, but like it had a life on 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 DVD and everything mm-hmm. afterwards. And again, he gets to make uh, right after this. He's he makes big Miramax movies. He made The Faculty, which was shitty. Uh, but uh, he made from actually no immediately after this he makes from dust till dawn the Tarantino partnership continues yeah the the other half and half movie yeah yeah right so it's just you have to see this movie it's it's incredible yeah 
Yeah, I feel like because I remember seeing like commercials for it was really Once Upon a Time in Mexico where I feel like they do some similar stuff. Well, Once Upon a Time in Mexico is a sequel to this. Yeah. But uh, like like the guitar gun or like the guitar like yeah. he's chuck he like like loads of guitar like I remember seeing that in a commercial yeah like, well it's because it's it's a trilogy it's his Mexico trilogy and it's all the same characters but uh, once upon a time in Mexico in my opinion suffers from that like it's the part three and they're just trying to do too much it's like the Spider Man three kind of where he's given a little more money like at this point he is Robert Rodriguez right um, so he's given a lot more money and he's able to make it bigger and it's about like this coup and he's got you know Willem Dafoe. I think it's a Willem Dafoe, isn't it? Um, and you, you know, Johnny Depp, and he, you know, he just rounds it out with all these other A-listers, and it just gets a little too much. Desperado is like the perfect middle ground of like not too much, not too little. Yeah. Again, you've got Denny Trejo, you've got Steve Buscemi, you've got all of these great, great, great character uh, Cheech Marin. You like, you've got all these great character actors, like these bit parts. And uh, yeah. yeah, it's just a rip roar and good time. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to check those out. I I, I haven't seen uh, enough of his films, like the films that made him him. You know. Yeah, yeah. This movie, I you put it, you watch this with someone uh, that you just want to have like a good time with. It's it's so entertaining. It is so good. It's so great. I can't say enough good things about Desperado. And this is Desperado is one of those movies that like when I saw it, I was like, if. Like, obviously, in my mind as a kid, I'm like, I'll never be able to make movies because movies are, are they, they come out of this magic factory and I'm not there because I was in Romania at the time. And I was like, yeah, whatever. But like, if if I could make movies like this is ex- this is the type of movie I would want to see forever. <laughs> and honestly, we haven't seen I mean, something that is just this blatantly Hong Kong action. I haven't seen in a while. So, yeah, I kind of kind of died out that that movement died out in sort of like the 90s early 2000s because you know again like we said the john woo stuff and the john woo doing uh what was that mission impossible 2 yeah 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 yeah. that kind of that that was was the shark the jumping the shark moment yeah yeah well it was really i think i think the problem was that well first off i think he was like fuck this on one level yeah you know and, well, he, and it just, I just certainly. don't think it could really, it would, it just wasn't the right. Cause like, yeah, I've, I've heard like, like there's some bad stuff been coming out about what happened on that movie. Not bad, but like, like basically he, he was like, okay, I want to do this and this and this and this. And who was directing all the actors was Tom Cruise. Of course he was. Yeah. Which was, which to me is like, no, no. And, yeah. and Daddy Newton talked about this thing where Tom Cruise was mad at her. So he, he was like, okay, we're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to read your lines. You read my lines. And she was like, I don't want to do it. We're going to do it. Yeah. Jesus Christ. That happened on that movie. I, I hate everything about what you just said. No, for real. And, and and so then what's his name? Like, like he's off in the corner, just like thinking about like, Oh, yeah. Like how do I fucking meticulously, you know, because he, he probably, from what I've heard, like he didn't speak English well enough to like be able to communicate. He he, he never did. He never did. Yeah. So he was just like, okay, do this and this and this. It was probably an interpreter. And Tom but, Cruise, that was that that movie was a Cruise Wagner production. This was like uh, early in the life of that production company. So he was like, if if this is gonna have my name all over it, you know, like I'm gonna fuck it. Who's already a notorious, you know? Again, he's come up control in the news free, now, yeah, yelling at people exactly on set. So yeah, he was he was like, okay, if this is my thing. I'm gonna go. <laughs> yeah, no, that MI two was gonna make my top one hundred for sure because I just it's it's it came out at the right time for me and, and that soundtrack, dude, with fucking Limp Biscuit and Metallica. Limp Biscuit! Get out of here! Oh my God. Get out of here! 
like, you can't be more 2000s you than Limp Bizkit. That's my, and that's it's my really favorite good. shit. It's it, their really version good. of the theme song is actually really it's good. It's really yeah. fucking good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, but yeah, um, I don't know. It's We could talk about that, uh, you know, maybe at some other point. But uh, the, the point is, I love Desperado. Everybody should watch Desperado because it is so goddamn entertaining. Cool. All right, Desperado. So my number 35, blockbuster I think a lot of people have heard of, a movie called Jaws. Ah, sure. So, you know, again, we talk about the simple premises. This is the uh, one well, about the giant octopus, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, the opening the opening of this movie is really good. We see some teenagers. She goes skinny dipping. Right. And shark eats her. Kills her. Uh, and well, so then like we, a P- From like a POV. Yeah, yeah, we like see really, him, really, like, really fucking like the pulling tension. Her under, pulling her around. Da, 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 yeah. Da. yeah. And yeah, it's, yeah, Spielberg talked about, you know, how he wanted to shoot the scene. And he was like, yeah, I just want, I want, I want people to infer. I don't want people to see, like, see a fucking big shark eat someone. It's almost worse to see a girl just like get pulled around and pulled under. Well, that was scene. like, well, that was like the Corman way of doing it would be to just show that. And uh, there's, thankfully, there is a string of the, you know, these filmmakers who are like, what if we, don't show everything, you know, yeah. like, like alien is just like, what if two hours of this movie is all in your head? <laughs> yeah. And then like at the, yeah, in the middle of the film, you see this thing pop out of stomach and then, mm-hmm. you know, 30 minutes later you see a bigger thing eat people. Yeah. yeah. That's probably pretty scary. Right. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. So this, this film is, is a very interesting. So Spielberg, again, this is, this is kind of what really kind of propelled him. Um, he, <laughs> this is so crazy. So like he basically got his start. He decided one day that he was going to just, I think it was Paramount or something like that. He just, he just broke into the, he, he, he yeah. Yeah, lied his way in yeah, mm-hmm. on Paramount. He like got like a fake ID or badge or something and yeah. he just showed it to the guy and like, oh, hey, hey. And he just, he literally took over an office in Paramount. That sounds like a fake story. And I wouldn't believe it if it wasn't corroborated by so many people. Like I was recently watching stuff about like Coppola and he was like, yeah, the reason that like I'm able to do Godfather shit is because Steven Spielberg got in at Paramount. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> Which and is li- crazy. He literally just broke in and he yeah. just, it would be, it would be like if, if you and me just like walked into Warner Brothers. If I just Brothers showed up to Warner Brothers. Yeah. And, and we just like, we literally took an office. We took the office. Someone like someone got fired or whatever, or, or they left. We just took their office and we just started hanging out there. Trust me, I'd and, love to. <laughs> and then, and then, like, like we pick our head out, like, oh, hey, by the way, I, I, I got the script. Like, you want to mm-hmm. see my script, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or whatever. And so then he starts. Then they, they just start hiring him to do. Yeah, something. well, he start he starts like directing stuff that like just corporate Television. stuff, like things, mm-hmm. small things that they need to be done. He's like, oh, you need a director for that? Like, oh, I no, it's fine. Like, I, I, I'm the guy. I don't have a oh, yeah. guy. I am the guy. Yeah, yeah, I'm the guy. I, I'll do it for you. And then yeah. they're like, okay. And then they like what he does. And so then they have him do Duel, this TV movie, which is fucking incredible. I love Duel. Incredible. I love movie. Duel. Yeah, really and like then it. And they, they set him up to do Jaws. And, you know, there's problems with the shark and they're writing the script. But it's the, it is the perfect confluence of all these things. They get this brilliant script and he has these, he, ha- he knows what the vision of the film needs to be for this to work. Mm hmm. And he's able to pull it off and it becomes this huge blockbuster. Um, and this is, yeah, this is like, this is a horror movie, 100%. This is a horror movie. Like, there's some, like, oh, it's an adventure. It's a fucking horror movie about a shark eating people, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's just, it's just like, there's so many things about it, too, that kind of have become relevant again. This is this is another film that's become relevant again yeah. in our again and again COVID and again. era. Yeah. Where, you know, who's the villain of this film? Is it the shark? 
No, it's it's, it's it the fucking the guy who doesn't close down the beach. <laughs> it, it's basically the people because the people also don't want them to shut down. Yeah. The, the the beach because they are like well but i want to go swimming yeah does this sound familiar to anybody (laughs) and then and then some people get eaten by a fucking shark and it's like oh my god how dare you not shut down the (laughs) the the beach because people i didn't know that people i was gonna get eaten by a shark it's like dude when didn't we tell you and then (laughs) they're sent off on this adventure to kill the shark but it's so prescient because like yeah they are the villain the the people of the town and the mayor, the mayor who's the embodiment of this, you know, this the, ideology the corporate kind of, yeah. 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 Um, and you know, you think like, Oh, well, no one would ever do that. No one would ever like, if there's a shark be like, you know, you can't, we have to shut Wait, it that's down. A, that's like a B movie premise. So he's like, I know we're not going to shut down the beaches. And then, you know, he'll, you know, shenanigans ensue. Yeah. And then we learn in real life. It's not a B movie. premise. Exactly. It, it, yeah. It is a, real life premise because <laughs> because it's such a it's such a smart thing too because that's an intrinsic thing we all in life we always make trade-offs right uh how much right. risk is too much risk mm-hmm. and when people can't see what what they're risking when they don't understand it they're like well yeah i can risk getting eaten by a shark like who's what's that gonna happen oh well your son got eaten by a shark and now right. it's like okay this is a real thing this is a mm-hmm. real thing and now we have to use resources to stop it yeah, it, it, this is a perfect film, and and again, like the film itself is like so 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 yeah. so good, so well written, so many beautiful moments. You know, just Very, like even small stuff like this shot of like they're out at night, and then you see the star. Yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. Well, star. it's the uh, the the other thing that works that makes this movie what it is is the bromance, is the 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 three guys on a boat aspect of it. Um, that I think is, is another reason that it endured for so long is that you get into like, okay, we have the premise, we have the setup, there's a shark, and now we're going to hang out with these guys and they're just going to be at sea for the majority of this movie. And like, what the fuck yeah. are they going to do? And then, you know, like, what do you do when you're, you know, in confinement with people like you tell stories and you're hanging out? And there is an element of that in this movie that, uh, you know, like we just talked about how we like to see in Tarantino movies. We like to see the gangsters talk about burgers, you know, every once in a while. Um, we like to, when these guys are telling stories to each other, you know, it's just fun to, to get into those characters. And then you care, obviously when one of them dies, you care a lot more. Like it just does, like you're right. Like this movie is kind of perfect in that it just does the, I mean, obviously the script has to be, has to provide for all of these things to happen, but like it just set up, it's so smart in the way that it's, it kind of just does all these things that you expect effortlessly and you don't think about them. You don't think about them. Yeah. Yeah, Aaron had a comment. It sounds like COVID twenty twenty. <laughs> oh, well. We were yeah, trying I, to be subtle about it. <laughs> I, I mean, like that's that's really that's really what it is. It's 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 exactly the same thing. Oh well, I'm not gonna get COVID. I'm, it's fine. Like don't don't shut down the restaurant. Oh my god, my how dare you? My son got COVID because he was out licking the freaking knobs at the goddamn Safeway. It's yeah. like, well, dude, we we told you. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, so who, so in, in real life, we just need a, a Roy Scheider and uh, Richard Dreyfus and Robert Shaw to come along and help us, right? <laughs> those are well, those are basically the scientists. The scientists who figure the out scientists how are to, making the vaccine. Yeah, how to sure. Make the vaccine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So yeah, I mean, I love Jaws. It's a great, it's a great movie. Um, you know, and, and yeah. again, like I even like, <laughs> like Jaws is so good. I like the shitty ripoff B movie. 
the actual B-movie version of Jaws, like Deep Blue Sea. Um, oh, oh, with, with Samuel Jackson. Oh, yeah. you can't not love that. That's a that's a yeah. We were talking about uh, Rennie Harlan last week. He's the guy who took over Die Hard after John McTiernan. Those are the types of shitty movies that he was making in the nineties. Yeah, Deep Blue Sea. I mean, they were. That's a that's such a B movie. That's such a great pull because it's like. A B- it's a B oh movie God. that like gets released in theaters for some reason, and then you realize like this should it's never. Because of the names, the yeah, names right, were huge. They were it. right, but like it just it was that and like Anaconda at the time, if you remember, because oh. they had fucking J Lo and John Voight and a fucking Ice Cube. Like, Ice Cube, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, also, also, Owen Wilson was in that movie. Owen Wilson's in that movie. But those yeah. movies should never happen. Those movies should never come out in theaters, and, and we've learned the lesson now for with these like eighty-minute pieces of shit on Hulu that keep coming out. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's Jaws is just a miracle in that it is such a B movie premise that turns out to uh, obviously not be a B movie premise, and it's actually just like a really well made movie. Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. I love Jaws. Jaws is Jaws is just like Jaws is life. <laughs> Jaws is life. Yeah, and it will continue to be life. People are going to continue. And again, it's it's uh, it's like a one flew over the cuckoo's nest thing. It's just like. It's not uh, you. You can't really point at it. I mean, you can, I guess, but like, you're not gonna point at it and be like, "That's a '70s movie." Like, they they do effects better now. It's like that's not the point. Like, it's just it's it's again, it's the craft. It's the the kind of you're just so into this story immediately. You you watch five minutes of it on TV. It's hard not to watch the rest of the thing. So I don't know if I've ever seen a better shark movie. Like a like shark there, movie. Th- no. <laughs> right. Like like even the shark, the way the shark looks. Like yeah. There's, They've done CGI sharks. They look fucking fake. They look bad. Dude, I watched that piece of shit that came out last year, The Meg, with Jason Meg. Statham. Oh. Holy shit. Have you seen that, that fucking I've, thing? I, I've seen it, but like, I yeah, I've seen it. I've it's seen it. Dude, it's yeah. it's worse than you could imagine. <laughs> oh, I mean, like, the, there's not like there isn't a part of me that loves the idea that in the third act, Jason Statham literally like punches a shark underwater or like a megalodon like that. I I'm obviously attracted to that, but like there it's also, so, it's so shitty. <laughs> yeah. Also just like the, you know, you got again, Captain Britain, the, the swimmer who's Oi. a silver medalist. Yeah. Boy, I'm going to swim and take, take out this shark, you know, <laughs> like him swimming with like that. I, I, I I'm kind of really down for that premise. Yeah, but then the the the, the Chinese special effects come in and everything is just a CGI fucking abortion, and I just it, it's yeah it's just so it's, bad. Yeah, yeah, and just like you know, comparing that with this movie, I, I mean, th- those are basically the same movie. It's the same movie. It's just a different yeah, setup sure. for how you 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 have the massive shark. It's just how do you go bigger than Jaws? Make the shark bigger is what some people think. That's, that's what they not tried. it, Chief. No, 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 they, no. See, no. that's Jaws, what they thought. They thought, yeah. I'll make the shark bigger. That's what they thought would, yeah. would sell it. Jaws, Jaws works the same reason that Alien works. It's the tension. It's the characters. It's the camaraderie. And it's the, the situations, you know? Yeah, yeah. Aaron says they'll never yeah, be no. shark more than Jaws. Um, all the buildup before we, we see exactly. the shark was beautiful. Exactly. Yeah. It's the tension and the buildup. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and the shark looks good when the, we see the shark. Um, mm-hmm. But he was so smart that he used it sparingly. So the shark looked good. It looks better than, again, even like Deep Blue Sea when they do the CGI. Oh Jesus shark. Christ! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. They did use CGI. A, they did use a practical shark in like some scenes that was good too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think there's even like a scene where it bites off uh, what's his name's arm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. That was pretty good, but yeah, that was yeah. a practical. That was a real mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm. That was a real thing. It wasn't some CGI. Yeah, but again, like it doesn't. It, yeah, that the, it that takes the B movie premise and it just fucking take just rides it as a B movie. It rides it as a B movie. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, this this is like this is probably one of the rare B movies that ascended its itself basically. That's it's it, in spite of everything. No, that's yeah. that's why people still talk about Jaws is that this movie should not it should not either should not work or it should just not be as revered as it is. Like it shouldn't be as good as it is. Yeah, There's it no, should not it should not have worked as well as it it like there are there yeah. are literally thousands of Jaws yeah. in the movie out yeah. there that exists and they're like 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 Aaron like they did this review of this movie Elves this horror oh, movie Jesus. Elves yeah <laughs> and then they, they it was just like it was a total like the premise based on the premise of what it was selling like killer elves like Santa's elves sure yeah. yeah 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 but based on that it was just a piece of shit like they didn't even do the B movie premise right right yeah 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 like yeah, there's yeah. Just so many of these bad B movie premises that but yeah. this totally goes above and beyond what it should have been. Really. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a reason that Spielberg is fucking Spielberg is because, you know, people are able to watch this movie and they're like, on paper, this is a Roger Corman movie that like it doesn't work. But like, why is it so good? And then you kind of realize that like some of the people at the helm knew what they were doing. Exactly. Exactly. You got the master directing mm-hmm. it. You got mm-hmm. really great writing. Great actors. And, and too. you got that score. You've got that John That's, Williams score. Yeah. Yeah. The score had a lot to do with it too. Yeah. Um, but absolutely. The, uh, you know, I think I think the the actors deserve a lot. Of, like Richard Dreyfuss is great. Yes, um, Roy uh, Scheider is one of the absolute fucking Roy greats, Scheider. dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is he is absolutely on his A game in this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This is the other <laughs> the other guy. So they they James uh, they reviewed it. James and Aaron reviewed Elves. That's funny. <laughs> that movie. That's so funny. Um, yeah, and actually, James was the one that was like, "Oh, let's watch this movie" because he looked at the box. The box looks cool. The box cover art—it's like we, an elf with like knives and shit. And at it's some like, point, we have to talk about like cover arts and how like selling a movie oftentimes is just better than the movie itself. Yeah. Like, especially for these like low rent, straight to DVD dumpster fires. Like that is—it's an art, dude. Like the poster for Jaws, right? Yeah, one of the greatest posters of all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just True. like you see the woman and you see the shark coming, mm-hmm. and it's like a, it's like a. But it looks like yeah. a Roger Corman fucking it's poster. <laughs> like it just, it looks like you know, uh, Piranha or something. Like it just looks like one of those movies. Uh, and you watch it, and everybody shits their pants in the theaters because it's so intense. Yeah, and they they're not used, they, they wanted to come see a beautiful woman get ripped in half. What they got was this like camaraderie this like meditative thing almost and they were it's a character study about what happens when we're hit by natural disasters um (laughs) instead and and then there's also some people getting eaten by sharks and then the shark blows up we you know we get they do pay us off pay off yeah we they pay us off 100 and roystarter fights one-on-one with the shark yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's again that's another reason why this movie works so well we get exactly what we came for but we get a better story than what we expected yeah you know, he fights the shark. The shark eats that fucking thing. He blows it up. Got that great one-liner, and he blows up the shark. And boom, that's it. Jaws. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I gotta, I gotta see. There's a. They just recently put out a 4K uh, Blu-ray of this, and I gotta, I gotta see that because I haven't seen Jaws in a minute. So I gotta watch that 4K. But again, yeah. it's like I own all of the Spielberg movies, including Duel. Like I just have all of them, and it is going to be a colossal pain in my ass to upgrade the entire Spielberg catalog to 4K now that I they know, keep coming yeah. out. But uh, Jaws is one that I think I should invest in. For sure, yeah. There's a, a lot of his are going to look good. I, I recently watched, uh, did another review on the channel for War of the Worlds on 4K. Mm, it's beautiful. I, would, it's very, I love that film. Yeah, well, I saw um, 
I picked up Saving Private Ryan like the day that came out on 4K Blu-ray, and it oh, yeah. blew my fucking mind how good that movie looked. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he shoots everything on 35 at least. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So all his films, they look, they look filmic. You know, it's got they that, do. that, they that do. quality. Yeah, and the the transfer is, is really good too. The transfers so. are really good. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so that's uh, my number 35, Jaws. Jaws. Good shit. All right. Well, my number 35, and this is a movie that I don't know if there's a 4K Blu-ray of it, but I would love to see this movie in 4K. Absolutely one of my favorite movies, A Clockwork Orange by Stanley Kubrick. And why do you think I love this movie so much? What? Uh, I mean, is it the, is it the degenerate sex yeah. or is it like the, the sci-fi premise? Ding, 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 it- ding, 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 ding. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's so the, the main character of this movie is just a irreprehensible piece of garbage is just an un him and his entire crew is just this unbelievable human stain right it's just (laughs) like it's just and and i love that and i love that again especially for when this movie was made in the 70s i mean kubrick like he's he's kind of a fucking darling right i mean he does um he does all of these great uh kind of like we were talking about his Hollywood career, like mm-hmm. Pats of Glory was like this great yeah. contemplative thing, but it, you know, it wasn't, it was done through the studio system. So it wasn't like a whole lot of gore or anything. Um, then you've got, you know, Spartacus, mm-hmm. you've got 2001 and these are great, like general audience movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Strangelove, it like blows a lot of people's minds. And then at some point in the seventies, he just fucking goes for it. And he Clockwork Orange, Clockwork Orange is, I think, if I remember correctly, probably I think it follows like Barry Lyndon, right? It's like it's I think it's his first like hard R, like I don't give a fuck kind of a thing. It's right before The Shining comes out, and um, I just love this movie. So it follows Alex around and his group of the degenerates, and uh, this droogs. movie just these droogs, yes, my yeah. my my little droogies. And uh, the, the way that it's written, obviously, it's adapted from the novel. So, like, some of the, the the in-world kind of vocabulary is there. And it's really interesting. And the production design, like, in that milk bar that they go to is just so fucking fascinating. And it's all just weird. You know, it's all psychosexual stuff. It's all stuff that I'm into. It's all everything is, like, the shape of a woman or the shape of a dick or whatever. Yeah. Um, and they're, like, literally drinking, like, milk from, like, this titty. And it's... <laughs> Yes. It's insane. It's crazy. Um, and I love the, uh, the the those women that come up to him in the bar and they're like sucking on lollipops and he's just like, ah, <laughs> how'd you fancy the old in out in out, eh? It's just fucking, it's just so weird. And their costumes, right? Their costumes were instantly iconic. Yeah, right, instantly. right, right, right. Yeah, and the the makeup with the eyelashes the and and stuff and. Yeah, and Malcolm McDowell is like an unsung hero of this era. I, in my opinion, like this, like this movie Caligula, and he does a couple other like fucking bizarre movies in the seventies, uh, just like really weird sexual stuff. Um, and then you know the whole kind of beginning of the movie, like they, it just shows them beating up on innocent people and old people, yeah. and it culminates with kind of the ransacking and like yeah. kind of the pillage and rape of this man's house and his wife. Uh, and there's like this really kind of interesting, like long take of them just like manhandling this woman and just ripping her clothes off and stuff. And it's really like, that's kind of the point where like, it puts you over the edge. You're like, all right, like I, that's, I can't possibly hate these people more. (laughs) Right. Uh, and then, and then it goes through the process of rehabilitating this character. And it's just so interesting because like, you wouldn't think that it's possible and like, certainly I think as an audience member, you don't necessarily ever go fully to his side uh but well you kind of feel bad for him because then you know he he gets beat up by his old crew members and 
Like if, they become for, cops. <laughs> they become That's cops. like so perfect. They become cops and they right. start kicking his and ass. They beat his ass. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. It's uh, but it's got a lot of that that Kubrick isms. Like it's got that uh, that like stage play scene. Uh, that like uh, that almost like Alcoholics Anonymous, but for like degenerates scene uh, where it's like set to the. Um, there's like a curtain. I don't remember exactly some of the, some of the overall like themes get lost on me in this movie because I'm so captivated by, again, the production design, the, the language that they use all of the intense violence. And again, this is another movie that the censors were like, we're we're not putting this fucking thing out. And it was like, yeah, you will. And so there was a lot of back and forth with the MPAA and some of the other agencies. And uh, I, I always, I always favor those movies that like have a rough time of it. Because there's a lot of movies that come out that are just pure extreme cinema. And I don't get me wrong. We'll talk about some of that stuff later. But, like, I love extreme cinema. But, like, I like it when big name directors go out on a limb and they do stuff like this. And certainly Clockwork Orange is a, is a tale about, you know, just violent. Again, it's like another violence and desensitization to violence type of a thing. And they literally, literally have to desensitize this motherfucker to violence. They strap him in and they, <laughs> they, they keep his eyes open and it's, it's really harrowing stuff. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it's not a mystery why I love this movie so much, but uh, I think again, Kubrick's genius with the, the, the framing and the kind of the production design and the sets I would love to see this movie in 4K and to really kind of get that sense. I'd like to see it on the big screen eventually. I've seen this movie a hell of a lot of times on DVD and Blu-ray, but I'd love to see it on the big screen at some point. This movie is masterful. This this movie, like, there's there's so much to, to like about it. Like you're saying, the production design, the costumes, the feel of it, the acting's amazing. And this is actually, I believe this is basically the probably one of the, what during this era, right? Like, once he'd gone to... to to England and he was living there and he was basically doing, he would spend whatever amount of time, like three years on a project and then do it. This was like the fastest film he shot. Like, okay. I, I was, I was wrong. This is after 2001. This is not after Barry. Lyndon. <laughs> Barry Lyndon is after this, this, he follows up 2001 with this movie. This movie is 1971. It is really fucking early with on. With this degenerate movie. insanity. It's insane. Just, it's insane that this movie got made, uh, you know, and it, yeah. this movie is brutal. Wow. This movie yeah. is brutal. Yeah. And, you know, like, you could see why. Like, you could see, like, why they would be like, oh, we can't show up this. <laughs> yeah. Like, they're, they're going to fucking do this. They're going to go out in the street and they're going to start see gangs of people wearing these top hats and these canes. It's funny, too, because we, we keep talking about, like, the new Hollywood stuff. Like, we talked about Bonnie and Clyde. Like, Bonnie and, right around that time, Bonnie and Clyde, Wild Bunch, some of those movies, Easy Rider come out. Like, the floodgates are open and we can make R-rated movies now properly. It's crazy to me that Kubrick is able to to come out immediately in 1971 and just be like, I'm just going to show you a five minute long take of them beating this black man inside of an abandoned theater. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking crazy. Yeah, these the, the the scene with the I'm singing in the rain while he's kicking this guy's ass and and uh, yeah. about to break his wife. Like that's one of the greatest scenes of all time. It is it's so it's- insane. And right, and that was a big thing. It was just like Warner Brothers. You're just gonna let them fucking use singing in the rain. Like you're just gonna let this happen. Like, what does that tell our? Like, we're trying to create like a, a fucking safe kind of environment where these movies exist, and now you're gonna pull them into this degeneracy like that. No. <laughs> yeah, but they they let him do it, and it, it's you know I feel like this was the one film where where Cooper really got the right actor for him. Like yeah, the performance yeah. was always exactly what he wanted. Yeah, I think and so. And it was just like the perfect so, so like somebody whose insanity matched his insanity as a director. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's just it, it's a it's an amazing performance. It's a crazy film. It's a crazy, it's a crazy film. film. And and again, you know the 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 theme is just like you know yeah, there are these disgusting, depraved, insane people. Like this dude there, is yeah. the scum of the universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but society tries to completely brainwash him out of it, and it just can't do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, it, you'll just some people are just broken. I think you could take that away from this movie. Yeah. Yeah, and then at the end, he's just like, oh, I was, I was cured all right. <laughs> they oh, I, was, I was cured all right. And he's, he's going to go right back into the degeneracy. It's, yeah. It's coming, <laughs> it's coming back, guns blazing. <laughs> yeah, I, I love, there's so much to love about this movie. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I just love the the, the extremity of it. Yeah. Uh, and, and just coming out like in such a polished state. Because again, it's not like you can't see smut if you want to see smut. But like somebody who's really smart when I – mean, somebody – Somebody who just makes 2001 that fundamentally changes fucking movies forever. Yes. Make something like this. It's really cool yeah. to me. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. And it's just, you gotta love, you just gotta love Kubrick just as an, an Like artist. His, his, his passion projects were obviously like some of the best work he's ever done. Uh, like the string that he had in the 70s and 80s is just, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, all right. So my number 34 is Fight Club. David Fincher's Fight Club. Uh, this movie, uh, again, this is another TV all-star. Like you watch this sure. at any point in yeah. the narrative, you're sucked in. I have a story about that actually. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, I definitely feel like I saw this probably like, I didn't see it in theaters. I probably saw it like on TV at some point and was just, you know, taken in. Um, it's just so, I don't know. There's just something about the, the acting is great. It's, it's a very like, you know, again, this is a movie about a bunch of guys who kind of have midlife crises, and then they go around. Well, they you know, they have like masculinity. Whatever. They have masculinity crises. Yeah. Well, a lot of them are like in their thirties or. But like but that of, yeah 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 it's 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 kind of uh to the point where we're at almost where it's just like if we had like office jobs or whatever like I had yeah. that I absolutely had that Fight Club moment a couple of years ago and I was just yeah. like the the end goal of this is just another cubicle uh huh. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Or even just like, like they call it the crisis of meaning. This is sort of like mm-hmm. the, the I don't know what you would call it, but it's like the, sure. the problem of certain people that you have all these things, but you're not really satisfied. Yeah. And why is that? What What is the thing that's missing there for people yeah. that causes yeah. them to then do, you know, in this film, it's like start a fucking sort of terrorist organization, yeah. basically. Um, yeah, this, this film, this film, it, the, the style, the directing, everything about it, the story, it's just so palpably strong and yeah. just everything you want. Yeah. Um, you can't look away. It's just so interesting. It's like the, the, the violence is good, though, too. And just Fincher really just kills it in this. Movie. I can't. Kills it, yeah, kills I can't. I'm going to I'm going to save a lot of my kind of just. Yeah jerk off a uh, uh, massive just uh, tirade about how much I love this movie because it's 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 higher on my list it's and we'll higher, talk about yeah, it yeah. later. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, this is a, one of those movies that, in my opinion, and this could be a shitty opinion and like an unresearched one, you could say, but like 1999 is like absolutely one of the greatest years for, for cinema for the reason that like it ushered in the 21st century, obviously, but like the types of postmodern kind of disenfranchised like the machine within the machine kind of type stuff like so we had fight club we had the matrix which was literally about that we had you know tv was going fucking crazy we had the sopranos that is just like 
what if gangsters, but like, you know, family, like, like, like what if gangsters, but like divorced from all of the tropes, like, you know, like, I, or, you know, just meaning finding the meaning within the genres and stuff like that. There's just so much to say about like the stuff that came out that year. And uh, a lot of my favorite movies come out of that year, but Fight Club in particular, like I remember seeing it, my dad back in Romania, my dad, what, what he would do is he would get a sunflower seeds and a beer and sit in front of the TV and like whatever, like eight o'clock every night on like one of the Romanian channels was like a movie. They would just pick a movie and they had like the broadcast rights for Ro- in like all of Romania in like 2001 or whatever to show Fight Club. And it was like a big deal. And it was like the only place you can watch Fight Club is just fucking here because like DVD rental store is not really a thing. VHS is maybe. Um, so he sat his ass down eight o'clock p.m. Fight Club comes on TV. And mind you, on in Romania, there's uh, Europe, I should say, there's no censorship. They don't censor language. They don't censor anything because they don't need to. Because, again, every literally every movie that comes out is either G or you have to be at least 12. And there's like nothing past that. Uh, we don't give. A, that's why I, you know I, I love cursing. Maybe maybe that's why I'm attracted to it. But like, th- th- no one cares. It's just it is what it is. It's not like over here we're like, ah, oh, we can show you, you know, somebody's eyeballs being gouged out, but you can't hear the f word. Yeah, it's weird stuff like that. So like, yeah, he sat his ass down. He watched Fight Club. Uh, I don't think I was there, or I maybe I wasn't paying attention. But he like, I remember he came to me. He was just like, I was like, fucking what? I was like twelve years old. He was like, kid. You got to watch this movie, Fight Club. And I was like, okay, dad. And then. That's <laughs> and hilarious. I, dude, uh, it blew my fucking mind yeah. because when you're that young or maybe when you haven't seen that many movies, the the Tyler Durden twist, you, re- you really don't see that you shit. You really don't coming. see it coming. You yeah. really like the, you. It's impossible. Like your, your little brain is incapable of thinking in those terms because you haven't seen enough movies yet. <laughs> yeah, <And laughs> exactly. Yeah. Dude. I shit my fucking pants. Uh, So for the longest time, I thought that Fight Club was like this ultimate exercise in the plot twist. I thought it was the greatest thing ever. Again, Sixth Sense also came out in 1999. I just thought like that was that was just a fucking pinnacle of movie making is you could pull off a good twist. And then the more I rewatched the movie and I got into high school and college and I kept rewatching this movie, I eventually I got to see it in theaters. They put it out in like a re-release and I got to to really dig into how fucking brilliant and how smart the meta the the societal commentary is and even the meta commentary again we were just talking about mank he put the fucking cigarette burns in the corner in mank which is awesome it's so fun that he's a that you know he's so because and they do a comment about that in this movie there's an there's an entire scene about it in this movie with the with the cock and they show you the dick at the end i mean everything is paid off everything in this movie is just it is so self-contained it is so perfect and we'll talk about it more later but like to me this is a 10 out of 10 fucking perfect movie yeah this movie is so it's just like it, it just it just get it just it just sucks you into it just sucks you into the world and like brad fucking pitt okay yeah brad pitt is one of the great like superstar actors of yeah. all time in in the entire history of cinema this dude was born to fucking be on screen and to be in movies yeah he was fucking born to be in movies and like yeah. stuff like this. You really see it. We're just really the pure charismatic that oozes out of him. And you're just like, yeah, I'd fucking join that guy and be a terrorist or whatever. <laughs> Dude. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, and you really got to appreciate like the, again, the choices that he makes because he, he's like the ultimate, like one for them, one for me kind of uh, a lister. Like he'll do the, the, the big budget shit and he'll do the heartthrob romantic roles, but then he'll do stuff like fight club and he elevates those projects. Kind of like a Leonardo DiCaprio started doing this, but you could, 
you could hate him because he's more outspoken about the environment and he seems a little up his own ass and he's always like dating some fucking 19 year old. It's like, <laughs> there's always like, there's something you can say, but like Brad Pitt is like very consistent. Like he's very comfortable in his role as a movie star. And I feel like he he's aware of, of the influence and the power that he has. And he's able to, to do stuff with like an Andrew Dominic and, um, Again, uh, assassination of fucking Jesse James, James and killing them softly. And he has that great scene with James Gandolfini in that movie. And he like he gets it. He goes into the minutiae. He does. He just did Ad Astra with James Gray. Like he's uh, uh, the Tarantino movies. I mean, he is. Oh, yeah. I mean, real. I mean, when you think about where Tarantino was when he did Glorious Bastards and what the budget like that was right after uh, whatever Grindhouse that flopped. Yeah, it flopped majorly. And and then he's like, yeah, I want to do a World War II movie where I kill Hitler. And it's like, the fuck? But yeah. Brad Pitt will be in it. And I'm going to get these other actors in it. And yep. then they're like, okay, we'll give you $100 million. We'll let you do it. Or, and that, well, that well, his... Yeah, well, he was like, well, I'm going to cast, uh, I'm going to cast European actors in this. I'm going to cast, uh, you know, Melanie Loren and Christoph, Christoph Waltz and Michael Fassbender and, you know, all these other guys. And they're like, who the fuck are these people? And lo and behold everybody has an a-list career now but like <laughs> yeah yeah he's he's another guy who you can't fuck with when it comes to casting um, yeah but like again you're yeah. right like this is someone like brad pitt is able to elevate but also edward norton in this movie i edward mean if norton, edward yeah. norton if edward norton was not a known quantity before this movie holy shit i mean yeah what just a, think about edward norton in the 90s oh my god what a, he yeah. just kills it right yeah he's in primal fear then he does american history x then he's in this yeah. movie yeah yeah just and, kills the game kills the game over and over and and it's yeah it's like he's this intellectual kind of nerdy every man uh-huh. opposed by this like fucking adonis uh, you know sculpt from marble ultra masculine guy and there's so many great lines in there where he's just like self-improvement is masturbation and just <laughs> there's like all these great lines that just yeah. comment on how fucking bullshit all of it is um and yeah, it's it's just a we could talk about it, and we, we will talk, talk about, about it, it yeah. more. Yeah, but we'll yeah, talk I just about it more. I fucking love Fight Club, dude. <laughs> yeah, so that's yeah, we love this fucking movie. We yeah, fucking, I feel like this is like the type of movie, right? That was like we saw it at the perfect time, the perfect yeah. age. Yeah, both like the plot twist really like hooked you in, but then like as you get older, you're like, whoa, this movie is about how I have to deal with things in my life over time. Yeah, right, 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 right. right. Well, and again, it, it, it's 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 also when it's released. I mean, this movie would not if it came in. It, it would not work in any other year, like in 1989, for example. Or in, this yeah. this movie also, I I think you can't really to be no honest. because no. now when people think about this premise, a bunch of guys who are sort of unhappy with they think of it t- people toxic. that are gonna yeah no no that but they think of people who are gonna kill people like they the, the terrorism stuff at this time. Again, right. like blowing up corporations, fine. But nowadays, yeah. Well, it's like, it's, it's, it's you can hit the punchline and people go, ha ha. Now it's like, even though even then, again, there was Timothy McVeigh, but like I, I, I don't think mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. you know it was. I was just thinking about recently. I watched uh, True Lies, and they oh, were thinking Jesus. about doing a yeah, exactly. <laughs> they were thinking about doing a sequel, and then nine eleven, they were like. Pfft. Dead. never again never again. <laughs> yeah, yeah never yeah. again will they ever touch that premise because yeah. 9-11 happened yeah and then the palpability of what terrorism actually can do and it can't just be a punchline anymore yeah yeah yeah, yeah. this this yeah. movie this movie exactly. i don't know if you could really do it no. even in like 2000 
even in 2000 and uh like four two, or something four, yeah whatever. yeah like yeah. like like people like people just would not would not be able no. to accept the premise of a bunch of dudes and again we get we get bogged down in like oh it's a bunch of white dudes blowing up shit uh, we, like, that's exactly know, it that is you exactly fucking know that would happen yeah and it, all of the fucking oh uh, i can see them now all the articles is like oh this fucking the white masculine uh, <laughs> movie and it's all white guys and it's just ah uh, man but yeah. thankfully thank god this movie came at the right time so it doesn't have to it, touch it, any it, of that bullshit exactly it exactly just floats over it yeah and it's yeah, this yeah. beautiful artifact that that just exists yeah yeah and, and for a lot and, of people, I mean, people that were like, they listen, we're old as fuck. There's people that were born in 2000, 2001, 2002. This movie has always existed. Yeah. And uh, so that's a, that I think that's that can only be a net positive, I think. Yeah. So so Fight Club, like love, like and, and man, David Fincher, David Fincher is such a fucking like, great director. Dude, too. like when he gets when he gets the thing, like when he really gets into a thing that he wants to do, I feel like there's very little people who can like execute on a premise uh, on that level on on such an incredible like we were just talking about again mank and the minutia of like the hollywood like the mile a minute dialogue and the references to the execs and to 1930s yeah. hollywood i mean unless you're really into that shit yeah. I, 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 there's no there's no way anybody could could make that movie that, that way that he made it you know yeah. it's just so with so many references and stuff and yeah fight club is just it's a stick. Really, it's, it's it's really psychological too. Is yeah. the the movie? Yes, so yes. I mean, that's I really what I love think, about it. I really think like he, him, and Brad Pitt is just like a match made in heaven. Yeah. Uh, oh well, yeah, a, absolutely. A really intellectual director with just one of the greatest actors ever. Yeah. Um, and like, the guy who's yeah, just willing seven, to go there. Yeah, in seven, I I think that I don't know if Brad Pitt's ever looked more cinematic than what the way they make him look in seven. There's some yeah. shots you're like, that's that was a human being that was alive. I know. You looked right? like that. Yeah, well, it's like uh, it, it, it's <laughs> same like with seeing, this movie too. Same with this it, movie. Well, it's like seeing any of the fucking guys in the you know in the forties. You're like, uh, like you know, like Cagney was real. You know, fucking Gary Cooper was real. Like it's it's you know, like a lot of those like ch- chiseled out of marble kind yeah. of perfect cinema faces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love this movie. Love Fight Club, and we'll we'll get to talk about it more, which I'm excited yeah, we about. Yeah, we will. We will. <laughs> it'll, it'll take a, a while, but we'll get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Cool. Right. Awesome. Well, my number 30, we're on 34, right? Uh-huh. Uh, cool. My number 34 is Attica! Uh, Dog Day Afternoon, directed yeah. by the great Sidney Lumet, uh, one of the uh, kind of mentors of, of Al Pacino. Al Pacino is, I mean, it's not a secret if you've been watching any of these movie, any of these uh, videos of ours. Al Pacino is my favorite actor of all time. Um, and Dog Day Afternoon is kind of one of his signature roles, one of his signature movies. It's got some of the greatest moments. It's got, again, the Attica thing. It's got, um, like, when the dad sees him on the TV and stuff. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's just so many yeah. fucking great moments in this movie. And uh, it's kind of a simple premise. Uh, it's just these fucking, again, degenerates. Uh, or maybe they're not, they're not necessarily, de- they're actually not degenerates. But uh, they, they just basically, they, they, you know, they walk into a bank and they're just like, we're going to rob this bank now. And then the, the rest of the movie is just, how does that play out? Yeah. And this is the type of premise that, like, has been in movies forever and is still in movies. Like, I remember... Um, there was like a Spike Lee movie called Inside Man that was Inside Man. It was basically this, mm-hmm. uh, but it was like from the perspective. There was the Negotiator with fucking Kevin Spacey and Samuel Jackson. Uh, there's a lot of movie premises like this, but not one that like hits on the humanity kind of of the bank robbers like yeah. this one does. Um, in particular, John Cazale 
uh, when you learn kind of why they're doing it and kind of what his, the, the reason, yeah. what he needs the money for and uh -huh. shit is just like, <laughs> right? wow, dude. Like, and listen, this is another one of those movies that like, I saw it, you know, when I was in high school and then I kept revisiting it and fr from trying to kind of understand it from like a craft perspective of like how this movie was put together uh, because it's so, it's another one of those uh, and like engrossing kind of TV all-star movies where like, yeah, if is. you, if you catch any one of the scenes in this movie, you're just like, what the fuck is going on? What is this movie about? And you see the cops setting up the barriers outside and there's all the, there's like so many undertones, right? There's like, obviously the John Cazales stuff. There's the, uh, the cops and the, the kind of friction between the people, the, the civilians and the cops that are, you know, there's the snipers across the roof and shit. Um, and you're just kind of rooting for the bank robbers. You know yeah. they're not gonna. You're not. You know they're not gonna make it out alive. Like you know they're not gonna fucking survive it. But it just like turns into this like really sad kind of chamber piece where you're just like shit, man. Like people make people make mistakes, huh? <laughs> people get desperate, right? People get desperate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's just one of the great, great, great Al Pacino roles and performances. Yeah. This is at the time. So this is still in the in the mid to early 70s where he was just he was doing the subdued Pacino. He wasn't yes. ah, he wasn't there yet. Um, it was the Godfather era. There was a film he did before this called Bobby Deerfield, which is just basically hot people and cinematography and race cars and stuff. Um, it was a it's a Sidney Pollock film, actually. It was a really good film. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's just like, we're going to go to Italy and France and shoot these like great scenes and we're going to have Al Pacino and then he's attractive and we're going to have like attractive German people that fall in love with him. And that was kind of the whole premise of that movie. Uh, and yeah, but this is another one of those like intellectual performances. Like we talked about one of the strengths of Pacino is you could just hang on his face and he can tell you, yes. he can tell story. you, he can tell you not only the whole story, but what he's thinking. Like it, word for word, what he's thinking just by looking at his face. And there's a lot of that in this movie. And I, I love that. And again, Sidney Lumet is, is fucking made like 50 movies at this point. He knows what the fuck he's doing. And uh, it's just a great, uh, it's just really engrossing. And it's really kind of a sad uh, kind of a character. Yeah. Piece. Yeah, it is. And this, yeah, it's, it's a sad thing. I, I love Kazale. Like he's, he's one of the great actors and we just didn't see enough of him. We just did not get enough of him. Yeah. Man, like he's never in a bad movie. Ever. No, ever. never. Never. No. And then he died. And it's just like, wow, this guy, this guy really. And, you know, he was right there in that milieu. Like every, yeah. every, yeah. he was always working with either someone, you know, a big director like Coppola or with a big actor. Like he was always right in it. And he gave yeah. performances that are excellent every yeah. single and, and, time. And Kazali himself is another one of those like very subdued, like very another yeah, guy that you could just you just look at his face like that scene in the conversation, you know, when he meets yeah. when he's like working for just like some, you know, for the opposition more or less. And he's just selling equipment to make ends meet. And he's he gives that look to Gene Hackman and you just that's all you need to. He doesn't need to say anything. And there's yeah, a lot of that in yeah. this movie. Um, yeah. and, and he's got all these like great moments where he's just like. After a point, they're just exhausted. They're just like, they're gonna, they're gonna give us the helicopter, right? We're gonna get out of here. And you're just like, fuck. <laughs> it's a great yeah. movie. It's, it's a great, a great movie. fucking movie. And it's, it's again, it's one of my favorites. It's definitely, I mean, it's one of the crown jewels and it, it's one of the stones in in Pacino's Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah, sure. it is. It is. And um, yeah, but and I love that it's just it's it's before he went completely off the fucking wall. Not that that's a bad thing because we're gonna get to those movies because I love that side of him too. But I love the the kind of uh, thoughtful Pacino performances. Yeah, yeah, 
Oh, let me turn on my light in my room. <laughs> it's like it's, <laughs> yeah, it's it, dark it's, in here now. We're getting into the uh, into the, the extended after hours section. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So now we're at number thirty-three. So my number thirty-three is the Lord of the Rings: The Return of the King. No, the third meeting. I thought yeah. it was going to be the other way around. I thought we were going to hear about a uh, fellowship first. Fellowship. Uh, we'll, we'll hear about the fellowship. Well, I'm sure we're here. Why the fuck not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So this movie is about the end of this epic journey that we, we had been on for six hours, basically at this point when this movie yeah. uh, appears and uh, the extended version of this movie is four hours long. Good. It's, it is, <laughs> it is, it is good. Epic. Dude. Like the th- okay. Here's the thing about, when you start getting into like the the Lord of the Rings, you want to talk about deep dive, man. You can go deep on this fucking movie. Like the other day, I just randomly was watching something with um oh what's his name the guy who plays Saruman uh, I forget uh he's that British oh, actor Christopher Lee yeah Christopher yeah. Lee yeah Christopher Lee was talking about so he was talking about in this movie uh so he did his scenes and then they showed the movie. And and then they showed the theatrical cut to everyone before they showed it to anyone else. And is it the thing about him being stabbed? Well, basically, he was. He's not in it. He's he's not in the theatrical cut. There's like a scene where they confront him at the at the tower, and then they basically kill him. Um, And and he and they cut that from the theatrical. Uh (laughs) And he was like, "What the fuck? I'm not in the movie." (laughs) And he's like, "Oh, but you have to watch." The extended cut and that i'm in that version of it so yeah this movie like there's so much going on in this movie like yeah. there's so much going on and there's so many things like that this, just, is the, just, this is the one with the spider right yeah huh? the oh spider. fuck dude i love that shit i saw so Show i saw up. this movie yeah i saw this movie the dude, listen i don't know shit we talked about this with the two towers i don't know shit about shit i'm not into fantasy i'm not into lord of the rings i could care less but i saw this movie in theaters in 2003 when it came out uh, and again, I was I was a kid. I was like eleven or twelve years old. Yeah. But um, it, I couldn't follow a word of it. I it was incomprehensible to me. And I hadn't seen part two. I I saw I'd seen the fucking fellowship, and I didn't understand that thing either. Um, but I understood a little bit better than this. But like, I was just fucking captivated yeah, when I saw this. It's movie. mind blowing. It it's mind blowing. Like what they're able to do, and they've been building and building and building up all this stuff. Yeah, and yeah, the, basically the main thing in this is uh, they've won, they've won this battle, but then they're still they need to unite all the human humans to come together and fight this basically right. final battle because uh, Sauron's Sar- army is going to come and attack. Um, I forget whatever the, the the massive city basically, mm-hmm. and so it's pretty much like World War. <laughs> yeah, World, World yeah. War Middle Earth is happening. This is it, and we have the. We have to we have to fight the battle to to save the world. Um, and man, that final battle is is something else too. Like what what? Yeah. This is crazy, man. Right? Just thinking about the scale of what they're able to do. Think this about movie. this. It's crazy. Think about the scale. Think about the fact that like not only that human beings made this thing, but like the schedules, the amount of extras, <laughs> the logistics, the assistant director to the assistant director to the assistant director to just fucking like, I remember watching some behind the scenes stuff of how they made uh, some of the battle scenes in kingdom of heaven. And I thought that, that like that looked exhausting. Yeah, that looked uh, exhausting. This, this movie is, has gotta be just fucking off the chains. Exhausting. The <laughs> I mean, and it's so you like, they really, they really like, 
I what I appreciate is that they 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 could have basically done like like what George Lucas did with the prequels. Just have a fucking green screen. Yeah. <laughs> somewhere. Right. And right. just and just like it's just you and a green it's you and a dude in a green room, mm-hmm. but they really went out of their way to try and do as much practical stuff as they could in this movie. Yeah, the miniatures and you know they've done a four K of this now. Now again, I haven't rewatched these movies in like fifteen years. Yeah, uh, and it's been on my list now. As far in my mind's eye, it all holds up perfectly. Uh, does it? does do the on the 4k do the miniatures is everything does, does it look because like sometimes you get that early 2000 cgi kind of like you know ps2 game effect like <laughs> like some of the stuff in in the matrix reloaded is just kind of like it's eh, like the ghosts oh like those the, the yeah, yeah floating around and shit it's just like it gets a little weird but like as far as so, i can remember it, a lot of this shit was practical yeah yeah i mean and, and a lot of it was practical a lot of like the sets were miniatures and so they shot it on 35 so it still looks good Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the, so they, they, he talked about this. This is very, really funny, actually, when he was talking about doing the 4k that he, he said, this is not a special edition. <laughs> he literally says that he said, this is not a special. Now I just want to yeah, say, this is not a special edition. Yeah. Burnt. So they did not change any of the, the stuff Good. in terms of like, you know, upgrading, Good. upgrading it and making there, it. There's no need to upgrade different. it. Like it's a, like, would you, do you really need to fucking upgrade Lawrence of Arabia? Did you watch that shit? Like you don't need to upgrade that shit. Yeah. You don't, need to, no. <laughs> you know, yeah, like there's some to. things that like, yeah. Okay. Like, do you need to upgrade Jurassic park? I guess you could, but like, do you really want to fuck with it as a, as an artifact? I don't think, you know? Yeah. Uh, within the least, I think that there should be two tracks. It should be like, okay, here's the real thing that's no. untouched. And here's the thing that we fucked with. And we, we did a 4k, res of re-res of, uh, of the cgi or whatever yeah, yeah. if they I ever, actually know like, i don't think that's possible is they the don't thing. the assets are not. not no the assets are not high resolution enough i've looked into it <laughs> yeah I, I i i think yeah we're just we got what we got basically I, it would be interesting yeah. if they ever could they could they would could they could redo it but yeah yeah shoot it again but then you're like like what what is that <laughs> yeah nah, yeah but they don't they don't even shoot stuff it, it, like like stuff the highest resolution you would do something uh, that's a special effect is like 2K. They don't even shoot stuff in 4K. That's like a special effect. Just oh, don't special do effects, it. hell no. no, no, no Just no. don't do it. Just yeah. do not do it. And so, yeah, yeah it, there's basically a limit on how good it can look. And that's why, and it, but, but, it, but that's why I'm asking because I don't think, I don't think there's a limit on how good a, you know, a, a, a real full scale battle can look or a miniature kind of thing. Like it, it, when you're mixing in the practicals, like the fucking, you know, trench run in Star, in Star Wars, it just like looks good. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm curious. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. No, it looks good. It's looks. And the other thing too is like they in the 4K they have a new sound seven like a 7.1 Dolby. Is it track. is it Dolby Atmos or is it seven? Yeah, it's Atmos. It's Atmos. Yeah. <sighs> so it's it's kick ass. It's it's kick it's kick ass. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah it's the good shit. Um, That's it's like, the, it's like I, that drug. I, I honestly think Lord of the Rings is 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 up there as a cinematic achievement, uh, right up there with like a Seven Samurai or something. Just if, like, if I if I put them all together as one film, they'd be in my top ten. Right, they'd be in my top ten. 100%, right, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. incredible. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and so yeah, it basically, again, the plot is like Aragorn. He's finally got over his thing. He's gonna embrace that he's the king. And so then he meets these ghosts, literally ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> and, he, and he recruits a ghost army. Uh, Gandalf is like trying to fight uh, to protect the the city from is falling. This, uh, are we at uh, resurrected Gandalf at this point? Yeah, this is Gandalf the White. Okay. No longer, 
you know, Ken off the gray. Yes. Um, <laughs> oh, because he dies in that first one, right? Oh yeah, yeah. He well, well, okay, whatever. So, like, so, so he's he got he's got like a death scene, right? <laughs> he has a death scene. Um, in the second movie, what we find, and this was kind of cool about the second movie, it opens up with him falling, mm-hmm. and then we see him fight a fucking demon. Uh, yeah, I gotta rewatch these movies, <laughs> dude. Yeah, it literally it, it starts with that scene with him falling, and you see him fall, and he falls. He fucking takes a sword, and he's fighting a demon as he's falling. <laughs> and then later, you you find out that he in the book they go into it more. So you know, I I think the the film does a good job of like again like Tolkien. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we epic. talked about this. We it's talked so about this. So epic yeah. that it's like okay, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Basically, in the book, they talk about he fought this this demon Belrog. For thirty days straight. <laughs> See that that now that is like pure mythology stuff. Like that is yeah. the that's like like the Greek mythology stuff. And yeah. then Odysseus fucking sliced yeah. his cockles off, and you know it's just like yeah, like, yeah. It's like it's like, and then they they chopped off the nuts of the Titan. Exactly. Into the sea, and then the the mm-hmm. people came out. Of and the then sea. he gave birth to eight Medusas out of his semen. Like yeah, it's all this for crazy real, shit. For real, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, we we get some battle scenes of him on the top of a fucking mountain fighting this this, this demon thing, and he That's kills sick. it. Uh, but it, it, you know, we don't we don't need to know. Like, yes, I fought him for thirty five days. No, 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 no. We absolutely do not. Yeah, yeah. All you need to know about this movie is like the yeah. I, I there's just so much of the stuff that when you when you really see it and understand what they did, it's unbelievable, unbelievable what they did. That last yeah. scene when Frodo finally gets there and he. Just can't do it. He can't put the ring. Right. He just he's he's overcome, and then he gets his fucking he gets his fucking finger bit off by this crackhead. Good. Um, <laughs> he deserves. <laughs> and then they and then they throw him into the the lava, and that's it. Yeah. Um, yeah. This movie is just like unbelievable. It's it's unbelievable that they were able to do all the things that they did. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, ultimately, like you're right. Like stripping away all of the fucking mythology of it, it is relatively a simple premise it's just guy has thing he needs to go from here to here and just do a thing basically it would be like imagine the world war ii equivalent would be like um it was 1917 right we got to get the message to the brother ah. no, I'm, th- I'm thinking more like um like someone has like like let's imagine like someone has the way to build a new they have mm-hmm. that but you're in <laughs> okay here's here's the premise here's another pitch for you okay okay All so right. the germans invent the bomb first but a spy takes that information away from them but they're in germany in like 1939 they got to get out that's the movie yeah <laughs> that's right. basically the lord yeah. of the rings sure i like that that's basically the lord of the rings that you got to get out yeah and, but the, there's this this weapon of absolute destruction and if it gets into the hands of the enemy the world is over literally the world is over and the evil is going to supplant good for you know, I don't know, a thousand years or some, some insane amount of time. So some shit. Yeah. Then, yeah. then we start to get into the weeds about like the whole fucking rules of this world. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. That's, that's the, that's the premise. It's just like, you gotta, you gotta destroy this weapon of absolute yeah. destruction or else the world ends. Yeah. No, but it's like it's fucking the return of the King though. Like what an achievement. Yeah. Yeah. Truly just like the, the scale of which it's just, unbelievable. and he couldn't, it's so crazy because they couldn't even repeat it. When they then went, the same people went back to make the Hobbit, and they couldn't redo what I, they had just done. I guess, I, I I think the approach to that was probably misguided because they were like, "Well, listen, we did the battle sequences. 
We did like that. We can't do, we can't get bigger than that, but we have this new technology and we can fuck with the technology. We can shoot at a higher frame rate. We could do 3d. We could do more special. We could do CGI is good now. Right. We could do that. Uh, well, yes, but not when it looks like a video game, you know, like there's all these things that they've just, well, here's the thing. Know. Here's the thing that I think about when I think of the Hobbit. So, okay. So you and me were executive at Warner Brothers. Yeah. I'll and so, sure. and so I say to you, okay. Um, is it better for us to make $1 billion or $3 billion? Right. We have to say three, right? Or yeah, else yeah, why the yeah. fuck are we even working? Yeah. There? Yeah. Okay. So it, you make three movies. <laughs> well, the, the honestly, the Hobbit yeah. could have been a really sweet ass, like three hour movie. <laughs> uh, probably even. Yeah. It, it could have honestly been like a two hour, one, two hour movie yeah. or two and a half hour even. Yeah. And stick really with the book. Yeah. 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 And the other, you know, and this is, this is why, this is why it's so hard to make a good film, right? You got the same people making a film, but because, the the atmosphere was different and it was hard for them just to make the lord of the rings make three movies yeah. back to back to back yeah the way but there's, that, a, and, there's and, a but there's a certain scrappiness to lord of the rings that there isn't to the, like the hobbit feels more corporate to me uh like the lord of the rings was like very much like i want to make these fucking movies we'll shoot them in my fucking backyard in in, in new zealand i don't really care yeah we'll, uh, we'll literally rig the laws so exactly that exactly like they literally have a law called the hobbit law in New yeah. Zealand <laughs> because they created this weird loophole so that they could basically, you know, get tax breaks or whatever the fuck. That's so they could right. make these movies. And that's, and make that's what, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like there's that feeling of just like, we're going to scale this mountain together. And then by the time we get to the Hobbit is like, the world is yours kind of. And, and, and the thing too, is like when you're a filmmaker, right. Um, and someone says, okay, we want you to do, we want you to do three movies we're going to pay you. They probably paid them like 10 million each, oh, uh, at least, at, at least. least, at least, yeah. and your budget is basically you can, you, they probably would cap it at like 150 million each. Mm-hmm. You, you can't say no. Yeah, true. You I mean, you uh, can't say no. Um, right, right. Even, even if you've already made the fucking Lord of the Rings movies and you've already made your fucking dream $200 million King Kong movie. Yeah, exactly. You, you can't like, it's so attractive. You can't say no because <laughs> yeah. all that, all that, all those resources you get, you can then do a bunch of other stuff with that you really mm-hmm. want to do, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's just, that's just why, again, why the Lord of the Rings is such a miracle because it came, it is all these things came together to make it happen with yeah. the actors the fact that they they had Stuart Townsend playing Aragorn, and then they fired him halfway through, and then somehow yeah, yeah, yeah. they got the right guy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They are shooting it in New Zealand. They got the right director who's got a horror sensibility, but he's able to do, you know, CGI hey, and meld it and do they the they they fucking listen. They got their Sam Raimi to make their fucking. <laughs> That's basically what it is. Yeah, and <laughs> and the fact that it started it started with the Miramax, but they wanted right. one movie. And then he's like, uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah. And and then they they then shipped it to New Line. And so then mm-hmm. the basically the head of New Line, the whole if if the first movie failed, didn't make money, the whole thing sunk, sunk yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just it's just crazy. Like it just, dude, you got we gotta appreciate it, right? And that's why that's, 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 like exactly. that's why we're doing this. That's what me. I'm trying. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, that's what. Thank you. That's what I've been trying to get at with these movies. Like, yeah, you could talk about the hobby. Yeah, you could talk about other movies. But like the 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 sheer will power that goes into creating these first three movies. And again, it's like 
like you're saying, like they're, they're, they're inventing all of these like tax laws and things to shoot these battle scenes because I mean, short of, I don't know, like what, what do you have to be to shoot those types of battle scenes? You have to be dances with wolves or Braveheart or gladiator or something like that. No one's going to give, no one's going to let you fucking do this uh, for like a dumb fantasy movie that like nobody gives a shit about at the time. <laughs> Right. I mean, it's not that nobody gives a shit about it. It's just that it's not. It hasn't been thing. proved, right? Exactly. There's nothing provable. About it's, it. Like it wasn't even like the Spider-Man movies, right? To to say that at least there's some kind of corner of nerddom that we can mine for this stuff. It, it, there's none of that. There's, I think, what did they did? What did they have in the, the fucking Batman movies in the '90s, right? And those crashed and burned. So like, it's just such an. I I love talking about like the what these movies represent more than even talking about the movies themselves to yeah. a certain point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's just an absolute confluence of all these perfect things to create this beautiful piece of art, you know? Yeah, yeah, and they're they're amazing. They are totally. Um yeah, so that's that's my number thirty-three. The Lord of the Rings, the return of Sick. Yeah, that's pretty high. Uh this is a movie my number thirty-three is a movie that I thought was gonna be much higher. I mean it it again at this point, they're all my babies. They're all my babies at this point. But I just ugh, this movie, this movie is I, you can't fuck with it, dude. This movie's so good. I'm gonna read you a quote from this movie, all right? I'm gonna read you a line from the main character. <laughs> Ever notice how you come across somebody once in a while you shouldn't have fucked with? That's me. <laughs> Walt Kowalski, dude. Grand Torino, Clint Eastwood. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, Jesus, dude. What can you say about this movie? I mean, th- you want to talk about a movie that you can't make today? This is this is another one of those. Like, you can't. Just, <laughs> imagine if they made this today. This, well, this I is, think I think Clint doesn't give a fuck. So, well, Clint doesn't give a fuck. But like this movie, yeah. this movie's borderline illegal. Like, no fucking studio lets you make this unless you're Clint Eastwood and you're at Warner Brothers and you've already made thirty movies for them. Um, and it's just this great fuck. It's just this great swan song, kind of, to the entire. It like- it's it's a swan song to the Eastwood mythos. Like it's it's self referential because he knows. I mean, he's the star of it, and he's directing it, and it's the first thing he had acted in in uh, in probably like I think like four years at the time. But it's and certainly he, said he would never act again. Basically, correct. at the time, basically, yeah. Which we learn that um, some people are just born to do a thing like we were talking about you know brad pitt was just born to be in pictures clint eastwood was just born to be in pictures and to make movies he's just his entire life his entire adult life revolves around like he's been doing he's been doing shit since the 1950s he has been on studio lots like it think about how long of a time that is to be doing any one job and then to be constantly directing and constantly acting and shit. I mean, it's insane. So by the time we get to Gran Torino, this is the swan song of not only it's like it represents him and his entire generation. This like not yeah. nece- I mean, this like racist old man <laughs> and not but not maliciously. I mean, there's he's not malicious about it. Some of the stuff he says comes across as, as malicious, but like it's just purely the, the from the perspective of the, the again, the, the 1950s guy who used to stack people like you this high back in fucking Korea. <laughs> yes, like, his neighborhood's changing. His kids are. Yeah. They suck. Um, right. But there's but no he's, one he connects with. Right. Correct, and everybody right. All of his, all of his fucking racist friends are, are dead or dying, and you know he's he's kind of the last. He's like a relic, basically. Yeah, and you can read, and, and you could re- read that on many levels. You could read that as Clint is saying that you know 
his movies are a relic or he's a relic or the, his his type of machismo kind of action guy is a relic. And then you could say that like some of Clint's politics are fucked in, you know, this and that. And I don't really care to to get into any of that stuff because as a, as a movie, it is so relatable. It is so... I mean, it's 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 not unique. We've seen plenty. There's plenty of movies of just like you know, bitter old man moves into a neighborhood, or, or people move into his neighborhood, and it's like about him trying to. It's like the Leon the professional thing is just yeah, like oh, we're up, trying right or that, up that, right. Yeah, sure. Right. I mean, so, up is uh, up comes after this, but yeah, it's basically that same kind of story, uh, but it's filtered through the lens of the legend of Clint Eastwood, uh, and he's directing it and. It uh, that's why it works for me is that uh, it's he's very aware of what he's doing and the stuff that he's saying and he knows the stuff that he's saying is fucking irreprehensible and you know by the end of the movie <laughs> by by the end of the movie ultimately you know the the fucking fossil gets his comeuppance basically uh he just he cannot survive like, he literally cannot survive in this world like in this modern day world he just it just can't happen but there's so many great scenes in this movie it's 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 as close to a tarantino movie as i think clean Eastwood ever made uh with the with the dialogue with the the, the quips and the, he, like he he calls her fucking like a dragon lady get us more yeah, dragon lady. Dude, <laughs> there, my favorite was like there's like a white guy who's like trying to be like a gangster like black guy or whatever it's like what's wrong with you trying to be super spade and it's yeah like, yeah yeah it's well, that, that's and then and it's like i like i'm learning words that i never even knew were racist basically <laughs> yeah no he like this this movie like absolutely like, it mines the fucking it like, mines like racist uh it does slang yeah 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 and it's 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 sort of like yeah it's just like a, it's it really feels like the book end to almost like the Dirty Harry kind of shit, you know? It does. It does. It's like Dirty Harry retired and he lived in Michigan and he was just doing his thing and then his fucking neighborhood changed and this is how he kind of dealt with the end of basically his story. Of that era, yeah. I mean, Dirty yeah. Harry, and I mean, not to not to confuse these things because like Dirty Harry was at, like on the on the political end is the exact opposite of of Walt Kowalski because uh, Dirty Harry was actually like super progressive for for the time. <laughs> uh, the way the way he chews out the that police commissioner in like the first or second movie yeah. about like the the female officer basically he's like, oh, she can't be a cop because she's a woman. She fucking does a better job than me, you know that kind of stuff. Um, but I don't know. I just I, I love this movie. It's it's a great believe it or not. For me, it's a great family movie. I watched this movie with um, I had family visiting from Romania at the time in like 2009, I think. I watched it with my grandparents. I watched it with my uncle, and everybody got it. Like it's it's it was a universal thing. Like uh, they didn't yeah. necessarily they didn't have to understand the you know the American like the Korean War vet angle and the racial kind of because like you know like we don't really there's nothing I can relate kind of like having uh, like what are they like uh, Korean you know, people moving into your neighborhood. Like you, you can't really relate that to, to another culture as well. Like it's a, it's a very American thing, this movie, but everybody kind of got it. It's, it's not, a, it's not about all of the, like you could take the way the racist shit and whatever. And you could just say like, it's just about people learning to coexist basically. Yeah. Uh, and uh, kind of giving up some of that. Like, again, like you were talking about with the, um, uh, with the, the other movie is just like, just because like I'm supposed to hate you doesn't mean you know how hey, thank you Clint how, how you doing <laughs> yeah a hole in your face and go inside and sleep like a baby <laughs> <laughs> yeah this movie this movie is really something else on a lot of levels um yeah yeah and I feel like this this is this is like the movie for him to make and and yeah. act in 100 yeah. percent 
Yeah, and it, I mean, again, he is not. It, it, it is a perfect bookend to 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 yeah. that type of character. He does eventually. He make he acts in like two more movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, the most recent one he made, The Mule, is pretty good. It's pretty close, but it's not. Uh, it's you know, it's a little more plot driven, and it's it's not. It doesn't hit the highs of Gran Torino, but it's kind of the mm-hmm. same idea of like racist old man gets involved with drug dealers. But uh, this is this is it basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right, so we're at number 32. Mm-hmm. Um, so my number 32 is Scorsese film Goodfellas. Oh, shit. So Goodfellas is like... Strap uh, in, boys. We're going long. <laughs> talk about a TV all-star. Yeah, right. Never not watch the whole thing when you watch. It's impossible. Um, this is a- <laughs> Do you feel lucky, punk? Did I fire five shots or six? <laughs> <laughs> God, I love it. Um, so yeah, Goodfellas is like I feel like Goodfellas is I'm pretty I'm pretty sure this is my favorite. Uh, this I think I think if you held a gun at my head and I had to answer in five seconds, I would probably say Goodfellas too. You know, I was watching this again recently, and I I I, I find it funny that um, people kind of give uh, basic basically like he's he's kind of been doing he's been doing the same movie for a while. This casino, um, yeah, even sure. even the Irishman, like they yeah. just do the same thing. Like in Wolf this Wall movie, is, yeah, know, we Wolf of Wall Street, yeah. um, these big, basically three-hour epics about some person and them over time, and they use these different techniques to like depict how time changes. The Aviator, yeah, the Aviator, yeah, exactly. And like so, in this movie, like Henry Hill starts off as like a teenager, but it's fucking Ray Liotta, and he does right. Ray Liotta never looked like a teenager. No. I, I like not even not even in his earliest like I remember like I, I I went through his like filmography a while ago like his earliest movies in like eighty three or whatever he looks like fucking Ray Liotta. This <laughs> guy wants to know what you're drinking. I'm not. Oh, uh, Powerade, I guess. <laughs> Powerade. <laughs> yeah. So this is uh, Scorsese and Pileggi. They, they did. Did they also do Casino together? I don't know. That's a good. I'm gonna look that up right now. I, I'm sure they've done other other films together. Um, I feel like that was another film that he wrote that. Scorsese directed. Uh, yeah, it was it was Casino. Casino, yeah, yeah. yeah there there are strong like when the two of them worked like those two movies, Goodfellas and Casino, are like some of the best shit. Uh, fun fact: uh, Pileggi producer on The Irishman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was yeah. The, the gang getting together. The ga- <laughs> no, literally, yeah. It's, go back, search through the archives, look at our uh, Irishman conversations if you want to learn more about that. Yeah, um, yeah, our our stuff on like yeah, we went over and we could talk. For hours, hours. Yeah. We have talked for hours about the Irishman. Yeah. But yeah, this film again, it's like the same stuff. It's it's a guy, his life over time, and he just do you know, just like just does all this beautiful stuff to like get us into the time period, get us into the characters. Um it's it's really uh, incredible what and and Thomas Schumacher uh edited this one too, right? Well of yeah. course. I mean, so okay, you gotta think like uh yeah. Scorsese has been making the same movie over and over again. All right. Like when does this four kind of formula perfect? It's, it's this movie, right? This is the yeah. kind of blueprint of it. And so you got to think it's like all of the, all of the things that are working for him are working for him in this movie. And she is absolutely the fucking yeah. like glue, literally the, the, yeah, that like absolutely. makes all these movies. What, yeah. what I love about, about this stuff too, is like when you, Cause I feel like, so for me, I feel like he, he's really, a, he's like a director's director, you know, he like takes these moments and then he like puts a really interesting spin on them. And I don't know if your regular honest member totally understands what he's doing, 
Mm-hmm, so let's mm-hmm. give an example when they're digging that fucking ditch when uh whatever the guy who's in the trunk and then they they, they pull yeah. him out of the trunk they shoot him and there's that scene and i don't know how he got it to look like this but it's just one of the most insane scenes where it's like it's like backlit and it's fucking red yeah, and you see right, them in right, silhouettes yeah. they're fucking digging yeah like that's some of the most beautiful that's cinematic as fuck dude. cinematic <laughs> shit ever put in any film ever. Yeah. I don't know if people really understand and appreciate how beautiful that is in this movie about people who are fucking gangsters. Yeah. Right. Right. Like the fact that he's able to do that and give us that and give us both all the time. It's just so unbelievable. And there's tons of, there's another like really beautiful shot that he does uh, where I think they just, they were like on the phone and like what's his name he just got killed. They said, "Oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna make you a made guy." No, mm-hmm. get shot. Right, 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 right. And they're in it's it's him and De Niro and they're in the uh, in the diner in the diner and it's like it's a slow um, dolly. It's a slow dolly zoom. Yeah, yeah. And the yeah. effect you get seeing a slow dolly zoom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just it's just like you know, not only that. There's the uh, there's the track. I mean, everybody talks about the tracking shot when they go inside yeah. the Copacabana and uh, and everything. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of f- really like filmic stuff, and that's kind of why what makes we just talked about Scorsese during the whole Wolf of Washi segment. But that's kind of what makes why he's so kind Over of venerated. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, I mean, he's just at the peak of his powers. And- um, yeah, I think so. It's unbelievable. Like, and it's just so entertaining too. You know, it's so it, dude, it is so it's unbelievable. I've put this movie on before to watch like a like a ten minute clip, and I ended up watching an hour and a half of yeah. it. Like, you just cannot, can't. you can't stop again. And it has to do with the dialogue, the editing, the characters, the fast talking nature of it, the performances. Obviously, uh, Joe Pesci, he's on the screen. He's just fucking chewing it up. You can't like you can't chewing turn away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your it's guys great. in it from. Um, uh from what's it called from the tv show um, sopranos yeah from sopranos uh, yeah dude uh, dude there's a lot of people spider. from spider yeah imperioli's in this frank vincent Imperioli. frank vincent is frank vincent is the guy that they're burying he's like the whole conceit of the movie uh you've got uh tony sirico's in this for a little bit uh obviously lorraine brocco the fucking mob wife uh who was at the time forever typecast as the mob wife and she had to fight tooth and nail to not be to the mob to, wife yeah. dude it took her like a decade to not become a, a, yeah. a, to be cast as not mob roles she did yeah. a movie it's funny she did a movie in 1994 or 5 called getting gaudy uh, where she's like a prosecutor about getting john gaudy and then it was it's so funny dude and then and then eventually they made the gaudy movie for hbo with armando sante and uh and then she was like they were talking about getting her for the Sopranos for HBO as the mob wife. And she was just like, fuck off, dude. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is just like, yeah, this is, this is my favorite Scorsese movie. There's so much of just all the good stuff that's here. Yeah. This is the, I feel like the one that's universal. Like there's parts like, again, like you could, you could say you prefer like you, you know, I'm a Wolf of Wall Street guy. Cause I like the cocaine and the titties or like, I'm more of a, you know, I like some of his more sub I'm a taxi driver, more psychological, whatever. But I feel like you could put on Goodfellas in front of any kind of movie fan and they would just, it They're is just so instantly entertaining. And yeah, it's just so much of it is the characters and the, yeah, I, don't know, I just, yeah, the, the lines and like, yeah, he just, he just does, you know, it's quotable. He just makes all these cool choices. Like, like that scene when, when he, when Henry, you know, basically rats on him and it's like, you know, he's like basically breaks the, the fourth wall. He's talking to the camera. Um, yeah. It's oh little, yeah. 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 Like at the end, you know, when he's like, he's like on the witness stand and then they have him oh. talk to the camera and then he like walks out. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just like, it's just so cool. I mean, that was probably a writing thing too. 
Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I, love I it. feel like it's when it comes to mob movies. And I mean, again, Sopranos riffed a lot on this because they, they knew that they were a TV show about gangster shit. And if they were going to base the gangsters in the modern day, then the gangsters have to know about these movies. So it's like the Godfather and then Goodfellas, like in terms of yeah. just in the culture of mob movies and what people, how people conceive of the mafia, th- this is right under the Godfather, uh, I think. And it's, it's, yeah. it's not a stretch to say that. Yeah, absolutely. Because like this, this is like it's taking that, and because we, you know, the Godfather is almost because again, that that time period that's dealing with is like post World War II. It's very different from what we're dealing with here. Um, well, not very different, but it it is it is it is no, like a different type of gangster. It's a different type of gangster, exactly. It's <laughs> it's in a way, it's like uh, there's it's like l- l- feels like the less degenerate. Even though they're doing the same exact shit and they're killing people basically for all the ultimate gains of money and glory, yeah. but like it just feels a little more classy because everybody's <laughs> yeah, everybody's I mean, wearing I mean, suits and not saying good, fuck as much. Yeah, Goodfellas, like like um, the thing the thing about um, about like the Godfather is like they're very they're they're almost like the royalty, right? <laughs> Yeah, like, no, if, they are. If you could imagine a ga- a, a a gangster royalty, because like you know, that's that's really the the conceit of um of of Vito. He's just like, oh, I don't I don't like to sell the drugs. I don't I don't blame you if you do it, but I'm not going to do it. Right. I just own I just own all the politicians in New York, and I use that right. to get. That's right. what I do, but I don't want to sell drugs, and I don't want to do you know. <laughs> it's, a, it's a little. It's a yeah. It's a little more intellectual than that. It's just you know, and then because then because it's very easy to make the 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 draw the the line in the audience instead of like wait. So is he saying that the systems of power are just as corrupt as the mafia? Uh? So like you could get into some of the more kind of uh, kind of read deeper into it, but I feel like Goodfellas is uh, like the surface level of it is a lot more accessible. And just like, it's just, you know, wise guys doing wise guy shit pretty much. And you yeah. could leave it at that or you could dig deeper and you could get into some of the filmic aspects of it and some of the stuff like, again, like people talk about that shot of um, when Jimmy is telling Lorraine or not Lorraine, what's her name in the movie? Karen. She, Karen. Yeah, like, literally you know, her name is just, Karen. <laughs> right, 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 around the, right around the corner, right in there. Yeah, go, like, oh my God, that seems. Yeah, so like there's so many of those things that you could read into and. You could write, you know, you could write a Roger Ebert review on this, or you could just get stoned and watch this at, on Netflix at two in the morning. It works. Yeah. It works on every level. Yeah, and it's just like you know, like like um, again, the writing is so good because the stories are so palpable, right? Yeah. Like that scene where they're gonna feed this guy to a fucking lion in in in, uh, in Florida. Yeah. And they're like, oh fuck, I guess they really do feed people to lions in Florida. I like, love that <laughs> shit. I love that every mobster movie ends up in like they got to have a scene in Florida because yeah. there's an element of like they all go to hide out in Florida or whatever. And so there's always that element. I, I remember in the Irishman even there's like a couple scenes yep. where they go to Florida. I mean, yeah, yeah that scene, that, that scene that is scene. amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're like, so, this is how you come to a meeting dressed like this? <laughs> you, you you wear a suit in the summer for a meeting? Anywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for a meeting That's and, you so leave. and then he starts the he starts the whole thing out just like oh man you know it's really hot in you so i'm so glad we're in florida it's been cold in new york it's summer it's summer, it's summer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh, he, just never, no. he just never got over that you people shit in the when they were no. together and that's a thing that's a that's another like gangster trope there's just like it's like um, fucking, you know, Frank Vincent's character in The Sopranos. You just there's one thing, and it lingers on for like three seasons, and then that ends up being the undoing of the whole the show. Yeah. I uh, mean, yeah, right? Like, 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 what's this movie about? This dude insults Jimmy right. about some shit, and we see it when he was like a kid. 
Yep. And he could never get over that. So he fucking kills him. Mm-hmm. And doing that dooms him. And it, it exactly. didn't happen it right did. away. Yeah. You just wait. And he has that great line. It's like, you know, the people that come to kill you, they come with smiles. It's not yeah. it's not the people you expect. They get you at your weakest moment and they yeah. kill you. That's what yeah. happened to him. Yeah, it's great. This is such a great movie. Yeah. And we'll uh it we'll talk about it. Yeah, yeah, again. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Soon. <laughs> um cool. Yeah, so that's my number thirty two. It's good fellas. Sick. My number wow, let's oh, wow, what a gear switch. Uh my, although Listen, not really, because when I was watching this movie for the first for the second time, I want to say I've seen this movie three or four times now when I was watching it, my number 32, when I was watching it, um, I was like, this is is this is basically every Scorsese movie ever like the the structure of it. What am I talking about? I'm talking about Citizen Kane. My number 32 is Citizen Kane. And uh, I think the reason that I like this movie as much as I do and the reason it's as high up on the list, because you haven't seen too many of these like, quote unquote, classic movies on my list, because my list is just full of fucking degenerate shit. Um, Citizen Kane, to me, works because of the structure of it. It's just such a it's very unlike every other classic movie of the time. It's not linear in the same way it's told through the it's like told through the perspective of the perspective of the people who are you know writing about it or whatever um the main character is dead at the beginning of the movie and so the entire thing is told in in retrospect from potentially unreliable narrators i mean there's just so much shit going there's so much shit going on in this movie in this screenplay that like is just kind of unheard of at this time. I mean, this is 1941. I mean, not that long ago, we were doing shit like bringing up baby where it's just Cary Grant and Catherine Hepburn and a tiger, you know, it's ah, hilarity, you know, it's like not too far removed from that stuff. And it's such a complex premise. And then the reason, the thing that really puts this whole thing over the top is the meta element of the William Randolph Hearst and the lampoonery and the bravado with which, this movie just comes out with its dick swinging and it's yeah. just like, we are just going to piss all over you and we we don't care. We're going to do it through the studio, like the Hollywood system. I mean, the studios wouldn't want to touch it, obviously, but like we're going to put this movie out in this ecosystem and just watch it wreak havoc. And of course they did their best and they subdued it and it didn't win that many awards or whatever. But again, you trace it and it's you know one of the top two or three movies that people keep talking about so it's just such a brilliant movie and it's just so inventive and in the way that like like it starts up with like a it's like um like a mirror like a reflection off of the fucking globe and it's just like does all these weird camera tricks and i don't have to explain to you like what citizen kane did and why it was so revolutionary at the time but that makes it so watchable and rewatchable for me because it is more complex than just like, you know, I mean, you can get into some of the other stuff with some of the other movies, but like, it's just structurally like a really complex movie and it's really interesting. And again, it it's one of those things that takes place over the course of like, you know, two, three, four decades and it goes through this person's life. And what are we, what were we just talking about? Like the Scorsese kind of genre of movie where it's just we're going to go through the eras and this movie goes through the eras it goes starts with the newsreel and it goes through the era and all the political shit and and it follows this character all the way through and all of his love interests and stuff this is the same shit that we, we had in wolf of wall street where you know he had a he had a he had this one woman that he had a kid with or or not had a kid with because she couldn't have a kid she couldn't have a kid so he went with this other girl and whatever like we're still seeing movies that are built off of the back of of the structure of citizen kane 
and that's why I love it. And it's it's really rewatchable. It's it's a it's a tight two hours, and it is just as entertaining as as any other kind of biopic you could put on. And it's not a biopic. <laughs> it's yeah. not a biopic. Yeah, <laughs> it's fiction. It is, I swear. Yeah, this this movie. There's so much about that can be said about this movie, and there's a lot that has been said about. The movie. Yeah. Um, you know, we were just talking about Mank, a movie about the guy who wrote this movie. Right. Just the guy who wrote the movie. Just, and, just that, because again, it's just like, yeah. is this the this the movie about making the movie? No, no, no. There's so much shit to talk about about Citizen Kane that you could have its own two hour movie about just just a sixty day period during which the first draft is written. We don't yeah. even get into the rewrites and the disputes yeah. about who gets credit or whatever. It's just the fucking the the impetus of it. It's crazy. There's just so much to talk about with Citizen Kane. Yeah, I think I, you know, I think I think I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Anyway, so I, I'm gonna not say a whole bunch, but sure. one thing that I really, really, really think is incredible about this, um, and basically he was using all of the 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 most like cutting edge techniques yeah. of his time oh, yeah. Yeah. to tell this story. He was sweet. And there's so much stuff where you realize, you know, like the scene where it's him and uh, he's giving the speech. That's a matte mm-hmm. painting. Yeah. Uh, right. That high angle shot of the guy watching him. That's a matte painting. Um, the scenes where it's her in the opera and then there's like this long tracking shot up. Yeah. Like half of that was, it was like, it was like real thing, matte painting, real people. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. The, um, the, the, the tracking shot, uh, the, the dolly shot, when we go into the, uh, into the bar from, we see the, 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 the neon sign and then, then through the skylight and then onto the table. That is un heard of for for 1941 you don't like we do that shit now you see that in a movie now and you're like okay cool they edited that back then it was fucking black magic yeah yeah (laughs) there's just so much stuff that he really like he was able to take all the resources he had great dp great all these guys are just able to do everything and he just like poured it in for a sin and make the most cinematic thing you possibly could and but but these are all like rejects they're like hollywood rejects they're like it's like a rose gallery of just like the studio system fucked us we're gonna fuck them back with this one movie and it's just such a brilliant movie yeah 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 i love it i love love it too (laughs) yeah okay um so i i think we're at number 31 we made it um wow so my number 31 uh one definitely one of the films that you know is just again it's just it's just really affected me when I watched it as a kid, when it came out, blew my fucking mind. Uh, the first movie I ever saw in IMAX was The Dark Knight. Oh Jesus Christ, dude! Yeah, Dark Knight. Like, yeah. So I think I think The Dark Knight. So I feel I really feel like this this film this film is a lot of the reason why we're at where we're at today. Yeah. Um, no. It, yeah. Because this is the film. There were like people like the Spider Man movies, people like Batman '89, but we all felt like they honestly were just like not really good well they weren't so the spider-man movies yeah. were great and then what did we get we got fantastic four and we got we Dead got a Devil. bunch of shit we got a bunch we, of shit we got electra and then you know like the x-men movies you could say okay those were kind of good too they were like better but they were not this they were not the no they were not this they not the level of acting not the level of scale not like an actual well, the, the 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 seriousness with which the yeah. the subject matter is taken the again you just got to have a guy who says i'm just going i'm going to make a crime movie and make it do all of the the tapestry of the crime movie and the acting and the seriousness and then put 
these care these superhero characters in them and then make you realize that the superhero characters by definition have to be fucking insane because he's dressing up as a bat on you know scaring people <laughs> so it's yeah. just a really cool it's twist. just the perfect mix of the actors and auteur and got and the right time where it just all completely blew up also the same year like, that iron man came yeah. out too yeah yeah, um, this movie, it got close to making, it basically made, well, it would have made a billion, but then the Chinese government banned it <laughs> or whatever because That's of so one stupid. scene. That's yeah, so it, yeah. There's yeah. no reason to ban that scene. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. They banned the whole movie. Um, but yeah, anyway, so so this movie, like, this movie is so, I think it's not even, I don't, I don't really think there's any movie totally close to no. as good as this in terms of the genre. I think there are other ones that are good. Or they do things really good, or like I, I, I really, for me, the other one that's really important is the Avengers because I think without the Avengers succeeding, we are not in the world we're in right now. Oh, in absolutely terms of entertainment. not. No, 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 no. Like if that movie failed, like we are in an absolutely different universe in terms of cinema. Yeah. Like the MCU would have just still been basically Iron Man movie. Yeah. Um, well, but, yeah. Yeah, and so this is the other movie where it's like, okay, this is a real genre that people can feel like they get real meaning out of. Like, it's not just some stuff for kids. Like, it's you can take an auteur and have them create, like, incredible cinema out of this. Mm -hmm. And these characters are just a play, are just a way for us to create new experiences. Um, and, yeah, I just think that this is, like, like, you know, being there and experiencing it, like, seeing it in the theater and talking about it and, like, how much just took over everything. Like, this movie became everything. Yeah. When it was out. People were like, this is the greatest... This, for a lot of people, this is just like the greatest movie ever immediately. <laughs> yeah, no, for real, it was um, because and I'm going to I'm going to save I'm going to shelve a lot of this conversation because this movie is much, much higher on my list. But for for the reasons, there's so many reasons, but like it just does. I, I, I to me, it's I don't even look at it as a superhero movie to me because you can look at it that way. It, it's it's complex enough to where you can say it's not even you could read it as um it's just a bunch of fucking crazy people going at it, thinking that, you know, they are the, you know, a, the, they are the cure for society, basically, from two opposing angles. Like, you can look at it in so many different ways. And then for a lot of people, the reason they saw this, you know, it's like a two and a half hour movie. It's got these great epic scenes. It's got these IMAX visuals. It's got this score that to this day, we're still getting the same fucking score in every big budget movie, pretty much. That's Hans Zimmer, like, it's in every fucking movie. So to a lot of people, this was like a perfect confluence of like, all of the stuff that came before, like all of the, the 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 great epics, like like Heat, and you know, mixed with some of the Spider-Man stuff, with some of the world building of some of the other movies. I like again, I I haven't quite thought it through because it's higher on my list. But like the point is, it <laughs> it is just a great like you're right. It's like an inflection point. It's just uh, the the Hollywood kind of system looks different after this movie yeah i think nolan he had a funny quote he said uh he made these at the point before comic book films were i think he called them like uh engines of commerce yes that's the word he used i like He's, that yeah yeah because that, wow. it, it's it's really true and but the, what's so funny is that he's the reason why yeah. this movie is the reason <laughs> why it became an engine of commerce because <laughs> literally he did it <laughs> But that's why, but right. But it's like, what is he going to do? Apologize for making a great fucking movie? I think that he just made a great movie that happened to have these characters in it. 
I think that I don't think he was trying to reinvent the superhero genre necessarily. I think he just found these characters in particular. He found like the Joker and the Batman, which is as a starting point in like all of fiction and all of the stories and myths that humans have created. One of the greatest oppositions, right, that that we've ever come up with, uh, one of the greatest rivalries. So he has that starting and then he just builds a really good movie around it. And you know, he's Christopher Nolan, so he just crafts this like these set pieces that are just unfuckwithable, uh, that nobody else can quite pull off. And again, he has the foresight to go and say, There's four Amex cameras in the world, give me all of them, yeah, <laughs> you give know, me like, all of them, shit like that. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna basically shoot like the first, what, like 20, 10 minutes or whatever, just yeah. totally with IMAX cameras. Yeah, like Blow you remember fucking minds. You remember those David Lean movies from the fifties? I'm gonna make one of those, but like by way of Michael Mann. Like it's just such a cool thing. It's so yeah. cool, and like so for me, I think there's there's two moments in this movie that really stand out. Like I'll never forget. Like when I saw it the first time, when they do the fucking pencil trick. Like that yeah. was that yeah. was like yeah, because that was that was a Joker moment. Like if yeah, you could exactly. essentially describe. What is the Joker? You have him fucking walk in like that and then kill mm. a guy with a. <laughs> uh, there's some interesting stories about how they shot that too, uh, uh, because because they there was no trickery, there was no fake stuff. That was a guy getting his head slammed into a, a desk and moving the thing. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Swear to God, the guy uh, fucking gets yeah. his head and he has the last minute has to move the pencil, and they did that like ten times. Wow. Some guy was bashing his head into the thing. This this is this is almost I feel like it's almost Kubrick levels of just like reinventing a a, a, a fucking genre, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. There there is no way like if you take away the Dark Knight, if you just have Batman begins. Right. Eh. It's it's a it's a totally different landscape. Because I think so. I think you probably still do end up getting into, you know, the Avengers and that kind of shit. But I feel like the Avengers definitely have because they're like, okay, we can make a billion dollars with it. It is possible. Well, it Warner Brothers, possible. Warner Brothers is figuring it out 10, 12, how many fucking years ago? Dark Knight to me feel like feels like it came out two years ago. Like it's so recent in my memory because I saw it in theaters a couple of times, like many times when it came out. Yeah, many times. And it just it was so like transformative because as a as a kid, like you've seen some of the movies that I've been talking about that I grew up with. I love action movies and i love these great kind of hollywood big kind of movies and again heat is a big one for me and we'll talk about it but um shit what was the tangent i was going off on <laughs> i already forgot but yeah it was it's... like like how how it got us to where we are now like like this film feels like it was made in 2017 uh you know? yeah 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 no 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 no. i was gonna say that the warner brothers is kind of figuring out again that like the the reason that this kind of worked out is because Marvel's movies, they're doing a lot of kind of comedy and they're doing a lot of serialized kind of like a TV show. Like we're just all your favorite characters are all existing here kind of a thing. It's and cheers, but like with superpowers. Exactly. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Uh, Everybody right, but, knows your name. Okay, hey, so if Marvel's, Stark, Yeah. So if Marvel's doing cheers. Chris Nolan did heat one time and now they're finally figuring out that like, what if we just stick to the psychology of this stuff? Like that's, that's, that that's working for us better. And so what did they do? Joker came out last year and they just, they gave it to a guy who really likes Scorsese movies who was, well, they were going to give it to Scorsese himself. Right. And uh, boom, that's another billion dollar for you. So like they're finding out that you can take these risks and 
I mean, Joker is literally fucking taxi driver, right? And King of Comedy with yeah. the Joker in it. Mm-hmm. And Dark Knight is literally Heat with the Joker in it. So like it's the Heat with Joker and Batman and yeah. 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 You're, so so yeah. they're figuring out that like you can and, But you know what why that's so accurate? Because Heat is about a cop and a criminal. And that's exactly and how they intersect. This is about the superhero and the supervillain. Well, they and have how to, they intersect. Well, that's <laughs> that that scene where Pacino and De Niro meet in the coffee shop is in the Dark Knight. It's in the yeah. interrogation room yeah. with with totally. with Dark Knight and Joker. I mean, it's just so funny to me. So yeah, like they're figuring out that you can you can trust the audience to you know like a thing that is basically like there's re- there's a reason that those old movies work. Just redo them and put these characters in them. Uh, and then Marvel's just on its on its own different track, just basically making the fucking Cheers verse of of their characters. Yeah. But uh, absolutely, like, I don't know, like, the, the market for these things, yeah, is definitely spawned by this movie. Totally. Because before then, you could say, okay, these things, they do kind of well. And, like, the Fox stuff, like, they were on their own track, and they really kind of, they were building up. The blocks were going up. Mm-hmm. This was a, a, a astronomical leap. This yeah. was a massive leap forward for the genre. It yeah. was taken seriously. Yeah. He won an Oscar. I mean, unfortunately, I probably, if he hadn't have died, he probably wouldn't have won, but... You know, fuck the Academy anyway. Fuck but he deserved anyways, it. Dude. That, he, deserved he deserved it. it. He fucking deserved it. He did, um, there, there's so know. much about this movie, like where you can get a Oscar worthy performance from a comic from a comic character. Movie, yeah. No one thought no one would have thought that in like 2007. Right. Like, right. like, like the over under would have been like 10 years on yeah. someone winning an Oscar for a comic book performance. Right. Right. And it's just it just showed that the genre you can do so much, and it can be the 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 engine of commerce. You can make money and make art, and it's just like whoa, right. the sky's the fucking limit because right. this is IP. This is stuff that people know about. Yeah, this, this isn't just fucking random shit, you know? Exactly. It's like it's it was like the it was like their big aha moment. It's like Star Wars all over again. It's like we yeah, can make. Star, yeah. we, we can make a film that is an honest effort and is trying to be filmic and is trying to rip off. I mean, honestly, you know, Star Wars is just trying to do the fucking, what was that Kurosawa movie? <laughs> uh, um, 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 Hidden Fortress. Hidden, Hidden Fortress, Fortress, right, yeah. right, right. So, like, you can do these things and, 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 and market them, but then you can sell toys. Oh, exactly. shit. And they own all, they own the IP. So they don't right. have to, like, find some, find the next George Lucas. Yeah. They just have to get, a guy who's smart to figure out, you know, what's the angle? What's the yeah, angle yeah, yeah. on this character? What's the angle yeah. on the Joker? What's the angle on Batman? What's the angle on Superman or whatever? Exactly. And they own all that piece. So then they just sell the toys and all the merchandise. Boom. Right, right, it's, right. It's a yeah. winner, winner, chicken dinner. Mm-hmm. And we're still, we're still riding that train. Uh, 2020 would have had a lot more of these comic book movies come out, but we'll see. I mean, I don't think their popularity is going to change just because theaters have been closed and we haven't seen one in a year. Uh, we're gonna get Wonder Woman here in like five days or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'll tell so. you one thing. I I actually think I actually think basically we're gonna see a depressing level. Like when you see the numbers that <sighs> whatever the Marvel movie does in com- in comparison to other movies. Yeah, you're gonna be like it's gonna be actually even worse. I think so. It's basically what I would say. The yeah. the 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 amount of money that the Marvel movies will start making relative to other movies is gonna be even. More stuff. Even, even 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 like a greater divide. You're saying? Yeah, they're they're gonna make. But like before, they'd be like, okay, Marvel because makes a lot because of- there's a hunger for it, or or why do you think? Because that's all people believe in now as oh, a, a, sure. a a commodity, a sure, film yeah, commodity. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's like people be like, I don't know if I want to see Free Guy or I don't know if I want to see the yeah. But I will see the Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. 
they're, they're people like they have that level of confidence in the in the brand and the right. IP that they will go out and see the Marvel. Movie. Well, especially I mean, imagine that you you left you you didn't plan for a world ending fucking pandemic, right? Uh, or ending the world as we know it, I should say. But um, you leave people on the ultimate nut bust that was Avengers Endgame with every fucking nerd just splooged in their own face. Um, and then it's silence. It's radio silence. radio silence. So when these movies come back, of course, there's going to be all this pent up like excitement to see where they go next. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, The Dark Knight, I, I, I really um, I don't know if people will ever truly be able to. Like, you know, someone like if, if I have a kid in like five years, if they'll ever truly understand how powerful right. this film was when it came out. How, exactly. How yeah. it shaped the world that I live in today and yeah, how yeah, yeah. maybe they'll even live it. But this movie, you know, this movie was it. This movie is yeah. why the cinematic yeah. landscape is what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, it yeah. just did it so well, so well that it just became, you know, it's... Yeah. It's like a mythic story. <laughs> it kind of, yeah, yeah. And uh, again, I'm just so glad that, um, I mean, we do have movies. We have a lot of old classic movies that are now being remade in 4K, but I'm so glad that, again, he had that, <laughs> he was nerdy enough to to care to shoot it on film, but to go a step further and to shoot on that IMAX film. And we have this pristine, pristine. fucking perfect quality um, version of these films in that moment where you know he takes his mask off and you want to talk about like a cinema moment right like the, that Heath Ledger uh, performance in that movie is just is right up there so I'm glad that that's immortalized yeah yeah and that that's the good thing is like with this we'll be able to really be able to get pretty close to what right. the, the 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 experience in the theater was mm-hmm. with other people who watch it later if you watch like a 4k we are going to be the old fucks in in like 40 years that are like, I saw Star Wars in 1977 and it blew our fucking pants off. Like, that's going to be this is our movie. Oh, basically. man, I could I could like yeah. I, I can't wait to tell people about yeah. when we saw that fucking truck flip. Oh, we saw that fucking truck flip. When you see that truck flip, it's like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a real truck flipping in a fucking like street in Chicago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shot on IMAX. <laughs> Shot on a fucking IMAX. Yeah. And, and the fucking, and, and it just and the, 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 tracks the, in. The crane in, yeah, yeah. Or the Holy zoom in, shit. Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. And that's, yeah, I mean, that's just like, that's that's what cinema's about, man. Yeah, it's movie magic. <laughs> that's what cinema's about. You see that, and that's the payoff of that whole sequence, basically, is him, you know, flipping the truck, and you're just like. <laughs> mm-hmm. I wish they hadn't shown that in the fucking previews. Because I knew yeah. that was in there, but it was, you know, it was still, it was still great. Yeah, but to see, to see that in an IMAX, the, yeah, the, the, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. that that right, and and that's again, that's why Nolan is such a great filmmaker. Um, and he's a student. Yeah. He's a student of the Kubricks and the David Leans. He knows the power of spectacle. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm slightly worried for how things are going with him. Um, oh, he's I, losing his mind. No, no, no. I mean, not, not that I'm not saying he's going crazy. I'm saying he is, he is, he's not doing well because the, all he values, as far as I could tell, is just the fucking movie theater experience and it's being slaughtered right in front of him. Yeah. So he I doesn't mean, know what to do. I think beyond that, I think he's like, I wish, I, I almost feel like he looks at, at, the, at this stuff with disdain where I think that this is where he could thrive. Mm-hmm. I think he could really like, like this is, this is what his wheelhouse 
could be and should be. I mean, it's good that he's making the tenants and the interstellars and, and, and this movie allowed him to do those things. So I almost feel like I wish that he really Oh, you're saying you're saying uh, in terms of the, the comic book movies. I think he has disdain for the the commercial shit that he did in the past on a yeah, certain level. Absolutely. Like he, yeah, he yeah, doesn't yeah. want to touch it anymore. He's like, Oh, I'm yeah. beyond that. It's right. like, dude, like this this is like first off, this is this is why you got to do Interstellar and in, in, in Inception. Yeah. And Tenet. And this shit is really good. It's still some of the best stuff you've ever done. And it might be good for you to go back to doing that because then it would recenter you and allow you to do another 10 years of and 10 whatever years of inceptions. Yeah. 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 Whatever you want. Um, yeah. I just, I just, it kind of, it feels weird that he's, he's so kind of against this thing that he, he created, he created this world, he created the world. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder if, if there's any amount of money or like, like a, like a Hobbit moment where Warner brothers says, all right, listen, I'm going to be $200 million, but you, you can pick any fucking property. You can pick a DC, whatever the fuck you want. You just do another one. Basically. I, I'm sure. I, yeah. I, I remember like they said they were going to give bail like 50 million or some craziness. Oh no, no, no. I don't want more of the dark Knight. I don't ever well, want this to was, see. This was oh, like in saying... 2014 or something. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Like gotcha. they wanted, they basically, because you know, once Nolan left, they had no way of creating like a, a centralized right. universe. Basically. Right. Thank Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. And so instead we, we get this kind of splintered stuff where we get Joker and yeah. we get yeah whatever Zack Snyder murderverse. Yeah, wait, I mean, if that's what it takes, if, if like five years of utter failures and like stock prices uh, dropping yeah. is if that's what it takes to get us to the point where they make the Joker and Fox makes Deadpool and they figure out like, hey, we could trust our audience with this stuff. Right. Like <laughs> if that's what it takes. Then I think it was worth it. Yeah. Uh, so Aaron likes our show. Yay. So we like you, you, Aaron. <laughs> um yeah I, I think i think we'll, we'll we could talk about this like fucking for we hours. will we will we will we'll get back to the dark knight right. i promise yeah so <laughs> that's that's my number 31 the dark knight cool all right well then let me let me put a, a nice little bow on this uh on this week's conversation just a neat little bow uh my number 31 above citizen kane believe it or not see you can't what what's the saying you can um you can take the trash out of the young man no what is it what what there's that saying is like you can take the trash out of the man but you can't take the man out of the trash or you can take the man out of the trash you can't take the trash out of the man one of those yeah 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 i think yeah there's a lot of ways of but i see what you're saying you get what i'm saying basically it's like you can't take a man away from what he is from what he is exactly exactly (laughs) right you can show me citizen kane and i can i can analyze it and i can really respect it and rewatch it and say wow that's amazing but i gotta get back to my roots eventually uh my number 31 is 1979's the warriors directed by walter hill hell yeah Uh, that, yeah, it's just so good, dude. So the the Warriors is like a it's can it's a, you it's dig a, it? Can you dig it? <laughs> I mean, so this is what I was talking about earlier. When you can definitively point to a movie and say, "Oh, that is seventies as fuck." Like this <laughs> yes, is dude. unmistakable. It's like that, and you know, Scarface and um, Roller Boogie. You could point at those things and say, like, "Yeah, yeah, no, this is of its time." And that's perfectly fine. You can have a cuckoo's nest and you can have a dog day afternoon and you can put those in any period and they'll work and they'll, they'll play and they're universal kind of human stories. And then you have the warriors, which is about the fucking culture, right? It's about the, it's this heightened reality where the gangs rule New York city. Uh, and it, it would, would, there's a line uh, where he's just like, we are number the cops three to one, you know? And, and it's like, 
it's this fantasy of like, yeah, like why don't we, if we all banded together, like we could fucking demolish the system. We could completely take it over. There's nothing they could do. They could, you know, if there was like a riot or something, we could upheave this entire system. Now, granted, the movie takes place in its own little microcosm and it's not talking about like the federal government or anything. But they're just saying basically there's this one guy, Cyrus, who brings together every single gang in, in all of New York. And they're saying we outnumber the cops three to one or five to one or whatever the figure is. If we dig to, if we stick together, you know, there's nothing we can't do. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? And everybody's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then what happens? Somebody shoots this fucking prophetic messiah character and ends that notion. And yeah. uh, he pins it. He pins it on the warriors, uh, which is just one of the outfits. And the warriors is like, you know, 10 or 11 guys are not a huge outfit. Uh, some of the other uh, gangs. They, OK, so this movie does so many, so many cool things. It yeah. creates its own universe with all of these gangs. And each one of these gangs has their own art style. They've got mm-hmm. their own outfits. They've got their own logos. They're in universe graffiti. They've got everything. You've got the fucking baseball furies. You've got the, the boppers. You've got like all of these different gangs and they all look a certain way and that beginning scene is just it's massive there's hundreds of people in that shot it's like a it's like a one of it's like a fucking cleopatra but with like gang gangsters and gang members (laughs) it's insane um and there's all these great scenes uh of like uh, whatever there's like a there's like a narrative The, the 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 movie plays out um sort of like out of out of order in, in certain points, but basically it's a simple premise: is you've got this guy trying to unite all the families, essentially, right? If we're going to put it in gangster terms, uh, somebody whacks them and pins it on the warriors because ultimately, what is it about? Is that they're just at war with the warriors and they wanted to take them out? And the, what's the easiest way is to put in all of New York against the warriors? So they do this great job of setting up. We outnumber the cops, even the police force, and then you and then you turn all of that against an outfit of like 15 guys <laughs> and you realize the stakes are in, it, like just crazy high. Yeah. yeah. There's so many gangs. There's orphans, the Lizzie's there's women, there's men, there's, there's fucking homeless people. Everybody there's gangs. <laughs> there, everything is a gang in this movie. It's insane. Yeah. It's uh, kind of sounds like John wick almost kind of shit. Like the way they dude, built this world. Dude, it, it kind of is. It kind of is. Yeah. Right. It, but it takes place obviously in its own reality, but like mm-hmm. I wasn't alive in the seventies. I can't tell you what the gang situation looked like in New York in the seventies, but obviously it's based on something. Um, and the yeah. coolest, <laughs> yeah. And the coolest fucking thing about this movie is that there is a, there's like a DJ basically. So the, the, this world with all these, all these gang members have their own radio station that they listen to. And that's its own gang is the fucking radio station. <laughs> And there's this one woman who we never see her face. We just see her lips. It's like this close up on this uh, woman's lips and they're bright red. And she's just talking about like, all right, boppers. Today we're talking, you know, we're going to listen to the Marvin Gaye classic, whatever. And so the entire movie is just licensed music, basically. But it's got its own score and everything. But it's basically, you know, 10 guys or 10, 15 guys are on the run from the rest of New York. The the world. Yeah. It's literally them versus the world. Exactly. And it's like, how are they going to get home? So it's it's more or less a simple premise of just like, they're here, they need to get to Coney Island, everyone's out to get them. Uh, and so that that's like an inherently kind of a terrifying premise. Uh, and it's sort of an adventure movie. Um, but then you, movie. It's an action Miles, movie. Yeah. Uh, 
every one of the warriors is its own like character. Basically, you've got the guy who's just the degenerate who'll fuck anything. And then you've got the guy who'll fight anything. And then you've got the guy who's just really passionate about graffiti and graffiti is like everything to him. And it's like, oh, they all have to work together against all of these odds. And uh, there's a great, obviously, the great scene at the end where they end up on the beach. Uh, to fight Luther, the the guy, and that guy's in John Wick. Uh, David Patrick Kelly. I was struggling to come up with his name last uh, last week. Um, and then there's that scene. They finally make it to Coney Island, and he's got the the three bottles, and he's like, you know, clinking them. He's like, "Warriors, yeah. come out to play." So yeah. yeah, it's this movie has just got it. It's it's creates this own little microcosm that it exists in. It's only an hour and a half. But the production value on this thing is oh. insane. It's like a, it's, like, it's an, it's yeah. an epic. It's, it's a B movie yeah. epic. It is, it is, it's yeah, a, yeah. This is another one of those B movies that transcends what it is, exactly. Because it's just like you know, and again, diving into like the the politics and like, like okay, so in the seventies, New York was like fucked up. Was it? It was, yeah. Cool. Yeah, that was that was the, so wait, basically, wait, wait, wait. yeah, yeah, yeah. That the 70s, it's like when the Bronx was on fire, no? Yeah, it it got bad. It got really yeah. bad. So basically what happened is like so like at the tail end of the 60s there was this massive uptick in crime in most major cities and then there's, you know, what's it called the white flight. People just left. We talked about this with like the French connection last week, right? Like mm-hmm. how New York was just kind of fucked. New York was fucked. <laughs> and so yeah. New York it was like it was really bad. And so there was uh so for instance there was this thing. I think it was basically a gang. They called themselves guardian angels and they would just be some dudes who'd be like on the, the subway riding. And right. they, if someone fuck with somebody, they jump them, beat the shit out yeah. of the people. That's, I think that scene is in this movie, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that was some real yeah. life shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So this is just like, this is just the way people viewed how fucked up New York City was at the time. Like New York is just a world of gangs, the way they saw it. That's quite well, a number of cops, and the cops are just there, who are another gang, but they're just you know, the cops are a gang. You know, they're absolutely a fucking gang in this, the way they're presented. It's it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, so this is just like people in 1970s New York, and then there's also you know the, the like the stuff with the music and the Marvin Gaye and like you know that it's kind of stuff. it's, it's it, it, the culture of it. Like it's just it's just seeping through every like orifice of this movie. Yeah. It's just the style and the culture and the. The, the counterculture, I guess, whatever you want to call it. I mean, yeah, like th- th- this is what the kids are into. Kind exactly. Of. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it's almost like because, yeah, really, it, it, it's it's almost you can think of the premise as like everyone left New York other than the gangs. Mm-hmm. And now they're fighting over New York because yeah, of all right. that's left. Yeah. And that's that's almost kind of accurate. <laughs> because people just got the fuck out, man. Yeah. People, yeah, yeah. Like we were talking about before Stanley Kubrick. In like this late sixty, he just left. He went to England, never came back. Never yeah, came yeah, back. Yeah. Just yeah. got too crazy, and people were like, "Oh, I heard this person got robbed. This person got stabbed. This person saw someone get stabbed." People got scared. And they got the fuck out. They got the fuck mm-hmm. out of New York. Now the people that stayed talk about a windfall. Like if you, you know, but when everyone was yeah, leaving, right. property or you, whatever. Yeah, there's New, people, New York, dude. New, New York, York is New York. York. I mean, <laughs> there's people. There's people in San Francisco that are still sitting on shit they bought and their their family bought in like the fifties or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it always comes back. It's just mm-hmm. like there, there are some of these San Francisco, New York, L.A. Yeah, um, it's never going away. Humans are always going to live there until the yeah, end. Yeah, exactly. That people are just attracted to the again. It's that dumb fucking human animal thing of just like we're always uh, going to be attracted to cities. We're always going to be attracted to yep, certain things. Love that yeah. sun. Love that you know yeah. good weather. Love mm-hmm. we're next to the beach or we're next to a river or lake, whatever it is. Yeah, it's you know? it's convenient to be able to walk down the street and get anything you want you could buy a hot dog you could get sushi you could get whatever the fuck everything that's all, all the cultures. You know, yeah, yeah exactly 
Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I love this movie. This movie's crazy. Uh, Mr. Big's in this movie. A young Mr. Big from Sex and the City. That's funny. Yeah, it's a young Mr. Big. Wait, who the fuck is Mr. Big? I forget. I, I don't know his name. I just know him as Mr. Big. Um, okay. I forget the name of the actor. Uh, oh, was it uh, was it James Remar? I think because he's a he's a he's a fucking he's a I guess you could call him a B movie regular, but he's a uh, he's a venerated uh, actor of these types of things. He was he's in a lot of Tarantino movies actually. Um, oh no, it's not Mr. Big. It's the other guy. I forget. I forget um, the guy's name. He's the other. <laughs> See this fucking Sex and the City shit. I know. I have no idea. <laughs> I would. You know what's funny is last night I was uh, looking up. Uh, I wanted to watch Sex and the City because I finished Sopranos and I was just on a really yeah. low. And I was just like, what other HBO series can I watch? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, I've heard a lot about Sex and the City. Like it might be a little too chick flicky, but I want to give it a try. And then I found out that there's no um, like Blu-ray restoration of it. Oh, and no. I I pieced the fuck out. I was just like, nah, I'm not coming back because they're doing this. I am not watching DVD What's up, rips piece of, this. of shit. Yeah, nah, get the fuck out of here. Version. <laughs> Damn, I forget this guy's name. But he was yeah, he's in Sex in the City. He's like, is it, is it is it James Remar? Is that who we're talking about? It might it might be. Hold on. He's the 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 guy who plays uh, Ajax in in the Warriors. He's like the most well known actor in that movie. Yeah, it's him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's, yeah. he's, uh, he's, yeah. <laughs> Dude, he's, no, he's a venerated, like, he's, okay, let's look at this. He has 171 <laughs> yeah. credits. Oh, shit. Acting credits. Like, this guy is, he's like the guy. He, he is. Puts in, in the work. He puts in the work. And he's, again, he's in a shit ton of Tarantino movies. He's in, like, all of the Walter Hill movies a- at this time. Um, he's great. He played, um, he played Brian O'Connor's FBI handler in Too Fast, Too Furious. I mean, nice. I, I can't not love this shit. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. See, that's that's a director who knows what he's. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right with uh, was John Singletary. S- Singleton, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Singleton, yeah, oh, yeah. He, he knew what he was doing. He knew. He, what he, knew, he knew what he was doing, and especially yeah. with the with the Florida shit, with bringing in Ludacris and all the Cubans and the Ava Mendez and the the fucking hotties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, because that's the, basically the, that's basically what the franchise is now. It's like more rappers, more big stars, exactly. more exotic people, more exotic places. Yeah, more more product placement. How can we more pit my ride? How can we put an Xbox in your car? <laughs> 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 yeah, dude, I'm all about it. Yeah. But um, yeah, there's a lot to love about the this Warriors. movie. Fuck it's yeah. it's it's so it's it's crazy to me that this happened. And I think Walter Hill is a really underrated director. He did a lot of really important shit um in the genre in in particularly in my like genre mm-hmm. uh a lot of the kind of the these b b tier guys that i like worship end up through through these movies so ho- i i hope to one day be able to make half a movie like walter hill and of course walter hill did a uh, 48 hours um with mm-hmm. eddie murphy and nick nolte so he's got yeah, some hits that's a good one yeah yeah Cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's our episode for today. Uh, yeah, well, some uh, really good stuff. Good deluxe, discussion. deluxe edition. Deluxe, episode. Yeah, it's they're getting longer. Dude, they're getting way fucking longer. They're gonna keep getting longer because we're again we're getting into the stuff that like every single one of these is is our baby, and we want yeah. to really give them the time that they deserve. I feel like this is illuminating too because like I I feel the other thing I want to do is see what things we talk about the most. Like have the longest discussions because sure. I really feel like that says something too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it probably says something about us. Those are like the things probably more that we that we have more something in common to say about common. maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like like that Dark Knight discussion, I feel like that really was illuminating, and we're gonna talk about it more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> if you add, if if you add up like probably what's the longest we've spent time on, 
is uh, Christopher Nolan shit. Yeah. Uh, just him in general and the, the Irishman slash Scorsese stuff. I would Scorsese, say that's probably what yeah, we've yeah. spent the longest on. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was just thinking that, like, what I know that whenever the next one is, like, I'm probably going to have to add Dunkirk. I feel like I have to add Dunkirk. Like, mm. uh, just the more I watch that movie, the more it's just like an absolute cinematic masterpiece but yeah, yeah i feel uh, you're right the nolan stuff because nolan is really like the guy well, he's he's just he's relevant right he's relevant right now because he's doing stuff that is able to impact movies as we know it still basically he did yeah. it during our lifetime and he's he's has the potential to do it again so that's why we we talk about him and we criticize and we you know adore and, and yeah keep going back and forth yeah absolutely he's he's really like the the titan of his era yeah of, uh, of our time you know yeah, yeah, yeah. And it sucks. Can I just add one 30-second rant about why I wish that Tenet, A, got the rollout that it deserved, and B, was better than it ended up being? Because Tenet felt like I'm going to do Inception again, and it just wasn't. I mean, really, I think all it really needed was something as banal as the the thing he had in, in Inception with my wife, wife killed herself and now I'm sad and I'm doing the psychopathic idea implanting shit. Like, that's all Tenet really <laughs> needed. Uh, Absolutely. I, I Absolutely. cannot... I can't, I'm going to watch Tenet again because I just got the 4K Blu-ray of it and uh, when yeah. I go up for Christmas, I'm going to watch it with my friends, but uh, like I'm going to watch that, but like the 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 woman with her child shit is just not doing it for me it's not <laughs> and the, enough and the, the, the end of the world doomsday plot is just come on <laughs> so i when i remember so the first thing i really heard the first feedback i heard was someone they compared this they compared tenant to uh they said it was like north by northwest mixed with um primer which was sure. like kind of yeah. gave me a boner i like that yeah but i think i think this the film is not written so what I like so much about North by Northwest is that the why why I talked about the writer, he was able to take all these big ideas and, and then center them, them with actual character, <laughs> yeah, with yeah, actual yeah. character and plot and things that move. With that, no one's like fuck the plot, fuck everything else. Yeah, here's a chick, she, her kid died, her kid, she's afraid of him dying. Okay, now let me do what I want to do. I'm gonna fl- I'm gonna crash a fucking plane into a building, and it's a real fucking plane, and I'm gonna blow it up. <laughs> I'm laughing because. It's true. He it's just, it's he true. Just, he just says, fuck the story, dude. Like, who it's cares? It's true. <laughs> it's so fucking yeah. true. And the yeah. thing, so I, I was seeing this thing recently. This thing kind of went viral where he was talking. He was actually talking about Dunkirk. He was talking about Dunkirk and this guy interviewed him like, you know, this plot is really intricate. And like, you know, do you think the 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 people are going to be overwhelmed? He's, he was like, he literally said, fuck it. He said, fuck it. If they can't get it, fuck it. And I'm just doing this thing for me. This is how I want to relate to the story. I like because it. Because this is how I tell the story of Dunkirk. It's about the fact that if you're a soldier, time is way more elongated than if you're in yeah. a plane. Yeah, yeah, That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you're in a boat. And so I'm going to use that to tell yeah. the story. And yeah. the rest is just me using IMAX cameras. Again, to, it's yeah. it's the same thing. Go back to our uh, – we talked about this in our Interstellar uh, like discussion. It was basically just like – he finds this thing. It's like, what's what's his entry point? Is just like, oh, time is different for soldiers. Dunkirk, boom, that's cool. Uh, relativity, time flows differently in space. Uh, okay, family, Murph. Yeah. Okay, cool. You know, like uh, Inception, like dreams, dreams within dreams. Okay, you know, like he, which creates and, a time element that I really need to tell. That I want to tell the story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, he builds, he builds on the shit, you know. So yeah, absolutely, and yeah, I. I yeah, everything like, is tenet, secondary. 
yeah, Tenet is just it's just there's not enough of an actual thing. That's why to me, Tenet is trying to be North by Northwest, but it fails because we don't there's really care about the tying it all together. Yeah, yeah, and then I, uh, you know, I've watched it like quite a few times at this point. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think that what he's trying to do is actually really interesting thematically with the film because I think it really said because like the film is really about a war between the present and the future. That's what the film's about, mm-hmm. and it's really about how the things we're doing are kind of going to fuck up the future. And what exactly. if the future, what if the future was like, fuck you? Well, we're going to exactly. fuck you back. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, what yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what, that's what it's about. And then there, there's a, at the end, there's a thematic kind of, he, he contemplates that mm-hmm. he contemplates that the problem is you can't hear them talk about it in the movie. Yeah. yeah. No one heard it. No one, they just yeah. see John David Washington and this Russian guy on the phone. I haven't watched it yet, but I read in a review of the 4K Blu-ray because I was reading like about the technical specs and stuff. And I read in the review that like even the subtitles sometimes say indistinct or inaudible over dialogue during certain. I haven't seen it yet, but that's just what I read in the review. And I'm like, if that's the point where the fucking guy who has to sit down and transcribe it and write the subtitles for the Blu-ray, even he doesn't know what they're saying. Come on, dude. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, because then there's then, then he does this other trolling where it's like people talking backwards and shit. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. It's 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 it's, it's... well. <laughs> at least he shows you what they're saying after or afterwards. He, but, yes. but 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 if, but I hate that. I hate that so much. That scene where the guy's talking to him backwards because I already can't hear shit in this movie. So I have to. I I'm going crazy. And he's speaking in a think, And and I have to think. Am I not hearing this because I can't hear anything <laughs> anyways? Or is he speaking backwards? And then the payoff is 10 minutes later. We hear what he's saying forwards. I'm like, well, if I knew that, I would have fucking paid attention the first time to what was yeah. going on. But I was focusing on trying to figure out if I could hear the fucking dialogue. <laughs> so this is this is the thing that I – I so basically he wants to make you submit. That's actually what he wants to do. He wants okay. – like, literally he wants you to submit to him and yeah. just kind of like just let the shit just wash over you. And then yeah. you wa- he wants you to watch it again and again and again, and then you yeah, kind yeah, of pick yeah. up stuff, sure. and then it becomes easier. But he literally wants you to su- – that's that's what he basically said in that interview. He wants you to just, like, stop thinking about it, submit to him, let the let the cinema yeah, yeah, yeah. wash over you, and then experience it again and again and again, and then sure. through that, yeah, yeah, you yeah. kind of start to understand. But that's, like – but that, that's, a, that's a level of craftsmanship that is like just it's it's beyond any, anything anyone else is doing. No, nobody else is like fucking beating me into submission uh, it, it, at this level with this much money and marketing behind it. Like I haven't seen like, OK, if this was like a, you know, like a fucking indie movie or something. Sure. Like if this was primer, I understand you could you could do that uh, if this was like a Shane Carruth thing. But like not I mean, not when you're trying to sell me action figures. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tenet, I feel like Tenet is a step too far to me for him. Yeah, I think so. And he so. needs to stick. He needs. That's why I was saying in the Dark Knight stuff, like he needs to take a step back. Yeah. And like maybe try to do a fucking Superman movie. I and don't then know. Just recenter himself. I think, but I think this, this, the, the, the response and just the the criticisms that we're talking about because we don't hate Tenet, but I think this kind of these kind of discussions are gonna embolden him. I just have a a, a, a sneaking suspicion that he's gonna people are gonna say we can't hear your dialogue, and he's like, guess what, motherfuckers? The concept for the next movie is you know nobody can speak or they no, can only yeah. speak or like. It's set in a futuristic world where um, everybody speaks their own language, but the translators don't work, and so every, yeah, the I, entire I think, movie is in eight different languages. I like think, he's gonna do something like that. I think the I think the next one is like how how sound can trans transverse time, and yeah. so so then the <laughs> yeah. yeah, 
Uh-huh. So sure. you'll be able to hear everything, but then there's a time element to it. Yeah. So, so, so. Oh, the or, they, entire, or like, so he, the, like, he, like, stretches out, is, like. Yeah, yeah, the track is just off sync by, like, five minutes. <laughs> like, like, you're, like, at the beginning of the film, you'll hear something, but it's, like, it's, it's elongated. It just And then slips. you'll hear, and then you'll hear that same thing again later, but it's truncated, and then you'll understand it. God damn it. Yep, you'll hear everything. You'll hear everything the in the next film, but it's going to yeah. have a time element. I, I feel like that's that has the to one. be the I'm, I if if there were Vegas odds, I would put money on it. That's happening. <laughs> I absolutely think that has to be because how yeah. sound interacts with time. That's like I I feel like you just have to say that to him. Yeah, right. That's, you just <laughs> he, say that to him, and boom, it's he just going. he goes he goes on a twenty hour fucking caffeine binge writing this thing. Yeah, yeah. and he's 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 in the fucking writing room. He's writing the script, <laughs> and he's writing all the machinations on how how time interacts with sound and how that can traverse traverse the oh whatever you know yeah, yeah. He's, he's off the last thing he's thinking about is like <laughs> what is the character he doesn't give a fuck about what the <laughs> like the character will come he'll figure out the whole plot the whole world he'll build the world and then it's like okay so i need i so guess i need, I need a woman a, yeah. i need a kid <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh my God. Yeah. And, then, and then he just shoehorns in the woman the kid and all this other mm-hmm. shit Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, is there a part Michael King can play? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Or did you just hear his voice or whatever? Like that's yeah. even better. He doesn't have to show up. He just, just He doesn't have me. to show up. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh my god, I love this. I love it. There's it's so gonna, many things. Dude, it's gonna happen. That's such a great concept for him. It's gonna happen for sure. Yeah. Oh my god. All right, guys. Cool. This has been a fun one. <laughs> yeah, thanks for sticking. Listen, we'll 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 work on the timestamps. We'll get all of those uh, yeah. figured out because it, these are kind of impenetrable with the timestamps. I feel it is. Yeah. Um. So we'll we'll get those up, and by the end of this, we will have a collection of discussions oh, that we can go back to. That that'll be fun. So I yeah. hope at some point, like like we make a movie that like two people are interested in, or like five people, or whatever, and then they're like, "Oh shit! Did you know that?" <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Did you know? Did you know that these guys are fucking insane? Did you know that there's that there's thirty five hours of content of the two of them talking about movies? And then there's this poor son of a bitch is literally just watching. I listen. If that's you in the future, if this is if this is God the Christopher Nolan you. premise, God bless you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like, or the even better thing is like, it's ten years later, and the this movie, this Nolan movie, just got made. Right. And like, holy fuck, these guys we discovered these guys. A, this podcast with three views from 2020. <laughs> Predicted. Did Christopher Nolan steal his ideas? <laughs> I oh wish Dude, that'd be yeah, cool. Yeah, Listen, yeah. make Bill and Ted's home movie. That's all I got to say. Make Dude, that shit. Yeah. Green yeah, light no, it we need today. To, we need to like, you need to make it. Yes, please. I'll get, I'll get Soderbergh on the phone. We'll see if he can produce yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. Cool. Thanks a lot. It's been a fun one. Talk yeah. to you. Talk, to, talk you soon. to you soon. See ya.